touch the heart of an entire world. This is a night that carries us back to the enchanting world of our youth. If you've watched WWE over the last 25 years, the chances are you've heard the expression, the boyhood dream has come true. And what was true for Shawn Michaels in Anaheim in 1996 became true for four Brits aged just 18, 19, 21 and 24 as we cross the pond in search of the showcase of the immortals and the chance to live forever. 20 years ago today, we went to our first WrestleMania and with me today to look back over what many consider to be the best mania of all time, our 21-year-old and 24-year-old at the time, Mark Dunderdale and Stuart Roberts are here. Mark, how are you doing this evening? Um, uh, very well, thanks. It's, uh, I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. Stu, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm really pumped for this. Like I say, like Mark said, looking forward to this for a long time. So, yeah. Yeah, alas, my travelling companion, dear Lewis, who's, who's just 18 years young when we went to our first WrestleMania. Unfortunately, work commitments mean he won't be able to join us, but I'm sure we'll, we'll, he will come into the stories and tales of that uh, that few days, I'm sure. Right, so the format for this tonight is we're going to do it as a watch-along, um, but you don't have to watch along at home. If you're listening, I'm sure this will work as a podcast standalone. But if you want to load up the WWE Network and get yourself ready, I'll do a bit of a countdown if you're going to watch along with us. Um, which I will do in a moment. This is the problem with doing too much stuff on air. You kind of like lose your place and realise you've got to fill in the gaps. So I'm scrambling after 30 seconds already. So basically, I've got the network load up. Mark's going to look, watch the DVD version. So I'm looking forward to seeing if anything on that is different from from what we've got on the on the network version. Why don't one of you two fill time before I try and sort this out? Mark, tell me about that DVD. Is it two two discs? This is a two-disc here. It's the original 2001 version, because I think they re-released as a tag classic a few years later. Um, so disc one takes us as far as Shane and Vince match. Perfect. Along with extra, extra stuff, including um, the the pre, pre-show match. Sorry. Um, can you remember what, what that was, by the way? Um, I, was it X-Pac and someone? He was involved. It was X-Pac and Just Incredible with Albert, a.k.a. X-Factor, against the world-renowned tag team of Grandmaster Sex A and Steve Blackman. Wow, incredible. Incredible. Right, I've now wow. sorted my life out. So in in three, two, one, if you're at home, um, press play, and I'll, I'll count down the few, first few seconds as well. So three, two, one, go, and one, two... So here we go. So I actually watched this. I must be honest. I watched this start earlier on. Um, and Mark, you've been you've been with me when I've got a little bit emotional wrestling at least once or twice. And I had a little little tear in my eye, and also some shivers up my spine. So I think this is one of the particularly good 
um, kind of openings. What do you what did you think of this? Can you can you does this give give you fond memories? I'm sure both of you have probably watched this event more than any other, haven't you? Uh, I haven't watched it for I'd say at least a decade. Really? Uh, well, maybe the occasional match from towards the end of the show, but uh, this opening I have no memory of at all. I love the the style of it. It's basically people all over the world just watching WrestleMania in whatever situation they happen to be in. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. And talking about boyhood dreams country, we've got Michaels with the world title. Do you, do you remember this, Stuart? When was the last time you watched this? Well, it's a bit like Mark. I've not watched a, I've not watched a pay-per-view from start to finish for a... a oh God, I, I dread to think how many years. But I do cherry-pick matches every now and again. So so the, the Shane and Vince match has been one that I particularly watch. Mm. Numerous occasions, and and also, also obviously the the, the main event as well. But uh, um, but one match that I've not watched on of, of this for for a, a really really long time is the uh, is the, the the TLC match. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to, to delving into that again. Yeah, I mean it's um it's a it's a, it's such a strong show, isn't it? I and mean, we'll, we'll we'll touch on the matches and talk about that as we go through. This we've got I've got um my way limp biscuit plan in the one ear that i'm listening to this but i mean this is just like it just is like we we will talk we're, we're gonna jump around on all sorts of tangents but this was just like it's the sort of stuff when you're living it at the time it's like you can't even believe that this is actually happening to you that you've actually you've been watching this stuff for, for years as it, as it since you were a kid and now you're actually at WrestleMania. We just look at the fireworks and stuff. So let's go right back. We will jump in with the matches and stuff because I think it's probably fair to say that, that some of the early part of this card is probably a good chance for us to talk about uh, holidays and how this all came about. So, Stu, I, I think I probably know a little bit more about Marks, but I, I can't really remember too in detail. How did you find yourself at this WrestleMania? So talk, talk to me about ideas, how it first came up, how yeah. you booked it all, how it all happened. Um, I mean, it was... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but th- probably this WrestleMania was probably in, uh, set aside from like WrestleMania three, WrestleMania eight. This is probably the one of the biggest venues that they 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 used, and it was really started just to just you know obviously they've won the Monday night or they were winning the Monday night wars, weren't they? Right up until you know from from probably the, the middle of last year. So it really felt like it was going to be quite a quite a big thing. This and and, and again it was. It, it wasn't something that I particularly planned. Um, I, I just had a bit of cash on the hip and thought, what shall I do? Oh, do you know what? Why don't I just, just bite the bullet and go out to go out to WrestleMania and stuff like that? And and, and that's really how it comes from. It was it was and, and I got it all sorted with within pretty much in a week. I've gone down, I've booked the flights and and, and and got the tickets to WrestleMania and, and, and accommodation and stuff like that. Um, I really did it within the space of a week. I, I didn't dwell on it. I didn't think about it too much because, you know, it's like if I thought, oh, I think, oh, I'll come back to it in a couple of weeks, I probably never would have done it. So it's one of those impulse, oh, let's let's just do this. You know, I was single. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'd literally, um, I hadn't, I hadn't my, no, I hadn't. I was buying my first house because this was 2001. Yeah, so I bought my first house or I was planning to buy up my first house towards the end of the year. So I just thought, well, while I've got the cash now, because once I get a house and a mortgage, it might be a, a whole different ball game. So, uh, and that was it, really. It was just a real impulse decision. So um, when, when would that have been yeah, timing-wise, uh, that the, that that kind of week took place? 
actually, it's probably into the turn into the new year. It probably, it probably would have been oh, around so January. It was quite late then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, didn't think about it too. I just, just did it. Um, yeah, and then obviously, um, you know, I, 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 at that time I worked for a, for a, for a bank and um, one of the guys that I worked with, he was he was big into wrestling as well. So, um, you know, I mentioned to him, he said, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wouldn't mind coming along and stuff like that. And that's really just how it happened. It was just just like that. And um, yeah, best way, probably one of the best decisions that I've ever made, given <laughs> the events, the friendships, the, you, you know what I mean? So, because you always think, well, if I had not done that, where 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 would we, you know, we would yeah, never yeah. even known each other, would we? So, you know, so, uh, um, but but to think it was it, 20 years ago is just, just crazy. I'm Horrific, really, isn't it? I like think Chris it's yeah, Chris Jer- yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at Chris Jericho now and, and, and William Regal, and I'm just being in that arena and the, and the goosebumps that that you got from it was was great because I where for those who maybe aren't familiar with the Astrodome, I, I was um, I was sort of like dead opposite the, the ramp, the, the walkway, um, but quite high up. So I had a really perfect view of the entrance. I was literally like. In line with the entrance way. So, which like tier that. were you in? Can you remember which tier? Because so were you second there. tier or la- or the lower bowl? Uh, no, I know I, I was probably second tier. Yeah. yeah, we were in there as well. That's so I never knew that till right now. So, we, so we were in the same tier as you. We were yeah. facing the entrance way, probably slightly off to the right, and in the second tier. So we were probably only a couple yeah. of blocks away from each other. Yeah. So you weren't travel packaging. Yeah, I, I, I were literally. No, 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 I didn't do the travel package. No, this is all, I just did it all myself, yeah. So were you staying at the same hotel as Mark that you booked yourself, or were you somewhere completely different? Were we at the same hotel? Some of these details... I I can't remember. I remember, obviously, the Sunday night was the night we had most of the night um, in the bar, and then we all went back to my hotel room and had some drinks and what have you. Yeah. And... But I can't remember if you then went elsewhere or you were staying in the same hotel because uh, obviously, I don't know if we were going to get to this part of the story, your friend and one of the lady friends we um, we spent some time with, uh, they went off out of my room and found somewhere else. We must know. I think we we must have been in the same hotel then. I don't recall. But then again, I think they were on the travel package, so maybe your friend went to her room. yeah. Was she was she was she a Geordie? Very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, just, so, so, so things to remember about that night. <laughs> so just to give some context, so we uh I travel with my friend Lewis, um, Stu you were one of your mates, and Mark and, and I and I massive, massive plaudits for this because that was something I would never have been brave. I would do it now, but you you did it solo, which I've got massive respect for. And we were sat next to each other on the plane. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how it started. And Stu was behind us. And we were we yeah. were all going to WrestleMania. And we just got chatting during the course of the um, course of the flight. And 20, 20 years and a couple of days later, we're talking about WrestleMania. So, yeah, obviously, we uh, it clicked, I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah. I mean, the one yeah. thing I remember, particularly about being in the airport ready to go, was because Mark, you had you were you had your orange Taz T-shirt on, if I if I remember rightly, was that was that right? Uh, I don't think I would have done because I wore that to WrestleMania on the Sunday, so I'll have been wearing probably a wrestling T-shirt, but a different you, one. You had something on that that stood yeah. out, and I thought, oh yeah, you, you yeah, you must be going to WrestleMania. Yeah, there was something because you were standing on your own. I thought, oh yeah, you 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 must be going to WrestleMania and stuff like that. So that that's yeah. cool. But like you say, 
to all be within like two, three rows of each other on the plane was. Um, well, yeah. the spooky thing so we were a little bit excited. Not to, not to jump forward to the WrestleMania 18 uh, watch-along coming in 2022, but we hadn't... You know what blokes are like? Like, there's guys that I've sat with at Fulham, especially my old seats, where I was sat probably, like, best part of 20, 20, 25 years, and you see the same blokes every week, but you would never... You'd never swap numbers or anything with them. You'd never ask them what they're that. You'd never do any of that sort of stuff. So, we, though we all bumped into each other, I guess mobiles were a thing then, but I didn't have a mobile phone. Mobiles were a thing. I certainly didn't have a mobile phone on that holiday, no way, because it wouldn't have worked in America because of the weird bandings and stuff then. So we didn't, none of us swapped contact details. And one year later for the flight to Toronto, you know, you guys, I don't know what the flight situation from sort of Manchester Airport or Leeds, et cetera, you guys obviously from up north, we were on the same flight to Toronto on the same day, one row in front of each other again. <laughs> Just like you, can't, you couldn't make that up because we bumped each other at the yeah. airport, didn't we? Yeah. Couldn't make it up, no. You couldn't make it up. No, it was- yeah. At a different airport, even we went from Gatwick to Houston and from Heathrow to Toronto. Oh wow! I didn't know. I didn't. I wouldn't have known. The odds are crazy. Yeah, so that was quite incredible. I suppose we what did we do? Fly Air Canada for? We're getting on the wrong podcast, aren't we? We need to stick to seventeen <laughs> to eighteen. But yes. Yeah, so shoot, what else did you? What what did you got? Did you fly out on the Monday as well? Fly home on the Monday as well? No, I. I my, my mate. My, see, this is where um, my mate flew back earlier than me but I stayed on for another couple of days mm. um, and I, uh, I it was great because I went to see uh, I went to see the opening game of the baseball season oh, so that's I great. saw Houston Astros play yep um, um, and I also went to see U2 in concert when I was out there on their uh, oh, now what tour was it they were on uh, Elevation yeah I saw no no it wasn't no I'll, I'll, I'll I'll, I'll find out what it was. Um, but yeah, so I went to U2 and literally again, just walked up to, um, to, to, oh, I can't remember what arena it was now, but just walked up and bought tickets on the day and saw, saw U2, which was just an absolutely epic. Was that epic at the arena? In and I, so I think, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to Google it in a minute and find out. So, um, but I, um, yeah, I think I flew back on the Wednesday. I had a couple of extra days out there. That's great. Um, oh, you can't leave behind? Yeah. That... I'm going to find out. Find out. So I went to that to tour in, in Earl's Court that later that year, but I can't remember. Elevation was later, wasn't it? I think it wasn't that album. So yeah, that's mad that you went to that. So, so Mark, what, what I, I know you were a travel package, but how did this, this was in the days of people sending it by post, I believe, wasn't it? How did, how did your kind of adventure to WrestleMania come about? Yeah, I... I left school in 95 and I started working shortly thereafter. And and I think from that point, I was thinking once I can save enough money, the first big thing I'm going to do when I'm earning my own money is go to WrestleMania. And, um, and I obviously we're talking 2001. So some time had passed, some things had come up and, and my money had gone elsewhere. But um, in WWF magazine, Cavos, Cavos 2000, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was 2002. That was after. Oh, yeah, because um, I went 2003. Yeah, I remember it was, we were a year apart. Yeah. Um, but the travel package uh, was advertised in the magazine, and it and it was a fairly vague, but it did tell you, get your hotel sorted, your tickets to the wrestling sorted, and everything else. You've just got to get your flights on top. And I thought, well, that's the way to go. That's a yeah, big simplified way because, you know, the internet – been in its infancy i wouldn't have known how to go on and get a decent deal for a holiday somewhere like houston it's not exactly known as a 
tourist destination popular with UK travellers. Um, so I went into a travel agent. I said, um, well, no, that's jumping the gun. I, I sent off to join the travel package club in, uh, I think it's called the Squared Circle Club, in maybe 99 or 2000. So they kept sending me the details for all the big four events, as they were in them days. And um, I think I've told you before, Steve, that the thing that sealed the deal for WrestleMania 17 was uh, sitting up that night watching WrestleMania 2000 live when yeah, the advertisement came on. Yeah. Um, and basically they said they were going to break the indoor attendance record that they'd set at WrestleMania 3. I thought, this is it. This is the one I've got to be at to witness history. Um, so I sent off for the details and um, got all that through. And then, yeah, I literally went to my local high street travel agent. I said, um, here's the nights I've been booked in Houston. Uh, can I get a decent flight there and back, please? And, um, yeah, that's how I uh, ended up that year doing that specific one. And it all fell into place nicely. That was great. I mean, the travel package... We let dated later did it together, but it's it was so good for um just simplicity and taking the stress out of it, especially back then. Because you if you funny, I didn't I didn't even know the travel pack, package existed until I guess I met you, and then I didn't know how you became a part of it until the two thousand and three one we did travel package. Um, but did you talk about the internet? Yeah, so I remember giving you the details because I didn't go yeah, to that one. That was and, it. By um, then it was set you up that way, me. but. Jericho's just beat. Yes, yeah. So I'm just gonna. We're just gonna jump in and talk. I mean, that was. I don't know. Do you, Do you guys have any memories of that Jericho and um, Regal opener? I mean, it was. I thought it was fine, but it didn't sort of set the world on fire. They didn't get didn't get given all that much time. It's actually seven minutes and eight seconds. Chris Jericho pinned William Regal with the lion salt to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. Jericho was super over at this point, I remember. And mm. it started 2001 with a bang with that excellent ladder match at the Royal Rumble to become Intercontinental yeah. Champion. And uh, he, he was doing well. And then Regal, in, from sort of February onwards, was all over TV once he became Vince's right-hand man and man, yeah. in the commissioner position. He was on literally five or six segments of every Raw and every SmackDown. Regal was everywhere. Yeah, we'll get, just getting shook what do you think of that opening yeah. show? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, the one thing I, I, I really do remember about it was that that wicked arm drag um, Regal did off the top rope. Uh, that was uh, that. Yeah, I remember that. But uh, yeah, so we've just seen, so we've just seen Shane come in with a in a WCW limo, haven't we? It's, uh, <laughs> and now we've got the APA and Jacqueline all sitting there smoking cigars, having a having a whale of a time. Yeah. <laughs> what coming back to that original, coming back to that. that Stu, go ahead, sorry. JBL's yelling backstage. Yeah, I, I think that was a common thing in 2001. Yeah, he, he talks about someone. So just coming back, to, uh, coming back to my, uh, my my bit into Houston, so you, you was right, Stephen, it was the elevation. Tour. Oh, was it? Okay, fine, yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. So I saw them on the 2nd of April, and then I've just quickly Googled uh, Houston Astros, and I went to see them on the 3rd of April, and they beat the Milwaukee Brewers 11-3. So, wow. Uh, so, yeah. Was that about, the Astrodome as well, Stu? No, no, no. It's a baseball. Uh, oh, don't ask me what the. Uh, it was. It's near. Well, I, I remember it's a new one, but we, Lewis and I, stayed right by it for the 2009 WrestleMania. I don't know. Did you come? Did you guys come to our hotel at all there? Because we were staying quite close, weren't we? On the little um, monorail thing, I suppose it was, wasn't it? 
It was just down there. Yeah, I, I think it was your hotel where we met before we went to the Hall of Fame and before we went to Raw because uh, yeah, that's yeah. how close you were yeah. to, that, to the Toyota Center. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where were we? So, oh, yeah, in, we're talking about internet, weren't we, just as the APA come out for their match. Um, no, sorry, this is right to censor, isn't it, versus the APA. Um, this, this, I've got a headphone and this yeah. music with the, the siren is is making me want to take it out temporarily. <laughs> um, so talking about the internet, so we just bought a PC at home that could connect to the internet. But back then, as you guys know, you had to be on the phone to get on the internet. So my parents were like, well, you're not going to do that. What if someone needs to phone us in like an emergency or something? So we got another phone line put in, which I don't think was all that expensive to do then, but I hadn't been put in yet. So I actually went around one of my friend's houses to, to get WrestleMania tickets on the Saturday they went on sale. And it was impossible. I was around there for probably, I got around there probably at like two o'clock. And then around the time of dinner, like I could sense his parents, like get this guy out of my house. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> so basically I had to like, I can't remember. I think my PC was all set up in my bedroom. I take it all downstairs and put it, plug it into a phone line. And stuff. There's no phone line in my bedroom. And eventually about like 10 o'clock at night, I got two pretty ropey seats in the middle tier. And that was like, the whole day on, on dial-up internet. Like, it's just it's just mad to think that that's what we used to have to, like, kind of do to get tickets. I think in terms of flights, I presume I've put those online, but I've got, I can't really... I don't think it was a travel agent. I guess I would have done it online, but I don't... It was BA, but I don't really remember. But like you said, the, the, the hotel that we got... So we had to get... Um, you were standing, like, opposite the... Over the car park from the Astrodome, weren't it? Was it a car park you walked through together? Literally across the road, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so I remember, I remember, like it wasn't Googling at the time. It was you used to Yahoo things rather than Google. I think was the search engine, and I, I, I tried to search for something that was near the Astrodome, and we found this place. And like Google Maps wasn't really a thing. I didn't, I didn't know what MapQuest was or anything like that. And it ended up being about ten miles from the Astrodome. So every time we went down there for access, so we went to access to and to and fro twice and to the Astrodome. It was like forty dollars in a cab. So like pretty much all my spending money for that whole holiday was spent on cabs. So it's just like, yeah, an absolute, absolute nightmare. And the the where we were standing, we were literally standing on the edge of a freeway that had um, a Wendy's, which was about five minutes walk, and like a little convenience sort of petrol station. And there was a Denny's that was probably 45 minutes walk that Lewis, my traveling companion and old friend, convinced me to walk to. Now, you guys know that it was, it was pretty hot in Houston, especially for some pasty Brits. So we walked 45 minutes, and I was covered in head-to-toe sweat, bought breakfast and then Lewis announced he hadn't brought any money with him so I had to buy him breakfast which was just a fantastic fantastic time for us all um yeah I think part of the appeal from the um travel package was you you knew your hotel was going to be a decent quality one and close to the venue that was the selling point for me but and, and obviously um I mean you were on the phone a long time but getting tickets for a 70,000 seat arena you were going to easily get a ticket but what I was thinking back to was um, skipping ahead a few years, WrestleMania 20. Oh, um, yeah. Um, as part of the travel package, we got the Hall of Fame tickets. And that was a tiny little place before they started doing Arena Hall of Fames. And uh, I, I think we'd have really struggled to get a ticket any other way than we did as part of that travel package. And um, that that was a great night. That Obviously, the following year is when they started doing uh, sort of 15,000 seats instead of there was maybe 500, 600 that year. It wasn't very many. I think, what was it? It was a, It was kind of in, in, in betwixt between the following couple of years were like quite big theatres and then it went up full on 
Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it's just, it's just really weird to kind of very, very different time in terms of, um, ticket stuff. So Mark, what else did you get up to while you were in Houston? Did you do anything sort of out of the ordinary? Cause you, I know we, we bumped into each other at the, the fan festival access was particularly good. I thought in Houston, but not as good, not nearly as good the following year in Toronto. Yeah, I, um, all over the pl- sorry, well, so Mark, this is all over the place in this match, isn't it? He's yeah, it keeps stumbling. stumbling and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I I was only there from the Friday until the Monday. I flew home um, Monday evening, and um, and the whole trip was geared towards WrestleMania and nothing else. So I, I didn't make plans to do anything else, and uh, I didn't have a great deal of spending money for cabs or for any other events so it was literally I knew I was going to do access on the Saturday and the Sunday um, uh, wrestling Wrestlemania Sunday night and then home Monday so I didn't go anywhere else I didn't do anything else so it's just a bonus that I, I met some people as well as yourselves there were some other guys I've spent some time with in the hotel and uh, we had a good uh, we had a fairly good night on the Friday night but jet lag caught up and that didn't last long but Saturday night was a really fun night there was some some of the uh, WWE crew were in the same hotel, not the wrestlers, but um, the ring crew, which also includes referees. I remember um, speaking to Mike Kyoda for a little bit and a couple of the other ones I'd recognised from TV. And they were all in the bar and it, it was full of people and literally everyone was there for the same reason. It was lively, people singing wrestling theme music. I had a really good night on that Saturday. But um, another... Another person on the same flight as us was Maria, who I still keep in touch with now, and she was flying out on her own. And we, uh, because we travelled alone, we went to the bar on that Saturday night. We had a really good night, but my problem with uh, alcohol is I'm a sort of forgetful drunk. So we'd arranged plans for Sunday to go to WrestleMania (laughs) together, and by Sunday morning, that had all completely gone out of my mind. So uh, unfortunately, I think... um, that didn't come to fruition, but that was the only downside to a really good night. I remember that Saturday in the hotel bar. I was sitting there thinking, from like, how did you guys do it? You, like, because obviously, I was, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, obviously, we were underage for America, but obviously, you two weren't, were you? So it was stupid old 19 me and even younger Lewis, 18. Like, <laughs> I didn't even, I did buy some, I did buy a four pack of Budweiser from that petrol station I talked about just because. I felt like I wanted to do it and I wanted to try it, but I didn't, I didn't have the guts to try and buy beer in any bar or anything like that. Like we sat in, um, so Lewis and I went down to Fort Worth for raw, but we didn't, we didn't go on to, um, to where was Oklahoma city was where, where SmackDown was. And um, which I think was the famous angle where Steve Austin beat up Jim Ross. I think was that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was SmackDown. Yeah, so we, we, we went down to Fort Worth and sat in a bar all day. I think I was drinking Diet Cokes. And that was that was one of the worst travel. I've made a few clangers over the years with travel. One was we touched on Cavos 2003 earlier on, Mark. I got the day that we were leaving <laughs> Cavos 2003. And like we were woken up and we thought, like in fact, we thought it was our last day. So one of my mates hadn't even gone out the night before because he was like, I've got one more night. I want to save myself. And then we woke up at 11 o'clock saying, you've got to get out of the room. Because you, you, you like you oh, got to check out. I was not popular, but this clanger was. I thought I couldn't. You couldn't get a flight back out of Fort Worth or Dallas, Fort Worth, that late. And the first flight was maybe like half five in the morning. I was like, oh, it's all right. We'll just go to the airport. Like my experience of airports would have been like Gatwick and Heathrow, where there's like an arcade and there's stuff to do and stuff. No, yeah. no, no, no. There was absolutely nothing there at all. Nothing was open, and we had to sleep on the floor. And every like. 
probably every five, 10 minutes, you got an announcement, like a security announcement. So you couldn't sleep. On screen, we've got Trish pushing Linda McMahon, who's got a completely blank expression on her face. And Stephanie's got a rather nice hairdo for the evening with... Uh, uh, yeah, with um, a <laughs> nice jumpsuit on as well. Big fan. Stephanie looks very young there, didn't you? I wonder how old she was there. I think she must have only been about 23, 24. She must be mid-20s, yeah. By yeah. the way, we, we missed something earlier on. What do you guys think that um, Mr Meltzer gave Jericho and William Reed was stars-wise? Two and a half. Uh, uh, a little bit more, maybe two and three quarters. Two stars. Oh, two, two stars. Yeah, it's obviously not feeling very, uh, very. Um, oh, I can't even think of the right word that night. Perhaps he wasn't in a good mood. Generous, generous. There we go. Thank you. Um, he he gave Bradshaw and Farouk versus Taz and the Godfather and Paul Buchanan half a star. So there we go. Ouch. Um, I've got a little um, sort of um, stat for most of the matches, which uh, might not be very interesting. Uh, that was only the second time an intercontinental title match had kicked off a WrestleMania. Okay. Uh, can you remember the first time that happened? Uh, was it WrestleMania nine to Tonka and Shawn Michaels? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Tonka and Shawn Michaels. Right. Hurrah. <laughs> and then the second match, the only sort, sort of stat I could come up with was um, the good father, along with the undertaker. They were the only two wrestlers who were at the previous domed WrestleMania at WrestleMania eight. And, ah, uh, Shango, uh, who obviously came out in the main event, didn't it? Yeah. Well, so unless you count some people in the gimmick battle Royal, actually, there were some of them. But, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so Mark, were you, were you a camp, were you camera side in terms of where you were sitting at this? Yeah, the scaffolding which Triple H and Undertaker climbed up, I was right to the right-hand side of that. So I, I, my view of the ring was pretty much very similar to the Hadcam view. So mm. uh, I, I had really good seats, just sat a few off the floor in the first bowl, um, which was obviously, with the travel packages, there's three tiers to choose from. The platinum tier is the first, I believe, eight rows of ringside. The gold tier is the rest of ringside. Or the silver tier, you're the first um, first uh, row of seats up uh, off the floor, and uh, I, I got the cheapest option. I always thought silver was was. Um, I did end up doing the floor rises a couple of times. I think because certainly on travel package one year they didn't do the silver. They didn't do the, silver wasn't a thing for some reason. I can't remember why. Um, but I always thought silver was 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 really good value. And I'll tell you what, the silver tickets I had for. WrestleMania 21 in in the Staples Center are probably one of the best seats I've ever had at wrestling because you were like we were front row of the lower tier in an arena so you yeah I've seen you on TV a few times yeah so you're literally just you're just elevated enough so you can see over everyone at ringside without them whether they're standing up or not and you're absolutely fine and it's like you're just peering just slightly into the ring it was brilliant and that was that was probably about I mean, I don't know what the, that that actual ticket would have been easily five hundred dollars cheaper than the person just over the rail and sitting on the floor with yeah, fifteen yeah. rows of people in front of them. So yeah, the silver package is good. I remember slightly oddly. I don't know if you, whether you you guys felt this, but in the in the stadium, I don't know whether it was like I'd kind of I'd kind of blown things up too much. I'd like anticipated things too much. But for the first twenty minutes or so, I don't know how how far we're in on this so far. I wasn't really feeling it to be honest. I can't can't really explain why. And it's actually in this match. There's a bit in a bit where they're driving backstage and people are laughing, 
Like I remember I was standing up when the things were coming on and like we were like holding up holding up our signs, like the guys behind us like, oh come on guys, sit down. And, like that took the wind out of my sails a bit. And it's just like, I don't know, I just and this is the match that kind of turned things around. How did were you guys kind of into it from the start from where you where you were sitting? I think it was a bit overwhelming, maybe. Obviously, you and I had been at Wembley for SummerSlam, but we were kids there. It was a different experience um, than this one. I, yeah, me personally, I think I was I was sort of, yeah, I don't know if you'd call it sort of settling in and thinking, okay, right, I'm here. I'm, I've got none of my mates with me. I'm taking it in and just looking around. I mean, that, that lighting effect with the lights shining off the floor areas you can see on screen now, I don't think they've done that before. It looked so so atmospheric in the in the stadium. It was fantastic. But yeah, I, I think same as you. There were some big spots in this match, weapon shots or whatever, where I suddenly thought, oh, okay, now we're really underway properly. Yeah. What did you, Stu? What did you do on WrestleMania Sunday? I, I imagine what you did was probably better than what I did. So you 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 go first, and I'll go over to Mark after that. I think we just, to be honest with you, I think we just mooched around. We didn't really do anything specific, um, uh, you know, so a bit of a lane and stuff like that, really. But obviously, you were just, the, the you were just, just so excited, you know, you were like yeah. top watching, weren't you? You were just like, all right, a couple of hours and then we can go and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So I think my 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 overall impression when I got into the got into the stadium was just just wow, I've so wow. made the right decision here. So yeah. made the right decision to come to this, um, and it just had a—I don't know—I just we just had a, I just had a feeling it was going to be something really, really special. You know, obviously the 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 few days before it was all the WCW and now you just got this feeling that something special was going to happen, and yeah, uh, uh, yeah just amazing. It was just yeah, like I just looked at oh yeah, you you've so done the right thing here, thinking being absolutely honest that this was a one-time deal for me i was gonna do i was gonna do it once just to say i've done wrestlemania and i can dine off that for the next however many years like we are now (laughs) you know 20 years later we're still we're still talking about so i never ever envisaged doing it again but it's like a it's just like a drug and it just you know you just like right i'm soon as i've got to do this again yeah i'm gonna do this again and uh you know, I'm really, you know, how many have I done now? Uh, one, I think one, two, three, I don't know, five or six. Either way, to, 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 to do more than one was just uh, amazing. And so, so yeah, it just opened up a whole new avenue of things to do for me. I just, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. So There's an advert on one of the WrestleManias. I can't remember which, maybe 19, where Chip, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this quote, but Triple H says something like, once you've been, you'll spend your whole life wanting to get back to that moment, something like that. And I, I, I feel like I've spent half of my adult life, probably more than half of my adult life, actually. In fact, pretty much my entire adult life chasing that again. I, I've talked about this in the podcast before. We went to the best WrestleMania. We, I think this is probably the best WrestleMania of all time. I really enjoyed 19. And I had, a, I had an amazing experience at 31 in, in kind of different ways. It was like great atmosphere, like great great stadium great weather but i mean and then the wrestling was was good but you didn't have a steve austin and the rock on that show or anything like that so it's kind of a very different experience and also i hadn't been for years it was like i'm finally back but that that feeling of walking into we've done it like numerous times together but that feeling of walking into that stadium i think if i went if i went to ta- if somehow i could be transported to ta- tampa in a few weeks time 
even with the social distancing and not the full house, I still feel it. Like, I think you, you just, that, that mm. feeling never goes away. There's something very, like if money was no object, I'd go to WrestleMania every year, whether I was watching WWE or not, because you, there's always going to be something, there's always, if the whole crap, the whole rest of the shows are turd, there's still going to be something in there that's worth, you know, worth your time, which is why it's such a, it's such a special, makes you feel quite sad actually thinking about how detached I am from WWE, but I'm sure that things will turn around at some point and things will be be back again. And I can imagine myself in the future maybe doing another one in you know in later life or something like that in different scenarios. Yeah. Mark, what did what did you do? What was yeah. your WrestleMania Sunday spent doing? I, I, I said earlier I went to Access on the Saturday and Sunday, but I don't think I did do on Sunday. That my only my only clear memory is there was a replay of Friday night's XFL game. I think I sat and watched that in my hotel room. Okay. I don't think I went anywhere or did anything. Just got room service for something to eat before WrestleMania. Um, and because I'd, I'd met, I don't know. That's a great, that's a great reaction. So Kane's just kind of uh, uh, choked, well, gone for choke sound basically on Big Show after Big Show tried to go to choke sound. And Big Show's facials are so good. And I could hear the crowd, the crowd just erupted to that. I think it's around this time where just like, they're just falling for a wall here. But they did a great job with this, this kind of semi-comedy match. Sorry, Mark, carry on. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, like I said, I think I'd made plans for the Sunday with Maria. And uh, as I couldn't remember what they were or what time they were or where they were, uh, I just stay- <laughs> stayed in my room. So... Uh, I think I apologised at the time, but if you're listening, sorry about that, Marie. <laughs> uh, yeah, no WhatsApp or anything then, unfortunately. So it wasn't wasn't Absolutely. easy to make. Uh, so it's Raven and the Big Show are getting in a golf cart now, and Raven's trying to drive away, which is just really, really great. And Big Show, I want, I'm not sure whether. Do you think they were supposed to crash into that fence in there? Was that planned? Do you think? I I, I think it's a bit with Big Show hanging on to him. I, I don't think Raven had a good view of where he was supposed to be. <laughs> And Kane's driving after him now with a referee, which is great. Um, Lewis on on WrestleMania Sunday. So of course, Wendy's was was the meal of choice. I think maybe a an early lunch. I can't call it brunch. Um, I just don't know how I used to survive on these trips. Like we'd literally go to McDonald's or some sort of fast food place every single meal. Like, I'm, like if I had that now, my my I think I've been well. I've probably been in the toilet for twelve hours a day anyway. With how bad my my constitution is, but it'd be even worse then. But when we then we watched a. Uh, Medical Detectives Marathon on whatever whatever channel that was on. Have you ever seen Medical Detectives, either of you? No, never heard of it. Oh, okay. So Medical Detectives is basically like a crime that was solved with forensic science, basically. And I, I don't think oh, I'm okay. exaggerating. Oh, like Bones. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but real stuff, basically. So like real, oh. real cases. Um, I think we probably watched that from about midday until what time would this have started six or seven six six. so i think we got there uh, um i think we got there at half four it probably took about half an hour to get there so i think we watched that for about four hours of medical medical detectives that day maybe a bit before we went to wendy's as well so that was my wrestlemania sunday but you were saying earlier on mark about it being all about the wrestling like i i feel like um i there's there's something very pure about these early trips for 17 18 and and also and also 19 I'm, I'm, I, I think Mark you were due to go to that one was it your brother that was getting married that day Ugh. yeah <laughs> he in late 2002 he proposed to his girlfriend and said we're getting married at the end of March and I went whoa 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 when at the end of March and he, and lo and behold it was the Saturday before Wrestlemania Sunday. Uh, 
So Got that's to. why I ended up going to the 2003 Royal Rumble instead of WrestleMania. 19. Which I'm sure I'm sure was really great as well. But I, I do I do wish we'd done that 19 because it was such a um, all of us together because it was such an you know such a those as I say those those early ones were so pure. It was all about the wrestling. We were so it was all like innocent. It, I wasn't going out there and you know like it was like Cavos 2003 and just going drinking myself into oblivion it's just like this is purely about wrestling and obviously as you get older you're you know you want to do more and you want to sightsee and that's all great but at that time it was almost like that was the last one that was just about I'm I'm milking this for every every little bit of wrestling I can possibly get I'm going to Raw I'm going, I'm going to Smackdown etc so yeah this was the, this was the start of that as big shows holding roving over that is I wonder what's in this. They've just basically fallen off the stage, but I guess there's some, some padding and stuff in there. Yeah, it looks like it. There's um, does I part. don't know if you remember, coming out of um, No Way Out, um, the the previous pay-per-view to this one, uh, there was a couple of abandoned storylines. In the Right to Censor match, uh, the cat, Miss Kitty, had to join Right to Censor. I don't know if you remember. And... Um, uh, that happened at No Way Out, and then she joined them on Monday Night Raw the next night, and then SmackDown the night after that is when uh, she was fired. So that oh that really didn't go very far, and also affecting this match, uh, the Ra- uh, Raven in his hardcore matches kept getting helped by a masked female ninja. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, Tori, not Tori Wilson, the other one. Um, that's how she came back after um, being out six months after the Degeneration X split. Uh, she, I, I think she was attacking Molly Holly because Raven was having a series of matches with Crash. And then um, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't do anything. And, and she was gone as quickly as she come back. And I think that was her done until she became a trainer on Tough Enough later in 2001. Just, just, to, just to jump in, that, I don't know what was wrong with Dave Meltzer when it came to this, this show review, but... This one went 9-18 and Kane won. He said, Kane jumped off the stage into the apparent foam rubber laden pit, bouncing like little kids at a playground and pin show. This would be the last uh, time something silly happened on this show. What's wrong with you, Dave? I thought that was completely fine. He gave it a star and three quarters. A star and three quarters. He could give Omega and um, Moxley four and a half stars even though there was one of the most rank bits of interference that went on about half an hour. I was wondering obviously... when this was going to come up. Yeah, considering, but I like the match. Like, this, don't get me wrong. I like, I like that death match until the interference. But I would have, you know, I, I just don't, I don't understand sometimes. Anyway, we'll we'll get off modern wrestling and get onto this. So, um, we got Kurt Angle and Edge and Christian in the background, a topical at the moment, given that Edge is just about to main event WrestleMania, isn't it? Yeah, and. Chris, uh, Kurt Angle was the guy rumoured to be going to AEW and Christian is the guy that did go to AEW. Yeah, because yeah, he did that little teaser, didn't he, on uh, on Twitter, weren't it? So uh, Yeah, was... I saw that. Didn't he get his old gear out or something? Yeah, yeah. So basically... Do you reckon they paid him to throw him off the fence, you think? Or... Um, I think it's, it's probably... Yeah, he might... Oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. It's... it's maybe something off his own back to create a bit of interest. I won't blame him for that. Yeah, that's what I think. I think definitely. So we've got uh, yeah, Jimmy Superfly Snooker on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and temper my enthusiasm here for um, for him in WWF New did York. Any, did did, go did, ahead, did either of you ever go to WWF New York? Did either of you go to WWF New I York? did, but when it was the world, yeah. And I, 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 Mark, I don't know, did you ever go uh, and tell that story? Uh, I didn't. Um, before I get onto that, these are 
some of the people I was uh, drinking with in the bar. She's, I believe, an Australian lady. And the annoying guy behind her uh, in the Lakers jersey, uh, I had a few drinks with him on that Saturday. Oh, really? Um, yeah. The, uh, the Literally a week, a week and a half before this, uh, my mum and her partner went to New York for the first time. Mm. And they had a um, they had some kind of event which they, they queued up for a couple of hours and got into where I believe Triple H, Stephanie, Taz and Devon Dudley and Howard Finkel were signing autographs. So they got me a signed book uh, from WWF New York. That's great. Oh, yeah, the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Did I ever tell you about that Aussie, Aussie, Aussie chant at um, the Raw after WrestleMania 20? Don't know if we ever talked about that. I don't think so. So at the Raw after WrestleMania 20, there was, there were, as to see The Rock with, I think, what, what do we think? I'm going to jump back to that. that the, what's that? The Big Eagle WWF title belt there, isn't it? Which is rather, rather attractive, I thought. And something I, yeah. I bought a replica of and had to phone my dad reverse charges from Access to ask him if it was okay to use his credit card, which I brought to Houston for emergencies only. So at least I phoned <laughs> it. Um, yeah, at that at that uh, Raw, which was at the uh, Meadowlands, the, uh, the Australians in the crowd, and there's probably like, I don't know, 250 of them are doing that Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And then the rest of the crowd started chanting, go back home to them, go back oh. home. So it was quite a... Quite a um, I think it was a, you know, f- I'm not sure rough's the right word, but you know, perhaps along those lines, crowd there. And um, I said to the English guy next to me, "Oh, I'm, we we should better keep our like keep our um our mouths shut, like laugh, laugh, laugh." And a, an American guy in front of me turned around and said to me something along the lines of, "Yeah, well, we saved your asses in World War Two." Like what? What's happening here? Like why? 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 Why is all this hatred? I don't understand. It's like yeah, pure and like the go back home chant wasn't fun. It was pure. It was pure venom that night at that roar. Um, anyway, what we got next? We've got Eddie Guerrero and Test next, haven't we? So I guess Test is this is this is a, a, a couple of probably eighteen months or so after his sort of peak, I guess, in terms of where... Did, did either of you think that, you know, that angle when um, Steve Austin was taken out of that match that the Survivor Series, did you think that they should have slotted Test in there rather than the big show? Should you go first and, Mark, you jump in? Test, well, Test was on a bit of a, a streak, wasn't he? He was, he was gathering momentum, wasn't he? Okay. Um, I, I always liked Test. I he was a decent wrestler, so, yeah. Yeah, he was with Stephanie yeah. at the time in the storyline, so I didn't really get why they didn't, yeah. didn't go with him. What did you think about that, Mark? Do you remember that one? Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, the story was still going right up until the month after Austin got injured, wasn't it? When yeah. um, um, the Triple H wedding uh, fiasco came into play. So yeah, that that would have fit. And yeah, he was still very, very green, obviously, but he'd had that really good match with Shane at SummerSlam uh, 99. So obviously... We're a year further on from that, and um, the potential was always there. I thought whether he lived up to it, it's arguable. Um, but I, I know uh, this match coming up, uh, I'm interested to watch. I haven't seen it for a long time, but on a recent episode of his podcast, Bruce Pritchard said um, this was Test's the best match Test ever ever had. This match with Eddie Guerrero, because really? so, uh, I, I remember see about that. A fact, Test had what I thought was the best match I saw. In, uh, in terms of like technical in-ring, uh, the whole of WrestleMania 18 weekend, which was a dark match before the Raw with him and Tajiri, which was really, really good, I thought. Um, I'm not sure Dave Meltzer necessarily agrees with um, Bruce Pritchard's assessment, but I won't spoil the star rating that this one gets. Um, 
But I mean, Tess is. Uh, well, I think Pritchard is with um, Pritchard is with Eddie Guerrero matches like Meltzer is with Kenny Omega matches. He oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. So I think that's part of the how uh, Bruce came up with that assessment. Yeah. How, um, just trying to rack my brains now. When did um, so this is two thousand and one, isn't it? When, when did Guerrero, Benoit, Saturn, and Malenko all come into WWF at the time? That was January 2000, the year before. January 2000, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this was um, Eddie's second WrestleMania, basically. Yeah. You can see from yeah, the... I'm sure it was 2001. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, you can see from the... I ceiling. think it was November 2001. Sorry, Mark, go ahead. No, November 2001 was uh, when, when Eddie was let go for the first time, and then he came back in uh, after WrestleMania uh, 18. Oh really? It was as right. late as that, was it? That's, that's, I didn't realise that. I was just going to say you can tell from the the kind of light slightly changing in the Astrodome that the that it's getting dark outside now. But I just think that that ceiling on the Astrodome is just like is such an iconic. I can't remember too much about what it was like in terms of facilities and stuff like in in there whether it was any good particularly. But it just looks so good in the terms of the kind of circular, almost like a coliseum with yeah. the various tiers, isn't it? It just looks fantastic on on camera. I think the Reliance Stadium next door was already been built at this time, so it was on its way out the Astrodome. Yeah. It was no longer fit for purpose, basically. Um, I did get some history about it, wrote down. It, it was built in 1965, um, and when it was opened, uh, the slogan they used for it um, was, it is the eighth wonder of the world. Uh, so a bit of a wrestling link there. Oh, and, really? Um, it was the first major sports venue in the world to install artificial turf. Ah, hence and, why it's uh, called AstroTurf, yeah. Because the Astros played yeah, there, didn't um, they? Yeah. Also the, the first major sports venue to install an animated scoreboard. Uh, and it, originally it was home to Houston's NFL, Major League Baseball and sometimes NBA teams. But by the late 90s, it was no longer the permanent home of any sports team. So they carried on using it for standalone events like this one until 2005, and it finally finally closed due to failing fire regulations in 2008. So Reliance Stadium next door opened in 2002, uh, and that that became oh, wow. a prominent place in Houston did, for the big sports events. Did the Astrodome become a um, did it become like a a rescue centre, Mark, or like? Like, you know, when we went there in 2009, had it become like a sort of like a, a, there was like a, a, like a rescue centre for, for people? I think it Katrina. did. That does ring yeah. a bell. I know yeah. the Superdome in New Orleans was for Katrina, but I don't know if... Ashdome was, was for Katrina as well, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether, when, um, whether Hurricane Katrina was before or after when we went. Um, yeah, it was 2005, so it was in between the two. So it happened by the time that we... We went back. Has it been knocked down now? Is it still there? Do you know? I went on Google Google Maps maybe a year ago, and I think it was there, but it wasn't looking mm. great. So I don't know if it's still I there. I know it's protected because it wasn't looking. It was a bit sad when we went there for 2009 and had to wander down there just to see what it was what it was looking like. But yeah, it was just a you know, incredible building. I thought in terms of the look of it, um, it was an iconic really building, good. wasn't it? I think, and I yeah. This uh, Eddie and Test match, uh, it was an unusual way it came about because uh, they didn't really have much to do with each other until the March 15th SmackDown when they had a match for this title, for the European title. 
which ended after interference from Chris Jericho. Um, Test had beaten Regal to win the title, so Regal wanted Test to lose, and Jericho was trying to annoy Regal by thwarting that plan. But then on March 19th Raw, so only a couple of weeks before WrestleMania, they showed Eddie Guerrero on screen in WWF New York for and I timed this for a total of 14 seconds eating a meal in the restaurant. And then JR said sort of quickly in passing, oh, he phoned William Regal earlier today to request a European title rematch at WrestleMania. And that's how this match came about. Ah, good, good knowledge. We, we, I, I just remembered now talking about the world. So I did go to the world in 2002 on a, a probably, um, I'd say not a great holiday overall because my then girlfriend and I had booked a trip to New York um, after much complaining from her, fair complaining that I'd spent basically all the money I had on going to WrestleMania 18. Um, luckily, well, this is so luckily I was left some air miles. Yeah, luckily someone left me some air miles in their will. They died and left me some air miles so I could take on holiday. Um, sounds awful. Um, but yeah, we did go on holiday. But then about... Um, about three weeks after we booked this non-refundable holiday, she decided to, quite rightly to dump me and end our relationship, um, which was not great. Uh, that was during the 2002 World Cup. So um, I think she dumped me the day after England's first game. And I remember the Brazil uh, loss was particularly painful as a result of the turmoil in my love life. Um, anyway, so we went to New York still and um, broken up, but it just, you know, you can imagine how badly that went. But I treated her to lunch at the world, which was perhaps one of the reasons why she didn't get back together with me. Um, but it was a very disappointing affair. Like, you'd expect to go in there and it'd be like, I don't know, stone cold fries or something. Well, they were stone cold, but they weren't called that on the menu. Um, it's just nothing. It just wasn't very good. It was really dark. It was just, yeah, it was just a bit rubbish, really. So um, I think that was a huge loss maker for the company, wasn't it? They lost hundreds of millions of dollars in that venture. And I imagine the rent on that place in like prime time square. We were right by it, actually, Stu. Do you remember when we went for a wander on the Saturday afternoon? I think we were literally right by where, you know, where that was. So, yeah, it was a prime bit of real estate in um, in New York. So, yeah, wow. not, not the best holiday in 2002, though, alas. Did I ever tell you about the time I got dumped during Rebellion 1999? <laughs> Please go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear this story. So, uh, I'd had a long-term girlfriend uh, through 1999, and she went away to college that summer, uh, that September, I guess it will have been, and the October when um, it was the UK-only pay-per-view rebellion was the first weekend she was coming back from college. So, me being a, a lovely boyfriend, said, "Well, I know you're only back for like 48 hours, but..." I bought us tickets to go see wrestling. She hated Wait, wrestling. Sorry, Mark. Which, which and, um, was Rebellion? What show was it? 99 at Birmingham. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. Triple so H it's the one with the Rock and Triple H cage match. Yeah. Yep. So um, in those days, there was uh, bus trips regularly that um, um, from our local bus station. You'd buy your ticket and the transport there and back as well, all factored in. And uh, so, uh, she, yeah, she'd come back on the Saturday, on the, I guess it was a Saturday, she came back that morning from college and we were on a bus sort of mid-afternoon for three hours to Birmingham to watch something that she had no interest in. <laughs> and um, she and we were sat there and I think it was the um, Godfather versus Gangrel, it might have been. It was fairly early on in the show. Uh, we, we sat up in the up in the higher tier. She just leaned over from her seat and she said, I think we should split up. <laughs> so, uh, so that was that. And... Uh, we watched the rest of the show in silence, as you'd imagine. And then 
really enjoyable three-hour bus ride home. And uh, and that was that. That was um, that's great. That's really good. Not not great. You know what I mean? It's great <laughs> hearing that. Um, that wasn't that great. Stephen, it's bad, it's not great. Yeah, sorry, it's not great. Um, that was a that was a really enjoyable show. That was um, had a dusty finish in the in the Triple H Rock cage match, didn't they? Where the Rock got thrown out of the cage. Yeah, yeah. yeah and we I think he was announced new champion and everything. Yeah, and then then um, the referee was down. And it didn't didn't happen and all that sort of stuff. I think they certainly played his music. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was quite an interesting weekend. I remember um, coming back on the train, and there was there was a guy and a girl, and they were talking about like they'd met all the wrestlers. They had like this autograph book with a load of um, autographs and stuff in there. And I'm not sure I've ever been more jealous of anything in my entire life than that autograph book. I thought that was pretty good that Eddie Guerrero and Test match. And um, what do you guys think that got star rating wise from Mr. Meltzer? Three. Uh... Two, three quarters. Two and a quarter from Mr. I'm not giving anything away tonight, Dave Meltzer. But I tell you what, the next one is not going to get two and a quarter stars. So we've got Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit next. But on the screen, we've got Mick Foley and um, Michael Cole with, Cole with some frosted tips. Did either of you guys, Stu, did you ever go? I bet you did, actually. I know. Yeah. I know this is good. You have hair highlights? I have, my, I, I, I have my hair shoes shined, as they called it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... Started off with a little patch at the front, just to test it, make sure it looks all right, and then uh, and then went full went for the full Monty. So yeah, nice. so um, I, I just love to go back to those days. <laughs> just have some hair to highlight would be nice. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to hair just. So, well, whilst we're talking about whilst you're talking about rebellion, but um, wasn't Gangrel's entrance music just some of the, the coolest music? I think I've yeah, it was really good. Absolutely, Absolutely. Love. especially when he was with like the, the brood and Edge and all the fake blood and all that epic, epic entrance. Love well, then the bell had to ring. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Um, what Mark? Did you ever get your hair highlighted in back in the day? I I have not ever dyed my hair. Really? Uh, I don't know. No. Yeah, I dyed my hair. Tried dyed blonde. Went ginger. I had the full Paul Gascoigne, full blonde look. Um, which I, 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 I'm not sure I should tell that story in the podcast. I'm going to leave half of it out. Basically, something happened to me at a football match. You do this every time. Yeah, in inverted commas. Something, something happened it's to me. It's a teaser. Uh, which led to me leaving that football match early when I was 15. Um, and my parents blamed it on my, my blonde, bleach blonde hair. So I was frog marched down to um, the hairdressers to have it dyed back. But then as a result of that, being dyed back with like cheap brown hair dye, I got lovely highlights I didn't even want to when that hair kind of all grew out and stuff, which was great. Which I'm pretty sure, Mark, I had... I wasn't 15, I must have been 17. I had that for Rebellion because it was around that time. So that was around the time that it happened. I had those lovely highlights and I'd have a few, a few more highlights thereafter. But I, I think Stu, that probably contributed to our... I'm catching up with you, to be honest. So with our, our hair situations, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I've uh, I've just resigned myself now. So, um, so, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I think I'm booked in on the 14th of April. Just oh, are you? Yeah. I can't stand. It's just, it just sprouts and different. It sprouts on the sides. And uh, I'm almost like a bit like Mark said on, on Twitter. I've almost got like a semi-mullet going on at the back. And, uh, yeah, I just, just can't wait to get it all shaved off. No, I, I, I think Charlotte's going to have to tr- tr- trim the size of my hair one more time. But yeah, it's just... she's To be fair to her, she's done a really, really good job. But it's just like, it's impossible to have it 
anything other than really trimmed or long it's like yeah. there's nothing you can you can't you can't take scissors to it yourself kind of thing question for the no, panel chris, chris benoit and kurt angle should you go first can you or would you and I don't, there's no wrong or right answers to this would you watch a chris benoit match out of kind of you're not you're not watching an event you you picking out a really good match of his from the past to, to kind of enjoy it or do you kind of like are you the other end of the spectrum it's like i'd rather just not because it's too it's too difficult and awkward with everything that happened i'm not sure awkward is the right word but you know what i mean yeah you sort of feel i i, I i've not particularly gone out of my way to watch chris benoit match so if there was if it was on and I, you know what i mean so because I don't feel like I should enjoy it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I really, I'd love to watch the, the, the WrestleMania 20 main event. I'd love to watch that again, because I just think it was an absolute, just the whole, you know, the match, the after bit of the match and stuff like that. But uh, it feels a bit, I, I feel a bit wrong getting pleasure out of it or enjoying it, knowing what happens, you know what I mean? So, in answer to your question, no, I don't particularly go out and look to watch Chris Benoit match. Yeah. Mark, how, but, what, what's your thoughts? I, I know a lot of people... Too, but... I know a lot of people, this is quite a divisive sort of topic on... Not that there's too many divisive topics on wrestling Twitter, but this is certainly one. What, what are your thoughts on this, Mark? I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, um, I wouldn't actively say to myself, I'm going to watch some Chris Benoit matches tonight. But if a match comes on like this one, I, I can sort of separate things enough to sort of watch what they're doing as opposed to, oh, go on, Chris, I want you to win this match sort of thing. Like, if I was training to be a wrestler, there's there's he, he's one of the guys to, to learn how to do that style. He's obviously one of the top guys that ever did that style. But having said that, you know, it's 15 years later, there's a lot of other awesome technical wrestlers you can study and learn from so yeah it's I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who if it comes on i switch it straight off but i wouldn't actively i haven't actively said to myself since it all happened i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this benoit match for example that wrestlemania 20 main event which you know us experiencing it there at ringside at madison square garden was was phenomenal i haven't watched that back ever since and even, really? uh, yeah. like I said earlier, I was at the Royal Rumble 2003 when these two had the match of the year, as far as I'm concerned, 2003. That was one of the best matches I've ever seen. I'd put that high on my list of Kurt Angle's greatest matches. But again, I haven't put it on and watched. Sorry, Mark, you just uh, you just went a little uh, bit quiet there, but you just, just say that last sentence again, sorry. Everything. Actually, first. Oh, so my! I just got a little bit of buffering there. Are you still? Are you still there, guys? Yep. Yeah, yeah. still there. Yep, yep. Good stuff. Yeah, still there, mate. Yep. I thought I was Mark's on my phone. Oh, it's because it's switch switched to um switch to my uh, internet, which is very dodgy half the time. Um, are you guys, are you still there now? Just lost you for about five seconds there. Uh, okay. Uh, you there? Uh, I've got some. And what stats you got? I've got Mark? some stats. If uh, rather than comment on uh, what's on screen, for example, um, on this day, the first of April two thousand and one, the Netherlands became the first country in the world to make same-sex marriage legal. Good on them. 
Good on them. Next. And uh, can you guess uh, which Sandra Bullock film was number one in the box office this week in 2000? Oh, I like this a lot. Um, was it Miss Congeniality? Correct, first time. Yes! <laughs> cool. A film I've actually not even seen. Um, no, me either. Yeah, this is. Do you know what? This is. This is actually really good. What I was going to say about Benoit is, I, I think I did watch the WrestleMania main event once, and I can't remember why. Maybe my nephew, one of my nephews, wanted to watch it, and he was round. Um, but I find it's it's really really difficult when I had to watch a Benoit match in the um, the melts of five star thing. I did. I did a bit of critique on some of those. Like, did I like it? Did I not? On, but only very short. But I didn't feel like I could really it in that forum. So I just didn't. I watched it. I said something along those lines. Um, and that's it. I, I, I think this is this is easier for me to watch because it's not a, you know, it's not Benoit winning a world title or something. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't watch. If I was reviewing WrestleMania 20, I'd watch it. But I can't watch like a big celebra- celebratory moment of his and like, like, like look, you know, what I think about a night that I had that was very special to me and the result of that is is so immaterial in the grand scheme of things. But it's just, I think it's just, it was just a very, it was a very painful, in terms of wrestling fans, it was just a very painful time, wasn't it? It was like, I don't know, I, ca- I can't really even put it into words. Just just that week was, I'm sure you guys probably got this. And I remember I walked into work the, the morning and one of the guys had printed something off some news site and like some mainstream news site and a print and left it on my desk. It's just like, you just couldn't really get away from it. And it was like the whole industry was under, you know, rightful scrutiny really. And I, I, I hope things have got better as a result of, you know, what happened in terms of certainly the headshots. You, you don't really get that now. And also you'd like to think that they're cleaner athletes overall, but I'm sure there are ways around it, but yeah, it's just, um, just, yeah. Horrendous really. Um, Angle was always a big favourite of mine as well. I mean, this is this must be his best year in the company, 2001, I would have thought, with the stuff that he did with Benoit and then later Steve Austin. Yeah, I'd agree with that, definitely. Uh, I mean, he, he was also on fire um, early part of 2001 leading up to this pay-per-view. I mean, he came out of no way out. Obviously, he lost the world title to The Rock in the main event of that pay-per-view. Mm. And then he was still involved with Rock and Austin, all the way through to the end of March to the point where he came out on the, the go home roar on March 26th um, asking how can the gobbledygooker have a match lined up for WrestleMania, but I'm an Olympic gold medalist and former WWF champion and I haven't got a match. And then Benoit come out to sort of challenge him there. And then, so this was announced literally with six days advance. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember that. I tell you what was weird about, um, us going to the States and stuff for some of these early WrestleManias was that we couldn't see the final Raw, could we, I think, from memory. Is that right? I, th- I remember trying to find... I'm not like, sure if it was live in 2001 yeah, no, you... or not. No, I th- I, yeah, I think it was still Fridays. I think it wasn't live until... What was the... Did, Mark, did we meet... Show you what, my memory... Sometimes my memory is good for things, but sometimes my memory is awful. Did we meet in Manchester for a the first Raw taping... I think we did didn't we yeah um october 2004 yeah okay so october 2004 um it was sometime between that and wrestlemania 21 that it went live because there was a oh, very right. brief I, time i couldn't remember that there's a, there was a really brief time it went to thursdays 
Um, and then it went live. So it, it was Thursday, so maybe three months, but not very long at all. And then it went live because that particular Raw that was in Manchester, they showed it on the Tuesday for some reason that week. So it was like a 24 hour tape delay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just mad, isn't it, to think that we didn't, you know, you couldn't, there was no way of seeing that before you went out there. I'm, I missed, I'll have missed that one as well because I went to SmackDown on that Tuesday. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. at Manchester as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite that was quite something that if they finally brought that stuff over. But we're still waiting for that that pay per view. But I think the I think the ship has well and truly sailed on that, unfortunately. I think AEW might beat WWE to do the UK pay per view. Well, they were gonna do Fighter Fest here um in twenty twenty. Whether it was at Craven Cottage or not, I don't know. But Matt Matt or Nick Jackson talk about that in their book about they were there with Tony Khan and looking at it and thinking like we could have the entrance there and we could do this there. So yeah, maybe. I can't imagine that would be too popular with Fulham supporters. Though it would be idiotic because obviously they'd get a fee for that. So it's like not like anyone yeah. else is using the thing at the time. But um, yeah, yeah. would that have been June, July time? Yeah, so, um, it would have been. Yeah, so I, th- I don't know whether they would have put it on full pay per view. It would have been been like a, a cheaper one, stream streaming wise, um, because the original Fighter Fest was. I think I don't know if we I think we had to pay for that here, but I can't really remember now how we did it. Maybe on Fight TV, I guess. Um, and then it was BR Live in the States. But this this is good, isn't it? I, I mean, Angle and Benoit are so crisp here. I was like big, yeah. big chops and the crowd's into this as well. Um what did you what did you guys make of the Jim Ross and um Paul Heyman commentary team that and the kind of change from from Lawler? I, I loved them. I think they were a great yeah. duo together yeah. played off each other brilliantly in a totally different way to how uh jr and the king did what do you think Stu? well Heyman was very antagonistic wasn't he, he just yeah he, yeah I, I yeah fantastic really good duo so uh um, i could listen to Heyman talk for hours and hours and hours i, I love him on i love him on talking smack i i, I think he's he's brilliant on it the way he engages with the wrestlers, the way he puts them over, challenges them, you know. Um, I think it was the one with uh, when, he, when he was speaking to Big E and stuff like that, and he was yeah. telling him, like, you know, you are, you, you could be a future champion, you know. And it, it, yeah, he's, he's just, I, I think he's a genius, I really do. And master stroke put him with Reigns, absolutely master stroke. Yeah. Put that Reigns character. Rage is finally the character that I think everybody wanted him to be. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, is he going to really... get cheered at WrestleMania though? What is he going to get cheered at WrestleMania? What Rage? Yeah. Very hard. You, never, you never know with the WrestleMania crowd, do you? You, 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 you just it's very difficult to predict, isn't it? A WrestleMania crowd. Yeah. And it's Very unprecedented to to have gone an entire year without any crowd reactions. Are people yeah. now suddenly sort going to reset and do what WWE expect them to do, which is cheer the good guys, boo the bad guys, or are there going to be a smart WrestleMania crowd that we're used to? I'm, who I'm not convinced that match. Is a, I'm not convinced that match is a locking with with Reigns and Edge. I I I can very much see Brian getting put into it. We may well have done by the time this comes out, Stu. So, yeah, predicting the future there. So, um, yeah, it's an instrument. I, I, I would be inclined to think that the crowd will be so starved for um, wrestling that they'll 
you know, they'll totally. Yeah, there's going to be line. some huge reactions one way or the other because yeah. you know it's the first time back. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many how many seats they can sell in the circumstances because. I mean, it's not like it's in New York where they've got you know a huge population base to actually draw from, and I do wonder how many people would be willing to. I mean, I guess I would. I guess I would get on a flight and and go down there. But the, but the difference is, like America, in terms of um, some of the places, in terms of like a number of COVID cases per hundred thousand, is much 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 more significant than I think it really ever was here. At the worst, it was here. So you are you know you are risking. You know, you are risking getting it a bit more, but um, yeah, I guess I'll probably. What about the internal travel arrangements in America? Are you, are you allowed to fly from state? To oh state? yeah, I think everything's. I think everything's open mm-hmm. in terms of flights. Yep. Um, it's just that some. Yeah, some... half the WWE roster are from the other end of America that fly to Florida and back every week, don't they? So, like, we've got that. We've got that sort of like non-essential travel thing, haven't we? So like, you know, we can just like drive to Wales like that do you know what I mean is that is is that the same is that is it like you know like we if I lived in say uh, Los Angeles and I want to fly to Florida for a leisure trip is that allowed are you, are you allowed to do that yeah I don't think there's any restrictions on traveling in America at all I think some states have got some states have got um you have to wear masks in public places and some some hospitality is not open um but some states like Florida for example I think is pretty much completely open I've, I've heard that they're talking about um I'm not sure that opening day in the base in baseball is before or after this podcast comes out on the 1st of April, but um, they're talking about, I think the Texas team are talking about um, a full crowd for opening day. So some States are basically just saying like, we're getting on with it now. So yeah, they're, they've, I think a lot of places have been um, sort of far more open than we've been. Um, whereas obviously this lockdown is, is pretty significant, whereas you can't, you know, you're not allowed to travel it. You're not supposed to travel anywhere unless it's essential for work. And and the guidance is to work from home where you can. So yeah, I mean, we've been we've been in this what since the second of Jan now, I think it is, isn't it? So and so and we're not really open. I mean, I think some things will be opening up at the end of March and early April, but not really significantly until May. So yeah, it's very very different. Um, in America, even even as far back as January. Uh, not wanting to get too political, the events of the 6th of January in Washington, there was people from all over America flying in yeah. all week to attend that. So, uh, yeah, obviously non-essential travel. Yeah, that's what it was, wasn't it? I think, here we go, that's the finish of Angle rolling up Benoit with a little bit of tight. So that was um, 14 minutes and two seconds of really, really strong action. Um basically uh where are we gonna go here so what did you think what do you think of this one and also what did you think mr Meltzer gave this as a star rating well these two never had a bad match um i think they were wrestling each other as early as a year before this pretty much on the first uk insurrection pay-per-view they wrestled uh and then this with the finish being a roll-up you can tell you could tell already that uh it's not going to be the last match of this run and they went no. on to a few more pay-per-view matches I think but yeah that over the years going as far forward as 2004 they never had a bad match uh one on one these two that I saw no I remember being being very into that in uh, and I'm, I know Lewis was was particularly as well Stu what did you what do you think of this one? Oh, and yeah also uh, check out your star ratings what you think Mr Meltzer went for this um 
I can give you a clue. It's the best rating so far than I. Three and three quarters. Yeah, I was going to say three and a half. Four and a quarter stars. Dave went for that one, which is which is quite a you know a very solid rating. And I, I think actually um, it probably deserved. That. I mean, it's a little, it's a tiny bit difficult to follow as we're chatting away at the same time. But I I thought that was some very very solid work in that, and the guys just just clicked chemistry wise very very well so i'm going to leave you two for a moment to chat away amongst yourself while i go and get a quick refreshment break so mark why don't you give us some give us some facts or something about the next match is china versus ivory so that's something to look forward to yeah yeah that it is um i did note that um Ivory did a shoot interview uh, years after the fact, and I was eager to see what she said about this match because it's generally remembered as not being a very good match. From some people's point of view, China wasn't really into it. She sort of didn't take it seriously or what have you. Um, Ivory said her her memories of it were mostly good memories. Um, She was mostly looking forward to the big paycheck that comes after a WrestleMania match. But then she said uh, she was surprised to find it wasn't that much different to what she got paid for a regular pay-per-view, which surprised me. Um, And um, that led on to a story she told about she was trying to buy a house at this time. And the mortgage people obviously need details on your income to to go through the right procedures. And but obviously wrestling is very different to a regular nine to five job. So for clarification on that, Ivory went to Jim Ross, who, of course, was talent relations at that point, and asked how the pays worked out for each performer on each show. So she had something to tell the bank. Uh, JR's response was, well, it just depends on whether we're going to call you a fish or a fowl. And off she went. So that didn't really answer her question. Uh, (laughs) But she was uh, still pretty positive about the WrestleMania experience. you know, it wasn't just something thrown together. It, it was the culmination of a long, fairly interesting storyline as far back as the Royal Rumble when they had their first uh, match. And the fans were really into it because there was a story behind to it, which we're going to see in a moment. And um, when they got physical those couple of times leading into this pay-per-view, China was a little bit patronising backstage. She was saying things to Ivory, who, bear in mind, was a 15-year veteran at this point, saying, do you know how to pull hair? And Ivory sort of rolled her eyes and uh, got on with it. And uh, the bit that insulted her the most was how China pins her at the end of this match, which isn't much of a spoiler 20 years later, but it was a bit of a lackadaisical uh, cover. Interestingly, I actually... um... Well, perhaps uninterestingly, I actually went to the, the toilet just before this match and missed the whole thing. So it's interesting that 20 years on, my bladder is obviously behaving in much the same way. And did either of you sample a Snickers Cruncher at this WrestleMania, which was this, the title sponsor? I believe I did. I've never been a Snickers kind of guy. Say that again, sorry, did you? I've never been a Snickers kind of guy. Oh, really? I, I wasn't really, but there wasn't much of a, a choice. I, I can't remember if we got like a burger or something. We've got in there, we've got Lita and Trish in the background. Are you, are you watching the same thing here, Mark? In yeah. Terms of the, yeah, so we've Angle up there. Um, were you more of a Lita man or more of a Trish man uh, back in the day? I was a Trish guy. Did you? I was a Lita, Lita every Lita. day. Yeah, I was a big, big fan of Lisa. I think around this time, not to go too far on a kind of a creepy uh, route, but um, 
there was an interesting Divas magazine, I think, that came out around this time, if you, if you can remember that. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, Snickers Concha, I thought was was all right, actually. Was was all right, I would say. Yeah, pretty pretty decent. Um, so, Stu, do we, would you, were you indulged in the beers, being uh, the elder statesman of the evening at this event, or did you keep it soft drinks only? Well, no, definitely had a couple of beers. So, um, so yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, I was so... Um, so not wanting to miss anything that hmm. you know I didn't really venture too far. I don't even think I went. I don't think I went for the loo while I was there. You know, you just didn't want to really wow. miss any of what was going on. Like that. I think yeah. I was the same so, actually. Really, yeah. I didn't want to miss a, a moment of it. Oh, no, Mark, you yeah. still got the, the the magazine? Yeah, great. I'm very impressed. It still looks in in tip top condition there as well. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> I wish I kept a lot. I've got I've got some stuff at my mum's house, but I've been particularly bad around like photos and and things in between various house moves. I've just lost a lot of stuff. I think or like I've tried to go and oh, I don't want to not going to want like to look at that again. But I absolutely would want to look at that again. So I don't know. Why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, just as my internet goes goes weird again, which is good. Uh, we can hear you fine if it helps yeah good stuff i'm on my phone my phone uh i'm on my phone rather than um actually the problem i've got now is that i've got uh paul Heyman wide open mouth and jim ross looking shocked and it's not playing so uh, i might have to catch up oh. in a minute what uh what's the timer on your um your timer at the moment uh i'm on one minute 17 and 22 seconds so we just well, got the uh, 17 and 22 seconds. Yeah, I'm just nearly there. I'm 117. Yeah. 117 and the pink Playboy top. Oh, just just tell me the um tell me the, the seconds. I'll try and get as close to you as possible. Uh, you one minute 16, 45, 46. Okay, right. I'm on yeah, pretty much there now. Fine. Cool. Now, yeah, that's that's I good. Agree. So we're we're one minute, one minute. Just if anyone, if anyone is still with you know with us, I'm sure there's very many. It's one seventeen fifty six. I'm on in terms of where we are. I've got. I think you guys are probably a couple, maybe a couple of seconds ahead, but I'm not sure. I've got the I've got the will to actually skip forward any longer. So we've no, got the got the well, uh, that's right. China stripping ivory. I've got. Oh, well, and the match actually started. No, no, well, in, in the build. I'm on Ivory walking down the ring now. Yeah, so, well, so uh, what, sorry, Mark, what are you? Are we skipped past you? Well, no, no, now it's just Ivory walking down to the ring. So I think it's slightly off with my, me being on DVD. So ah. I'm a few seconds behind Stu by the sounds of it. Okay. If you tell me when Ivory gets through the ropes, I'll I'll get ready. I don't know, know if she might be in there already, actually. I think they've cut to Heyman and um, Jim Ross. Okay, she's in the ropes now and in. Right, okay. <laughs> this is a problem with watch alongs, isn't it? Like, it's, um, you, there's always going to be. I thought it might be odd with me on DVD because, uh, well, I don't know. It's a 20 year old DVD compared to brand new WWE Network, I guess. But I don't know how that would have, um, unless there was, unless they cut something out or they, there was, there was an, yeah, that, unless like there's an addition on the network or something. But yeah, weird. Oh, yeah, China's got the big silver, big silver um, 
Well, what was she? Like oh, that had a name, didn't it? That bazooka thing. What was it called? Yeah. I mean, that looks like it could be a little bit dangerous if you were on the receiving end of one of those. Was it? You were at the WrestleMania where the fireworks went in the crowd, shoot. When you at WrestleMania, what was that? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah. When, when, yeah, some of the fireworks. But yeah, and I weren't too far from that because I was right up in the, uh, right up in sort of like the, the, the cheap seats and stuff like that. Yeah, and the fireworks sort of like, yeah, didn't quite, yeah, didn't quite work. Was that right that at the end of the show or it wasn't yeah. during, was it? Oh, yeah, no, it was right at the end of the show. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just, I was just thinking back to like the, the WrestleMania that I've been to and like, you know, you know, like you say, every WrestleMania is, um, had classic matches, but I do feel very fortunate for the WrestleManias that I've been to that I've probably seen what I would say were probably some of the, the, the top ten matches of all time at WrestleMania. So, you know, so we had we, we had we had Rock and Austin two at this one, Hogan and Rock at eighteen, um, at, at twenty four I saw Flair and Michaels and, and Edge and Undertaker, twenty five saw Michaels. Uh, against Undertaker one, um, and then and then thirty five was for me Brian and, and Kingston. So I feel really that I've seen what I would you know this is only my personal opinion of course, but I think some of those matches would be in everybody's top ten of WrestleMania all time matches. So you know feel really lucky to have seen them. So what? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. What would you, what would you say is the best WrestleMania match of all time? What that I've seen, or of all time, all time. Of, just of all, just of all time, all, all WrestleManias. And why is it uh, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns two from WrestleMania in New Orleans in what was that thirty four? That the crowd were <laughs> the crowd having spent thousands of dollars going to see WrestleMania were more interested in a beach ball than the match. Yeah, I, I, for me, just through and Mark for no one to say it. Just through from the sheer atmosphere, has to be Hogan and Rock. Okay, so you're going for a not like a technical not, masterpiece, but an atmosphere, like an atmosphere kind of masterpiece, if you like. Yeah. I have never been, and I, and I still say that now. I have never been, even at like a football match or any. I have never been in somewhere as noisy and as invested in that. That that was, just, and I, I still now get goosebumps when I watch it. It, it, it just yeah, but it's not a classic from a wrestling standpoint. But from just sheer atmosphere, it that that stands out for me. Um, but from from a wrestling standpoint, you know, I just, Michael's Michael's Taker one again. Mm. Not only did you have absolutely brilliant wrestling, but you also had a massive crowd investment. You know, that audible gasp when he tombstones and he kicked out of that when he that audible gasp when he brought him back over the rope tombstones in. And, and and kicked out all the better when you hear Jim Ross's commentary as well. You know, it just it's just amazing. So so yeah, so they're probably my oh, two. sorry, sorry, Shu. An absolutely horrendous backdrop from China there. She uh, that was awful. Do you, have you both just caught that? Yeah, that was a bad landing, wasn't it? Oh, horrendous, horrendous. Sorry, Shu. Carry on, carry on. Um. So so they're they're, they're they're my two matches. So but but what what about you guys? Mark, what would you what would you say on that? Yeah, but I haven't got one out and out definite answer to this. It varies depending what I mean. I mean, Hogan and uh, Rock was a classic, a superb match, and then you could talk about something like Michaels and Undertaker, 
which is a classic superb match, but nothing like Hogan and Rock. It's a totally different match. Mm. And I've got a few, maybe four or five in rotation, which I say that for. For example, um, uh, what Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man at WrestleMania 7. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I love it. I still feel the same now about it as I do the first time I saw it. But, you know, Ultimate Warrior's considered a pretty rubbish wrestler, but he's had one of the most memorable matches in wrestling history. So, um, yeah, it varies from from a, a lot of different factors involved into why you love a wrestling match. And as we discussed on um, the AEW uh, podcast last month, Steve. Um, you know, there's matches that some people say is the greatest of all time, and some people would prefer Hogan and Rock to um, what we watched. You know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. What about I, you? I well, the 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 end, the the, the post match Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior is my favourite moment in the history of wrestling, and, and the match is phenomenal. So the match is a big part of it because the drama was, and and wrestling doesn't have to be about. Um, I, I honestly don't know how I think I think Meltzer gave that four and a half stars, you know. So he saw what you know, he saw what it was. And I know that was a young Dave Meltzer. And I do think that if that match took took place maybe 10 or 15 years after that, I think that might have got all five. But I don't see how you can do a wrestling match better than what they did that night because the story was phenomenal. There's no tech no, no there's no muck ups in terms of botches or anything. Um, it was a phenomenal. It was a it was a piece of art. The story from the start with Elizabeth in the crowd and Bobby Heenan saying, you know, Gorilla. I think that's Elizabeth over there till till right at the end when they reunited. It's. But I I I would say, um, I'd say start to finish in terms of presentation. I think that might be the best thing the WF have ever done. I I genuinely I feel so strongly about how they did that in terms of a babyface turn, a career ending match. You had people at ringside crying their eyes out for that. I mean, crikey, it was like it was like it deserved an Oscar. Um, but in terms of in ring, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial here. I think Brett and Sh- Brett and Steve Austin may be slightly overrated. What do you oh, guys think about that? That thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. I I I. That's not the word I'd use for that much. Uh, now I will quantify that somewhat. It's not Bret Hart and Steve Austin is a phenomenal match, but it's quite short, and for me, it's lacking in something that you can't you, you can have in a submission match, but there's no near falls. So in terms of the in terms of the um, the kind of the drama of winning and losing, there's none of that. There's just the the incredible fight, incredible intense brawl, and there's Brett getting him in the sharpshoot and the incredible story, then and the double turn, which is obviously phenomenal. And it is it is five stars all day long, but I think that the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, which didn't get five stars, is every bit as good as that. And I also think the main event of this one, in different ways, is one of my favourite matches ever as well. And that's really close for me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm being overly harsh on that match, but I, I want some. You know, uh, you can, can't get it in a submission, submission match, but I want the. You, you're not going to get the short. Us all jumping out of our seats when Shawn Michaels kicks out the tombstone, the Steve Austin 
Bret Hart match because it you can't have that in a submission match. And I guess that, I've watched that twice recently for the five star thing and the Bret Hart look back. And I've thought the same thing both times. I thought it could could have gone and easily gone another five ten minutes, and it doesn't. But there we go. Controversial opinion alert. It was the blood. It was the blood. I mean, it was the blood. The blood made that match. Mm. That, 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 that iconic image, isn't it? Of, you know, sharpshooter, blood pumping out. Do you know what I mean? Had, take away that, would it have been the same match, do you think? Well, and apparently Austin went, Austin and Hart were like, when he's going to have, and it was Brett's idea, we, well, we need some blood in this. And that was not approved by the company, allegedly. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, they tried to pass it off as an accident, but it clearly wasn't when Austin gets rammed into the rail. Yeah. Like it yeah. was it was genuine. So on screen now we've got um we've got this interesting angle, obviously, that we none of us saw any of this stuff. And I remember I remember seeing some of this stuff over the over the I can't remember what the WWF um highlight shows would have been, but I remember we bought a TV guide so we could try and catch some of the like the weekend shows and we caught what would have been the last ever, I suppose, broadcast of WCW Worldwide on the Saturday, um, which had Tony Schiavone and I, I guess it was Bobby Heenan sit behind a desk, I think. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mark Madden. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got the kind of build up to this um, this Vince versus Shane showdown at WrestleMania. Oh, um, actually, we're just going to go back, back one second. What did you think that Mr. Meltzer gave... <laughs> China and Ivory that went two thirty nine and you Mark you talked about obviously the, the slightly disrespectful um, pin pin um, Meltzer said she then gave her a press slam and pinned her by just laying backwards like it was a piece of cake showing no respect <laughs> to her at all. What do you think the star rating was for that? Uh, just the one one star. Stu. Half a star. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, half a star. Minus one. Oh, yeah. Is that worse than a dud then? In dud zero. Uh, a dud is zero, so that's worse than a dud. Oh. The the the, 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 the small the lowest rating I've ever seen so far I think was minus two stars, which was um, the Nikita Koloff versus Bobby Eaton match that opened Bunkhouse Stampede, which is the <laughs> worst worst match I've ever seen. Uh, and I'd rather see people botching and stuff. And it and it was the worst match because they were obviously very capable people, especially Eaton. And it was 19 minutes of rest holds and a minute <laughs> of not a rest hold for t- for a 20 minute time limit draw. It's the it's the most wretched thing I've ever sat through in my entire life. So Shane there's a, did... Sorry, there's a famous me. audio clip though of Brian Alvarez shouting minus five stars. Was that for a match? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We've got, we've got um, Shane in the ring going up at the skybox, looking at particularly bored yeah. wrestlers. Apart from Stacey Keebler, who's got a big smile on her face. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to go in there. Yeah, I remember at the time, um, Mark and I were remember at the time thinking, "Oh, there's there's no big names there at the WCW." But I've just looked at them there, and you had uh, Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. They're two. Obviously not main eventers, but two of the best wrestlers WCW. Oh yeah, I mean, I I I think that I was thinking about this the other why I was thinking about this in the middle of the night, but I was thinking about the invasion angle, and you had enough there. um, You had enough there without having to bring anyone in, though. I do believe they should have broken the bank for Goldberg, and then you could have done Steve Austin and Goldberg. I mean, you think you think if they brought Goldberg in and you done you kept the title separate. And you've done Austin versus Goldberg title for title at WrestleMania. 
and you could have had Goldberg win. Imagine the crowd. Goldberg, Goldberg's one of the unified titles and he's a heel. That'd, you know, they would yeah. have ate that up, wouldn't they? But they just didn't have, like the, I think I was thinking about it because I was listening to some stuff about um, Crockett buying out the UWF and it was a similar sort of thing. Like the, the, the Crockett guys were constantly put over the UWF guys. And it's like, well, if they're just, you know, if they're not good enough, you need the outside force to be better. You need them to win early and then eventually the kind of home promotion wins. But there was so much money in that. I mean, that invasion pay-per-view is the most bought re- most bought wrestling pay-per-view that wasn't a WrestleMania in history. Yeah. And you're talking and, you, and, and actually it wasn't a very good very good show. And what was the WCW team? It was like oh ECW WCW team. It was like Diamond Dallas Page. Um was I think was Rhino he? was in it, was he? Say that again, sorry, Mark. I think it was Di- Diamond Dallas Page Rhino. Yeah. Um Book Dudley's and the Booker T. E. Uh, was Shane the thing? I've got the DVD here. Hold on. Yeah, I think Shane. I think Shane wasn't. Shane, so yeah, on the DVD, it's um, Booker T, Diamond Dallas Page, Rhino, and the Dudley Boys. Okay, yeah. I mean, Kike and that did. Uh, what did that do? The inaugural prize. I mean, it's unbelievable. There was mu- there was yeah, money. There, in that. Were there I think I remember. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that and that ultimately was the end of the attitude era. Really, that that that. I mean, that's that's the time. Some people say it's a Steve Austin turn. But I actually think it was the second Steve Austin turn that killed the company. Not killed it, because obviously they're making more money than they've ever before now. But you know what I mean? In terms of like... Yeah, I, when I think of the attitude era, it's before invasion, after invasion. That's the dividing that's, line that's for the, me. Yeah. The yeah. moment that Steve Austin turned back... I mean, there was like... They should just had the guts to keep Austin. Even if they, even if they wanted... I mean, if they were like, we really need someone else on that team... You should, they should have turned Jericho or Angle, which they did. Event, I mean, Angle went ba- was babyface, but they eventually turned him back anyway. Just stick yeah. one of them on there. So we got Shane and uh, Shane and Vince, and and um, Shane's got the kind of WrestleMania X Seven kind of style jersey, which I did mean to try and fish out from my uh, wardrobe, my mum's, but I alas did not to wear for this evening. Um, did really I really regret not buying one of those? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you get one, Shu? No, I didn't. No, no. No, and again, wish I probably had it done now. So, um... well, I have one, but unfortunately, like was the style with clothes back in the day. I have an extra large one that basically looks like a tent on me, so it's not <laughs> something that I could ever wear. And actually, um, they aren't the most comfortable. And the worst one of the, of them all was the. Did we get this for free, Mark? Did we get one in WrestleMania twenty, or did I have to buy that? Because we got we got like something. No, in you must have bought it. Must have bought it. We got. Um, what did we get? It was unusual free gifts that year. We got fleece jackets. Yes, which caused um, little electric mic- shocks every time yeah, we tried shocks. to use the lift. Yeah. <laughs> Elevator. Yeah. Every time you the button on the lift. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that WrestleMania 21, the, I think it was a couple of uh, X's on the front, was so heavy. It was like, it felt like it was scraping into your chest every time you wore yeah. it. So, yeah, it yeah. Wasn't, wasn't good. So, yeah. So, how old was Vince when this match took place here? I'm just going to have a quick... quick I don't know about Vince. I did make a note of Mick Foley, who'd been retired for a year and looks like pretty much an old man there, was 35. I don't think he's in particularly good shape now, is he? Foley from the start. I heard that he was getting really bad headaches looking on on Twitter and things. And I think he kind of restricts his... Restricts his use and stuff, which is which is a bit of a well, a bit more than a bit of a worry. But I guess not to be um, not completely unexpected, given the punishment he took in his career. 
So Vince McMahon. While you check that, Steve, um, Mick, I would look back at Mick Foley's WrestleMania history. It's it's quite unusual. He only had six WrestleMania matches, three before he retired and three after he retired. And um, three of those six were tag team matches. So he only really had the, he had a match with the big show at 15 to, um, to decide who was going to referee the main event. He had the match yeah. with Edge at 22, which was, to be fair, an awesome match. And um, one other singles match. I can't remember what that will have been now. Because um, his first to... two were tag matches, weren't there? 13, he and Vader teamed up. 14, he and Terry Funk teamed up. Oh, the other one was the four-way main event at WrestleMania 2000. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I guess for that him, was... he was the... Um, a little and bit the like... tag match with The Rock at WrestleMania 20. He was kind of the the the, the get ready person, wasn't it? I was going I was going to compare him with Punk, but actually Punk had a lot more singles matches, but not at the top end. But I guess Foley was that the kind of like it cycled him in and out of main events sometimes, but was never the f- kind of focal heel or babyface, really. I suppose was it? Yeah. Well, if you think at ninety nine, he was challenging for the world title at Royal Rumble and um, the February pay-per-view and he did the same again in 2000. So that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He was the main event guy until the WrestleMania program start. But, but, I mean, especially in 99 and and 2000, he was really popular kind of on the way out. But what a guy to have in that, you know, upper underneath car. I mean, what, what they would do for someone of that popularity now when they're talking about bringing... I mean, I would consider that... I mean, maybe he wasn't, actually. Who would you consider... A, a higher level overall career-wise, Foley or Edge? Mm. I would have said Edge due to the number of title reigns and the number of years he was in the title picture. Foley really only had that sort of 99, 2000 in the main events. Edge was yeah. doing it from, what, 2005 to 2011? Yeah. So he had I- six years main event matches, although was anything as big as sort of Cactus Jack against Triple H? Possibly not. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. What, what do you think, Stu, on that? As, as we've got Shane doing his awful punches on Vince and Vince really overselling him on the floor. Shane's hey, got that. a huge egg under his eye there already. I bet they absolutely stiffed each other senseless here, didn't they? Didn't they? Though, I, mean, I think you missed one by someone else. Right. Sorry, Stu, what, what do you think in terms of uh, Foley and Edge kind of career comparisons? Oh, uh, I'm with Mark. I think engaged longevity, top of the, you know, top of the title picture for a, a lot longer. I mean, Foley, um, you know, in terms of memorable moments, you're always going to remember Foley, aren't you? If you know what I mean. So, um, you know, but but Edge, yeah, without, yeah, no doubt. I I no think doubt. Edge, Edge. Uh, longevity-wise, and he certainly was probably in more main events. But I do think that Foley's peak, he was a bigger star than Edge ever was, I think. It's probably my view on it, but obviously not the not the amount of time. Um, as Shane is now... I'm not sure. Like Even WrestleMania main events. I mean, Foley never had a WrestleMania match as big as Edge Undertaker, I would say. Main event in that WrestleMania. Do you think that... I don't know. I would. Do you not think the 2000 main event, even Foley's involvement in that, was bigger than the the uh, maybe financially and everything? But it it wasn't a program where Foley was. I mean, again, he like this WrestleMania, he was added to it what uh, a week before something like that, just to 
just to fill out the uh, man in every corner part of the deal. Yeah. So, you know, he'd retired at the end of February, he'd missed March and then brought back just in time for WrestleMania in April. The only thing well, I, I mean, would Edge say about... take a carried SmackDown for nearly a year, didn't they, in 2008? Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing I would say about um, the, the, the difference kind of between the two um, was that Foley was... The WrestleMania in, in 2000 had a clear and distinct re- main event, which he was one quarter of, whereas the 2008 WrestleMania, the Edge and Undertaker ultimately ended up being the last match that wasn't necessarily billed as the main event of WrestleMania. It was one of the two title matches. I think the other one was Orton, Cena and Batista, which arguably was a bigger match. Do you think? Orton, Cena, Triple H. Oh, sorry. Orton, Cena, Triple H. Yeah. Where did I get Batista from? Orton, Cena, Triple H. I, th- I kind of feel like it was a, that was the raw match, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, but, like I say, I'd, I wouldn't credit the WrestleMania 2000 main event. I wouldn't have Foley. Like I say, he wasn't even in, in the build. He was just, it was the other three guys doing it until, uh, well, we need a man in every corner. So who's yeah. going to be with? Let's bring back Foley. So on the on the screen now, we've just had a trip. Tri- sorry, she go ahead. But on the night of WrestleMania 24, Undertaker uh, Edge was the, was definitely the main event. In terms of crowd investor and stuff like that, that was yeah, the main event. I mean, was... you think we were we were really spoiled on that, you know, you know, you was really spoiled on that card in, in some respects because you had um, Flair and, and, and Michaels. Um, See, I I would say and... that was that not the main event? No, I, no. I don't think so. No, I won't consider it. No, no, okay. No. I will bow down to you, to you guys on, on that one. In the in in here now, so Trish has just turned on Vincent Mann and has slapped him at ringside, and Stephanie has just given. Am I am I ahead of you guys or am I behind? No, you she's guys? just slapped Foley at the same time here. Okay, good because I don't. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I mean, not really spoilers. We were all there, but um, Stephanie's just slapped Mick Foley, and uh, Trish is chasing her out of there. Um, which is yeah. So now we're in the in the final stretch and. It's a famous thing I've heard a few people say where Linda McMahon's going to get one of the biggest crowd reactions in WrestleMania history for literally yeah. standing up. I'm actually going to turn this up in my... Do you know what? It actually hasn't sent me too mad actually having this headphone and it's actually been quite... quite. I can barely hear what the commentators are saying, but it's been decent. So Vin, Vince... <laughs> where Vince here? Oh, this is incredible. This. Vince is getting up on the outside. Oh, he's just called it the B word. Very bad. And Linda <laughs> is just completely, completely blank. This is incredible. So Vince is getting up. What is it? Does it he, is, he, is he the one that lifts her in the ring? It is him, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And sits so, her in a chair in the corner. That's what I say. That the biggest pop of the night was Linda McMahon standing up. So Foley's remonstrating with Vince to leave Linda alone, obviously. Linda and, uh, and Mick go way back to WrestleMania 2000, so... Yeah, Vince is sort of backing away now and and uh, sort of leaving her alone. And Foley, and it was negotiations with Linda that got Foley the permission to be the referee in this match as well. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, Foley's wheeling Linda away, and unfortunately, she's just taken another chair shot to the back of the head, which she's completely no sold. 
and then for his for uh, it's just that that is bad, isn't it? Big big unprotected chair shot right to the head of Foley. And now his his hand is very close to his forehead now. Yeah. Oh, is he? Is he? Uh, I is think so. Yeah. Wow. I think so. So Vince is now. I mean, Linda's expression hasn't changed. I mean, this has got to be the best. This has got to be the finest work of her entire career, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, on the um, when well, I've got some notes here about the build, it was the March eighth SmackDown when he wheeled her out onto the stage and um, passionately kissed Trish standing right in front of her. I, I mean. mean Come on. How do you, how do you, I mean, I'm not sure that sort of thing. I'm not sure it it shouldn't have flown in 2001, but I can't see the 55 year old booker of a wrestling company getting away with booking himself, snogging the face off one of his top female wrestlers now as part of the storyline. Right. Yeah. He has, ki- he has kissed on screen a lot of the divas yeah. over the years. I remember him doing it with um, Candice Michelle, people like that. He was kissing at, at odd occasions. He's also ordered his daughter to kiss people like um, Eric Bischoff and people, isn't he, I think, as well? Yeah. Like, yeah. So like, imagine that. Like, You're stuck there with, with Stephanie's father and you, he, he's telling you to snog his daughter. It's all just a bit, bit, bit niche and a bit weird, really, isn't it? As Vince is throwing... Various uh, trash cans in the ring now as poor Linda's. Oh, because this is the um, the debut of Shane's new finishing move with these trash yeah. cans later, isn't it? Absolutely. And Shane takes a shot to the head. Not quite as bad as a, as a chair, but... Vince <laughs> threw that, threw the trash can right out towards Paul Heyman. I, want, I bet that was deliberate as well. Oh, this is it. This is it. Here we go. So Vince is smashing Shane with a... With a Legs wide open so she can't miss the grapefruits. He's giving her some more stick as well. (laughs) He said, do you like that a lot? There's more where that came from. And Linda's just completely glazed over. He's strutting around. This is classic Vince stuff here. I love how how wide he opens his legs for this next bit so that she she really can't miss. I mean, the reaction, she's just stood up. She's walking over to Vince. Shane's pointed at her. She gets a bit scared. Vince moves his legs. Vince moves there. his legs. Yeah, we go. Yeah. Absolutely blast him in the balls. Incredible. That was so good. Foley's back in there. Really good looking Probably. punches from Foley as well. This is really, really good stuff. The crowd is going absolutely nuts for this. I mean, as you say, like what a reaction for Linda McMahon. Like just an absolute... Spl- and this is why this show is so good. You're just thinking like you've just had a you know, a four four plus star kind of technical 15 minute classic with Benoit and Angle. You could quite happily go on for another 10 minutes and you've got this great brawl and you've got all, like the second half of this event is just so, so TLC, Triple H and Undertaker and the main event. I mean, it's so, such a good show. And also we talked about as well, like in terms of um, the running order of a pay-per-view, this is, this is, this is done right, isn't it? In terms of, yeah. if, if this was now, They'd have been tempted to throw that TLC out first, or put Undertaker and, and, and um, Triple H early, or something stupid. But this is just this is this is how combat sports should be in terms of the running order. Um, there's enough in there that it just the, the early matches work to a certain extent, and the, and the later matches build and build and build. As Shane's going up for the the, the Shane Van Terminator coming up, I do wonder what 
Rob Van Dam must have been thinking because, you know, ECW's gone under. He must be thinking, I'm going to WWE at some point this yeah. year. And he, he he must have been watching this show and then, oh, man, that's my, <laughs> that's my special move. He only <laughs> debuted that, I believe, at the uh, summer of 2000 pay-per-view, I remember. That was the Van Terminator. The crowd went crazy for it. And now Shane's claimed it for himself. Look at that reaction as well. Just absolutely phenomenal. Really, really incredible. It's pretty impressive that, like, you know, 18 years on from that, Shane still still done a couple of coast-to-coast, didn't he? So, uh, um, you know, some of the bumps that Shane's taken throughout his the one career. Of- the one I remember most of recent years, he did one at one of the Survivor Series. I think he knocked himself out by smacking the back of his head on the canvas. So that's oh, when I thought God. maybe it's time to uh, get a different finish. You know, he put that trash can on Vince, didn't he? That, that probably gave him, what, another, what, a, a foot less a foot less room to make, if you know what I mean. So it was almost yeah. a bit like a safety net, wasn't it, in case he didn't quite get there. He had that little sort of like buffer with the, with the trash can. One thing I was going to ask you both, did you expect at the time, or looking back, anything else involving WCW on this show rather than just waving at them on the balcony? Yeah, I thought um, they were going to be involved in the finish somehow in terms of the steep. The steep. I, can't, I kind of half expected Austin. To, uh, there was there were some rumours about Austin turning up floating around at that point. I kind of half expected them to be involved in that. What did you think, Shu? No, I did I, I, mm, Yeah. No, I didn't expect him to be involved, to be honest with you. It all happened so quickly, didn't it? The the deal was done on the Friday. Uh, yeah. they, they put it all on the Monday Night Raw discussing what's happened. Shane's now the owner. And then WrestleMania was six days after that, so... Yeah, I remember I, I, thinking, I really hope they don't muck up the mess. I, I remember thinking, I hope, I hope they don't mess up the original plans for WrestleMania by trying to do something stupid here. Um, but yeah, I guess in the end that their, their involvement on the show was they did the right thing for once actually and took took a breath and waited to wait for to see what happened. Right. So as Shane McMahon leaves the ringside area, we're all gonna leave for a moment, have a bit of a comfort break, and we'll be back with I think it's TLC next, isn't it? So yeah. actually before we get on to that, just a quick question before we uh before we end our first part, which was what was the star rating? For Vince versus Shane, what do you think, Stu? Three. Interesting, Mark. It's hard to say with your friend Mr. Meltzer. Um, <laughs> me personally, I, I would I would say it's worthy of three and a half at least. It was three stars, three stars. So yeah, three stars, and we're going to finish off You're with quite Matt good Hardy. This, Stu. Yeah. yeah, well done, Stu. Congratulations. Matt Hardy on screen talking to Kevin Kelly, which I always see it was a bit bit bizarre when he when he comes up. So we'll be back momentarily with the second half of WrestleMania 17. I will give you every drop of sweat, every drop of blood, every ounce of energy I have. You are gonna get the absolute best of the rock at WrestleMania. I need to beat you up. I need it more than anything that you can ever imagine. There can be only one World Wrestling Federation champion, and that will be Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin. With all due respect. Okay, we are back from a lovely refreshment break, and we're ready for more WrestleMania 17. So I think we've skipped forward very, very slightly on the timer. So we're now at dead on one hour 50 So we're going to hit play 
after three, two, one, and go. Hit play on the go, the G of the go. So three, two, one, go. And we've got Kevin Kelly with Matt Hardy. Um, is it as bizarre for you guys seeing Kevin Kelly? Oh, I guess perhaps not because of New Japan stuff, but I find it so odd that this guy is like super serious, like very respected commentator used to play this role as like kind of like The Rock used to make fun of him on like SmackDown every week, basically, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought, I used to like him. I thought he was a good commentator, he was a good interviewer, but for some reason he just wasn't a fit for WWE. No. He wasn't there very long, was he? Because the thing you think about it, well, how good a commentator he was, like, I don't think Michael, I think people will probably look back on Michael Cole and won't be quite so harsh as people were at the time because he followed Jim Ross. I think Michael Cole's perfectly serviceable, but this guy's great. I mean, it is weird that he never quite got there. I wonder if, I wonder if maybe the look is something more to do with anything else, maybe for Kevin Kelly. No frosted tips. Just, just while, while, while they're signing, while they're signing those autographs. Wouldn't you just hate it though if you've been queuing for like an hour to see the Hardy Boys, and then you don't even get speech to them because they're being interviewed and all they're doing oh, is just no. signing cards and just you'd, you'd be absolutely gutted, wouldn't you? So um, did you both that happened both... to me on on Sorry, one of on. the travel packages at um, I went to the Royal Rumble one year, and as part of the travel package, we got to meet a few of the wrestlers in the hotel, and we were walking in a single file line down the table, getting autographs and speaking, and like I managed to tell Jerry Lawler I was enjoying his book because I was reading it on the plane, things like that. And I was really looking forward to meeting Terry Runnels because I'd had one chance before and missed it. And I went down and literally as I walked and put my thing down in front of her, her phone rang and she proceeded to take the phone call and I didn't get a single Oh, word no. What, what, which year was that? 2003. 2003. Was it, was, it, um, was it WrestleMania 18 where we did a meet and greet with some of the... Some of yes, the we did. Yeah, there were yeah. there was uh, they brought out some of the bigger stars there because I've been to a few of these things and it's it tends to be the mid card guys. But yeah. I mean Jericho, world champion, he was there, wasn't he? And he was there, wasn't he? Yeah. So what was that? Was that access or was that something else? Was that part of your travel package? It was a separate thing. Yeah, with the travel package, ah. we got to um, yeah the same thing we did, uh, Stephen at WrestleMania twenty when we went to and we had our photos taken with Mysterio and some other people. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, did you you guys both went to Access this year, didn't you? In terms of seventeen, did you meet anyone or get any autographs at that at that one? Not besides the travel package, I didn't. Um, no, I did the no. um, the commentary thing where you can sit down and record your own commentary, and they actually gave you it on videotape. Oh uh, yeah, got two two videotapes. One of me doing um, Helen Stell Undertaker Mankind, where basically I just repeated verbatim everything Jim Ross said. <laughs> That's great. I've watched it so many times I couldn't forget. And then we did, um, it was myself and Maria, who I mentioned earlier, we did um, Cactus Jack against uh, Triple H at Royal Rumble as well. Oh, that's a good one. Should you go to Access 17 year? No, 17 I didn't know, but 18 I did. Hmm. 18, so I remember having a photo with, um, uh, and I think it was the first time it had been there. I mean, you might tell me I'm wrong, but when uh, Vince's convertible was filled with cement and stuff uh, like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 it was good seeing that. And yeah. we saw the ambulance that um, Hulk Hogan trashed with the rock in it, things like yeah. that. Yeah. What, um, what uh, oh, was that, that the videotape? We, I did it at WrestleMania 9, at 19 Access. It was a, the Access's kind of got worse, I, I thought, because Houston was amazing. Toronto was really, really good, but the session that we went to, was way, way too full. I don't know if you found that one. We went the Friday night, I think, 
and it you could you could barely move in there. It was actually quite uncomfortable. We probably only I think Lewis and I got some merchandise and then we got out of there because it was really like really really horrible. Um, did you go on the Saturday to access in, in 18 Street? Can you remember? Coming, which I thought we went one evening. I might, mm. yeah, I don't it's possible you could have gone that. Saturday night because a Saturday night session certainly as well, wasn't there? I don't, I don't remember them being um, super, super busy like you just described, Stephen. No, but, um, no. I, I do remember it was way too busy. I didn't even think about joining a queue to meet anybody. Yeah, I was literally walking no. around and looking at the memorabilia and stuff. We got our picture taken with William Regal on the Friday, and I I bought I found something that some early one that we I bought the WF title belt, but um the access at in Seattle was in you know if you go to a stadium and like where the concessions bits are the access at WrestleMania 19 was next door to Safeco Field in the American Football Stadium and it was in that bit of the stadium and it was bizarre. The only good thing about that was there was a thing with Eric Bischoff where he did like a question and answer session with the crowd, which was much, much less than both years. So you could get, I think Lewis asked a question actually, because I was, I was chicken. So I asked him to ask something, which I think he might have botched actually thinking back on it. <laughs> still hold a grudge all these years later. But Eric was talking all about the stuff with um, his intended buyer of WCW right at the end before um, Turner Network pulled the plug on the TV, the TV time. Um, but yeah, so it was, that was really interesting. But in ring now, we've got, obviously TLC two now and the Dudley boys just come out and this is, this is going to be, I mean, really this from this point and and actually to be fair, Shane and Vince was very, very good as well. And also Benoit and Angle, but you're you're kind of pretty much getting to sort of perfect wrestling card situation between now and the end of the show. Um, It's it's mad to think that obviously Matt Hardy's still heavily involved in um, AEW and obviously Christian just signed an Edge's main event in WrestleMania 20 years on which is quite quite mad, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Especially yeah. when um, this time, I know it was always said about Mick Foley in his younger days, but even this time, I think people assumed with all these ladder matches and tables matches, these guys uh, maybe weren't going to have so long careers. I mean, it's an incredible story that Edge and Christian were both able to come back from there. From there, I mean, clearly, there's—I don't know whether, whether the science around concussions, obviously, on Christian's side is is getting better in terms of sort of long-term treatment, and, and hopefully, 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 it has and will do. But it's incredible that him and Daniel Bryan were able to come out back from kind of basically mm. brain-related injuries um, and come back from that, which was which was phenomenal, really. Did um, Stu, did you have any particular favourite going into this this uh, this tag team title match? What, in terms of who I wanted to win or just who yeah, I thought yeah, was yeah. going to win? Yeah, uh, uh, well, yeah, I was always I was always Hardy Boys, I must admit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing that. I mean, it's just a epic match, this. Yeah. How about yeah, you? And, and I think far superior to, the, uh, far superior to TLC one as well, so... Um, well, it's interesting you say that, uh, Stuart, because Mr Dave Meltzer agreed with you about that. He said it was... Um, it was from a psychological standpoint, superior to their SummerSlam match. So there you go. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, there was a lot of um, throwing everything at the wall in the SummerSlam one. It, it was a brilliant match, an amazing match. Yeah. But I would say there were improvements made for this one. I'd agree with that. I mean, the thing that's a bit weird about this is they did do... It was these three teams at WrestleMania 2000 as well, wasn't it? But that was just was that just a pure yeah. ladder match without the tables. Yeah, there, there were tables and lad and chairs used in the match, but it was a ladder match. And yeah. I believe that's that was the starting point for creating TLC. Yeah, because I remember thinking in the build-up to this, I really hope we get 
a ladder match, even though it feels like it's maybe perhaps a little bit played out between these teams. But we certainly weren't weren't disappointed with this as as Mr. Hardy. Here's a question for you both. Something that bugs me, and a lot of things irrationally bug me in wrestling, but I wish the belts were the same now as they were then. I know that the world title belt had changed, but back then, like the tag team titles, and I think the Intercontinental would change in Attitude Era, wouldn't it? But I don't really understand why they don't just have the belt, like the belts that it always has been kind of thing. Well, I don't know they can sell them, but if they did like a little video package before a tag team title match and you had like the Hart Foundation and people from the past and stuff, would that not mean more than the kind of weird belts they have now? I, I agree with you. I, I, I have the same um, thoughts on that. The, it, it is odd how the Intercontinental title is the only one that went away and came back. The same, that design was brought yeah. back. They never did that with the world title or the tag team title. And it's gone again now, isn't it? The Intercontinental. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I don't mind the... What do you think of the main two belts, Stu, in terms of the design of the universe? I was Universal? just thinking about this. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, one of my... I, I, I agree with everything that you said, uh, but I must admit, one of my favourite belts from recent times um, was the when when Daniel Bryan was champion going into 35, so it was almost like the uh, like the organic, like, wooden look effect. Oh, yeah, belt. yeah. Love that belt. Thought that were, that were that was awesome. I know Mark will have a a, a, a deep connection with the spinner belts as well. So, um, <laughs> but no deep I, hatred. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that Daniel Bryan belt. Really, yeah, awesome belt. Loved it. What I suspect we might all be on the same pages on this. But what's your all-time favorite wrestling belts? Do you go for? Actually, give me number one and number two because I think we might all have the same one for number one. So what's your what's your what's your your top one and top two, Stu? Uh, well, top one the the original WWF Championship belt. I yeah, Winged just, Eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh God, that's that's a really good one for number two. I hadn't really thought that deep. Can I come back to you on that? You certainly can. I'll let you guys go. And I'll, I'll, go I'll, I'll ponder. Um, number one, obviously, Winged Eagle. Um, number two, I would have said until recently the Intercontinental one that we all know from sort of late mm. 80s into the early 90s. But uh, I've got a bit of a soft spot now for the current WWE title one based on, obviously, I've mentioned on an earlier podcast, I was given a replica one by Triple H when I went to that SummerSlam. And um, and that, you know, I got my photo taken with all the wrestlers holding that belt. And um, yeah, I've got a soft spot for that one now. It'll yeah, be a I shame do. when that one goes, I think. I do really like, I think that, that for, though I don't think they should be a universal title, I think that um, that undisputed WWE world title belt that sort of let, I guess it's kind of the Lesnar belt, really, if you think about it, isn't it, in terms of that was the origin of it when he became champion and they, and they stopped having two belts, wasn't it? I think that's a really, really nice belt um, in terms of that. Cause it's not a classic, classic design in terms of like a world or globe or something like that, but it's a really, really good looking belt. Um, I, I can't think my, my second, obviously winged Eagles number one. I really used to like the old big gold belt WCW world title. And I really like though, it's, it's going to be, it's basically been discontinued. I really like the IWGP heavyweight title as well because it's, it, the IWGP and AEW world title belts are very similar and that kind of big, slightly blocky, quite kind of, um, I guess, long, I suppose, up to down um, length, but they're, they're particularly, but obviously the old Intercontinental belt is really, really good as well. Um, I can't think of any, is there any niche ones you can think of? 
Well, there was Austin smoking skull belt, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, to be fair, actually, the title belt in the main event here between The Rock and Austin is pretty good. What they call that, the Big Eagle, I think that one is, isn't it? Is the, the belt. Yeah, I never warmed to that, but I think it was mostly because it's the one that replaced Winged Eagle. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I liked, for some reason, I don't know if it's just the way it looks, the, the old WCW United States title. I used to like that. Yeah, I agree. I thought I've that seen a lot of other belts where people have sort of copied it with the, their logo that sort of design it's a popular design yeah no i really like that one as well um so all we've got in the ring now all three teams are starting to climb to the climb to the top i suppose you you, you, you can see the crowd the crowd are now off there on their feet yeah. right? this was really getting this was re- this was starting to turn into a red hot crowd wasn't it it really oh, yeah like you say like you mentioned earlier about the, the the timing of the matches it was almost like it was a trajectory wasn't it you know every it match yeah, yeah I, and I'm that, they won't do that at WrestleMania in a few weeks' time. And AEW didn't do that um, at Revolution a few weeks back. I'm just like, this is this is beautiful. I let, just, this is beautiful. I said that because there was a there was a, a a sign in the crowd that's not aged well, which is a particular line from um, American Pie that you two may remember. Um, <laughs> which I'm not going to repeat, but yeah, I mean, Crikey, how do you get that in? I mean, you certainly wouldn't be getting that in in PG. Uh, WWE, would you? And it's in the front row of WrestleMania, but or second row of WrestleMania forever to come. Leading into this podcast, I watched a lot of um, the Raws and Smackdowns, as I said, uh, from No Way Out. And some of the signs there, I mean, it was quotes from movies and things, but there's so many uh, from this era, which is random name, whoever it may be, is gay. That was in nearly every TV show, you'd get at least a couple of those opposite hard camp. It's, you know, you can say a different time, but, you know, that was, it was something. It's bizarre to think, this is the thing, I, I can't ever imagine um, making the effort to to make a sign like that. It's just totally bizarre. As Spike Dudley comes out as the first kind of interference on the on behalf of the Dudley boys. And was that acid drop, Christian, through the Absolutely. table on the outside? Yeah. So that was, I remember this is, this. I don't think this match is super long, is it? I don't think in terms of, um, in terms of the overall... Yeah. Because when he's come out, I thought, oh, God, that's that's quite a... Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I think, you know, you're, you're probably so invested, it felt like felt like forever. I'll tell you, some of the most brutal punishment I've seen, you, you, you know, um, Spike Dudley Taylor was when Brock Lesnar would... Con- do you remember when Brock Lesnar continually powerbombed him into the... Yeah. Uh, and he yeah. just kept picking him up and... Oh, that was... There was some... That was... Oh, we got he Ryan took some hideous that. stuff. I remember Undertaker choke slam- slamming him over the top rope and he yeah. landed flat on his back at ringside. Oh, Rhino's just gored. Is that Matt, isn't it, through the table on the corner yeah. as he's interfering on behalf of Edge and Christian? I always like, spoiler alert, I always like the fact that they always had Edge and Christian win these matches as well because that was just like, I feel like that added to it. Especially, the was the SummerSlam match in the Hardy Boys' hometown, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was North Carolina, yeah. yeah. The Hardys w- then won the go. titles the following month in some random... Place yeah, it's like down. classic bits. We've got Lita coming out now with the with the the thong showing, and she just slammed Edge Edge. Well, quite that's an interesting uh, uh, combination there, isn't it? Lita just slammed Edge's head into the to the ladder. <laughs> well, wow, I mean, this is just incredible stuff, isn't it? And Lita's going up to the top now. Hate of it, isn't it? It's so fast paced. Yeah, Hurricane Rana and Rhino. The crowd is absolutely going ballistic in the background for this as well as Edge is up to the top. I do oh, miss the uh, camera flashes as well. Obviously, now in this era, you don't get them. 
no this is this is do you know what this is there is some danger there's there is some danger in here and big spots and stuff but this is tremendous like i mean we i think we talked about this mark about the the bucks and phoenix and pentagon ladder match and like melts was like that's this is the best ladder match i've ever seen it was just like perfectly acceptable decent ladder match but this is definitely a step above that i mean this is yeah. the intent how many of these match. spots could we remember before before we're going to watch it now oh. and like i said like i said the other week to you, oh, hello yeah. um the, that all out one between lucha bros and young bucks i remember a canadian destroyer off a ladder and that's that's the only spot i remember of the whole match and I tell you what, in this, in this, in terms of we talked in, in uh, earlier on about the Bret Hart Steve Austin match at WrestleMania 13, in terms of like near falls were missing. Obviously, ladder, ladder match is a bit difficult for near falls, but there feels there feels like a real legitimate struggle in this to to get the advantage. As, as you said, Stu, it's really fast paced, and it feels like they want they're, they're wanting to win. They're not necessarily setting up 15 tables on the outside to do a spot kind of thing. I feel like there is. Oh, I could be about to be proven wrong here what they're about to do next, but it feels like there's a will to win, which I think needs to be there in a wrestling match to make it, I guess, mm. I guess somewhat more realistic, I suppose. Here's I, a slightly random question for you, since you've just mentioned it, uh, and you might want to think about it, uh, but what's the what's the greatest ever near fall you've seen? What One comes, to, my, one comes into my head straight off the bat in terms of crowd and stuff like that. I think I know what you're thinking of, and it's the first one that came to my mind because you mentioned it earlier. Um, probably the tombstone with the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at no, no. 25. No, nope. oh, that's the one for me. Yeah, no. that would. I'd have to really think about that because there's been a few that have been like I've massively, massively bought into. But yeah, that that would be certainly up there. What are you? What, what are you thinking of, Stu? Well, the one that comes straight into my head was 28 when um, Shawn Michaels super kicked Taker straight into the pedigree. Yeah. That's a fantastic down. Game. Then Michael's count that 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 was as near to like a three count as you can. You, you, yeah. I mean, and the, the one I did mention earlier that probably the the biggest pop near fall was was obviously Hogan Rock Hogan coming yeah. out the rock bottom. That that was just a, an insane pop. That but but yeah, I think take 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 a Michael's and uh, and and trips at twenty eight was probably the the greatest near fall. I think. I think I, I had a slight problem with that. I, I really loved. I was. I thought it was three. I loved the kick out. My problem with that, and and it's happened a few times, is when somebody gets hit with switching music, and instead of going down, they stay on their feet for the next bit, which in this case uh, was a pedigree. Yeah, so I, yeah. I didn't like that. The, the thing with um, the Undertaker matches, um, I guess from. There must have been a big. I can't can't think of a moment in the Michaels Undertaker match where under there must have been. He must have kicked out of switching music at some point. I just can't remember because that was the big near fall the other way around. But it was yeah. almost like from, from from that onwards up to the Lesnar match, there was a moment in each one of those Undertaker matches where you thought he was done for, and that was the whole. They got you every single time, even you know, like yeah. Undertaker's not going to lose, not going to lose, not going to lose. Even with Punk, with the the what was it the tomb the um. The urn shot, wasn't it? I think out of the last ride. That was it, yeah. Gonna be it. Uh, which oh no, we didn't watch this game. That was the following year, wasn't it? Um yeah. yeah, I mean that was there's some classic stuff now. I wish I could remember some more, but there's been some some in the last few years that I've I've but near I mean near the near falls in wrestling is an is is an art in of itself. Here we go, it's a famous um the, the spot we're going into now with the edge spear and Jeff Hardy. We've seen it a million times, obviously, in the 20 years. But I think for me, it, it, if somebody said what's the best 
five seconds you've seen in wrestling. I, mm. I'd say this spot. And like I said earlier, my view of the ring, I'm looking at it from pretty much what we're looking at here. I was right oh. next to the hard cam. Right. I look at the crowd. Sensational. That, I mean, that must have been... So, I mean, it was bad enough for Jeff Hardy, but for Edge taking that on his knees from... I mean, he didn't he didn't uh, pull on that at all. That was full full force spear, wasn't it? Off off kind of three quarters of that tall ladder. Just for a moment. And this is the thing. I, I talk about this on the podcast as well. I know this is this match has probably got maybe another four or five minutes maximum. This doesn't need to be thirty minutes. And 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 wrestling. And this is the thing. Actually, I think this is one of the strong things about the show. I think the Benoit and Angle match, which is an absolute classic, was maybe fourteen minutes. Yes. Yeah. New Japan are very bad with this. Every how, man- how often do do people review matches and say it was really good, but it was just five or ten minutes too long? You hear it all the time these yeah, days because exactly. that's that's the we got climate now. Matt Hardy and um, Bubba Ray just taking a Bubba huge. Bubba Ray just gone through four tables. tables. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten how good this was actually. To be fair, because this this is as I say, this just it just feels like a like a fever pitch in the crowd in, in terms of the, you know, the, the, the will to win of these guys, definitely. And it, it's the build that there's so many creative, exciting spots, but they're getting bigger and bigger. First, it was Jeff doing the uh, Swanton at ringside. Then Edge speared Jeff. That was a big one. Then this one was even bigger through the outside yeah. tables. So now we're in the home stretch ready for the finish. So Devon... So, uh, yeah, Devon's going out with Edge behind him and Christian... Yeah, this is it, isn't it? And Christian's been helped up by Rhino. I mean, yeah, this is just... And there we go, Christian's got the belt so and that is, is it. championship ladder match. WWE had had three before this one and in each of those, the champions had retained. This was the first time um, Dudley's went in as champions and, and lost the titles. In oh, the I didn't... Okay, yeah. I and do you know what I liked that. about that? It was, it was uh, you know, there was no... You know, like in the ladder matches you get now, and the money in the bank, and all that sort of stuff, and they're just they're just constantly wrangling at the top of the ladder, aren't they? Knocking each other. You know, this was straight up get the belts yeah. job done, wasn't it? No, there no was no. I, I thought there was no. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. There was no silliness around that ladder, was there? In terms of like someone really crawling up really, really slowly to kind of drag it out. It was just all action. Um, what did you what What did you think Meltzer gave that one star rating wise? Four. Must have been four. Yeah. Gotta be. Four and three quarters. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I which I think it was worth every I mean he he's... He gave um Sean Sean and Razor five, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, um, that's a match I've not seen for a for a for a long I t- I, I, was it uh blah, blah, blah. so they had they had the match for WrestleMania ten and then it was, was it SummerSlam ninety five? No. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Because yeah. Sean... they announced Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid, and then they they changed yeah. it, and uh, yeah. it, for some reason, at the last minute, a Razor Ladder match was announced, and that was a great match. That's an under, I'd call that one underrated because everyone remembers WrestleMania Ten. Yeah, I'd like to watch that, that one. Again. Not so much. Yeah. I mean, I think that was Dave Meltzer's uh, in terms of obviously lots of derision around his star sins, but he he does tend to say that. If something's four, if you if if Mark say you think it's four and three quarters, and I think it's five, we're basically saying the same thing. So I mean, I can see. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that that what you said about I wouldn't say that match needed any more time. But I I kind of think that's five for me. I mean, I don't really see how you make that any better. I mean, that's about as as good a fifteen minute match as you could possibly have. Really. I mean, I 
don't know. That's that's five for me. I would say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. What what would I'd be interested to know what he thought put it from a five down to a four and three quarters. Something wasn't there for in his opinion. So what he I think Stu, no, you know what, funnily enough, we had this conversation on the way back from uh on the metro in New York on the way back from the um NXT takeover talking about Gargano and Cole. Because we were I think we were what I was what I was certainly wondering because I'd never seen a, his him a five star match that Meltzer had rated up to that point live and I felt that I had a good chance of getting it. Um and I think that he's just said in the past that if it's five, he hundred percent knows it's five. And if he thinks it's close to five, it's four and three quarters, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's like, yeah, you just know, like, that's five without doubt. If there's any doubt, it's four and three quarters. Um, I mean, that were off the chart, weren't it, that match? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Though, actually, I thought on the night, I thought this might get given four and three quarters. But then when I got home and watched it back, um, I thought it was even better, actually, when I watched it the second time. Um, but yeah, and no, that was a, that yeah. was a phenomenal match. It's, prob- it's probably it's better for me because it was it was better for me because I won't have to keep hiding every five seconds in case the camera camera <laughs> Absolutely, I think that's probably As we talked better. about in a previous uh, in a previous uh, podcast. I think that it's, it's a difficult one. I do really like Johnny Gargano. I really like his works. So I'm probably biased, but I think that might be the best match I've ever seen. That and Osprey and Hiromu at Wrestle Kingdom are probably the two best matches I've ever seen. But that Gargano and Cole, like the closing sequences of that were like, yeah, it was just... like literal actual art kind of thing. So yeah, it was was so good. We're just seeing in the background now a bit of um bit of access as we talked about with Jim Ross being uh, interviewed in the Undertaker's hearse, and there's Steve Austin. Steve Austin was certainly not at access when I was there on the two sessions. So. Yeah, not a chance. I, I did notice in a montage there, there was a clip of Jerry Lynn arm dragging someone. I wonder if that was the match. I think we, we sat watched the Jerry Lynn match with a guy called Steve Bradley. So yeah. that might have been it. What, what was just shown? Because that was Saturday lunchtime, wasn't it? I think. God, what I would yeah. I wish we could just get in a get in a time machine and go back and just do that weekend again. Like just to have, have a little yeah. bit more money and just be like be a bit more worldly wise and stuff. It's just so 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 good. So we got, yeah, Fink, we got um, Fink, just announcing the, um, Fink announcing just the Jim Ross's now. shoulder there. Um, there was a couple who I didn't get a chance to mention earlier, um, who I don't know if I mentioned, I'd um, wrote into Powerslam magazine when I got oh, yeah. my tickets because uh, there was a section in the back for tape trading and all that. And I thought, because the internet was still in its infancy, as we know, I thought oh, there might be 10, a dozen English fans going to America to watch WrestleMania because I didn't know, as we know now, there's thousands. Mm. But um, I, I put in a little advertisement saying, if anyone's going from England and wants to hang out in Houston, please get in touch. And there was a very nice couple from Blackpool who actually did get in touch. They emailed me and we met up at the hotel and we queued up in, on the Friday night to pick up our tickets together. And I, get, was that, get, I the, take it that, that was Gail, time. was it? Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gail, yeah. I still keep in touch with her now on Facebook. Do you know what? Funnily enough, she helped me with um with uh the the email address for the um for the WrestleMania travel package actually. So we had correspondence before WrestleMania 19. Right, we're going to be back very very shortly with the gimmick battle royal, which I'm sure you're all looking forward to. Right, so we are back now, and we are at two hours and seventeen seconds. No, is that right? Two hours and 17 minutes and zero, zero seconds. So as it's become customary, three, two, one, and go, we're going to go. So three, two, one, go. 
Um, so we'll play a little game if you're up for it during this as the entrants come out for this gimmick battle. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I want each of you in turn. So if you know, we'll go right to left on my screen. So Stu goes first, Mark second, me then, and then back round again. As the gimmick battle royal contestants come out, I want you to name a title that that wrestler had. So I'll, any guesses for anyone that we're not sure about, we'll, I'll, uh, I'll try and look up while we keep going. Up for that? Absolutely. Though I've got no, I can't even really remember what sort of entrances these guys get. So um, hopefully, I think that they all just sort of very like, quick. Most of quick them. walk downs, wasn't it? Yeah, they it's like followed after uh, every ten seconds or something so, like. That. I Iron Sheik is anything but quick when he walks down. Yeah, <laughs> there's not a not, neither Bobby or Mean Gina with us anymore, are they? Sadly, uh, Bobby looks uh, great there. I know he was struggling he in when we saw him at the Hall of Fame three years later. Oh yeah, quite yet. It wasn't he three years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Heyman's such a city. He didn't stick around, did he? From this point, I think Mean Gene was signed back on doing backstage stuff and extra things for, I think, the 24 7 channel. Yeah, and he did come Bobby didn't come back again. I think he looks quite, I think he looks quite choked up there coming back. I'm sure he was. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd seen interviews saying he was, he was so happy to be back. Yeah. Because he, he wasn't sure if he ever would be, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Stuart I see it as well, first. Stuart, in his face. So the Bushwhackers are up first. Vaccine titles. But of, of uh, whom? Oh, God. Would they have been... I, I, for some reason, the first thing that came into my head was the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. Wow, well, is that, that is... I'll tell you what, we'll try, I'll try and keep rough points as we go along, so if you, we don't get it. So... Uh, so you're going NWA United States Tag Team Titles. Uh, or maybe no, I'm thinking of WCW. They introduced a tag US title. I can't remember. Oh, Drozzi, this is actually your go now, uh, Mark. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I don't. I can't imagine Duke Drozzi had too many. Uh, I've too got many a Duke Drozzi stat of my own for you here. At this age. Uh, you know, where they're celebrating. You remember this guy? He's 32 years old in 2001. Wow. He was the CWA World Heavyweight Champion. Not sure that's recognised as a World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, oh, dear. I've got the Iron uh, Sheik, WF Champion. What a shame. <laughs> yeah, what is the CWA? C- that was um, Otto oh, Vance, wasn't it, in Austria? What's it? Say that again, sorry. Oh, was it? Okay. CWA, yeah. Uh, Bradshaw was a big deal there for a long oh, time. Fit Finley and a few guys. Ah, how interesting. Yeah, Iron Sheik is um, taking his time, I think, to say the, <laughs> say the least. Got his classic boots on. Um, so who's next? Uh, game-wise, uh, Stuart. Is Stuart is now. Bobby Heenan just said, by the time Iron Sheik gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 38. Uh, well, tag team titles with... Uh, WWF tag team titles. Correct. With uh, Typhoon... So that's Earthquake. one for me, one for Stuart. Disasters. Earthquake in 2001, 37 years old. Wow. Tough paper round, I think. And another one that's no longer with us, sadly. 37? It's just, it's just to think really? of the current day WWE, where I'd say that's an average, but these oh, are the uh, sort of held I think in the Rumble. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark, you've got the goon. Uh, <laughs> uh, goon someone... Was that... USWA. Uh, it was USA Wild Bill Irwin. That, that's what he used to be known as, but 
I'm going to go USWA. Did he win a Bill title? Bill Owen. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so you're going USWA t- uh, title. Yeah. Oh, it's um, Doink now. Uh, USWA. N- no, alas, not Mark, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, Doink. I'm going. Well, I don't know if it's Matt. It's, I don't, it's, is it Matt Bourne playing? I think it, it was Matt Bourne, yeah. Uh, WF tag team title? Did he have the tag team title? Not that I remember, but this, is, um, this game is involving a lot more looking up than I thought it would require. Oh, here he is. Stephen's oh, favourite from Mid South. Yeah, come on. Me. Uh, he was not. Yeah, your turn, Stu. Matt Bourne was not a WF tag team champion. He, uh, sorry, actually, it's your go. So, what, what uh, title did Kamala hold? Oh, god. Um, I don't know. Uh, NWA heavyweight. NWA heavyweight. Wow. Uh, no, alas, not. He his probably biggest one was USWA Unified uh, World Heavyweight Champion a few times. Um, uh, Mark, this re- is you. Uh, Mid South TV Champion. Correct. Is that can, I, can I chuck one in? WWF Tag Team Champion as part of Demolition? Yeah, that too, yeah. Was yeah. Barry Darcy... Yeah, he was the first Tag Team Champion, wasn't he? First Crusher, uh, TV Champion. Crusher, yeah. Yeah, because Terry's had to beat him. I've got, so got Jim Connects if I had a title. So, um, yeah, alas, back to you, Stu, I think, on the next one. Give me one that he's managed. Come on, give me a title that he's managed. Oh, uh, Mid-South Tag Team Champions. So who have I got? Guy. I don't know what the, has anyone got any idea what the score is? Nope. No. I think I, I think I'm winning, surely. Well, this is another easy one, Stu. What you got for Nikolai? Uh I just said it actually on the thing. Uh, uh Do you want to jump I, in, Mark? One on my head. I believe Sorry. he was WWF tag team champion at WrestleMania one, wasn't he? He was WWF tag team champion. He won the WF title at WWF tag team title at WrestleMania 1 uh, with the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Um, this is you again, actually, Mark. Uh, uh, he was um, world-class tag team champions, I'd assume. Yeah, he must have been, I would have thought. Uh... 42 years old here, Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes. Now he looked good for 42. Michael Hayes, cage match. One man gang was uh, UWF heavyweight champion. Yep. Which is a bit of a... Uh, one of the last ones, actually. It may, may be the, maybe the last one, actually, I think. Um, sorry, he Mark. He must have been you... a young guy. He, he was 41 here in 2001, so he was must he? have been well, young in UWF. Sorry, Mark. What did you 20s. go for for Michael Hayes? Uh, world-class championship wrestling tag team champion. World-class world tag team champion, yep. Absolutely. Gobbledygooker. Well, oh, well, well Hector Guerrero. Well, well, I was going to say Mid-South Tag Team Champion, surely. I don't think the Guerrero's ever won the Mid-South Tag Team titles, actually, unless they came back and did it later. Um, let's just have a quick quick look. I mean, that was unbelievable, that thing. Survivor Series 90, wasn't it? Um, I remember that watching that. That was the second pay-per-view I ever watched at, that, at the time. So... Yeah, Hector Guerrero wasn't a Mid-South Tag Team Champion. He was, um, I guess, it was CWA World Heavyweight Champion in 79. Uh, but yeah, not an NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion. But no, he wasn't um, a major, sort of major Tag Team Champion. NWA America's Tag Team Champion, I don't know, I don't know what that is. 
Uh, who's it now? I think it's you, Stu. Oh, uh, well, there you go. Tag team champion. You had Earthquake earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Tugboat. Yeah. Tugboat. Yeah. 44 years old there. 44. Wow, this is good. They're young guys. This goes to show, like, how as Vince has got older, and it's, I, yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Like, I'm, old, I'm, I'm, you know, coming up to 40. I don't see my, if I, if you said to me when Hulk Hogan was 40, I'd have considered that an old man, but I don't consider 40 an old man now. And it's got exactly, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Vince is exactly the same. Um, Hillbilly Jim is next. So that's you, Mark. I don't remember him winning any titles. Because uh, I don't remember him anywhere other than WWF. No, and he, um, I think his his career was cut short fairly early, wasn't it? I believe. Didn't he have some sort of in- quite bad injury? I think. Yeah, he. Well, he's forty eight years old here in two thousand one, and he last wrestled in nineteen ninety, I believe. Well, on his cage match, it doesn't have a. Uh, a, a thing to click on for titles, so I'm. I think I'm fully safe to assume that he did not ever win any titles. Now we've got Bruce Pritchard, uh, Brother Love coming out. I'm pr- pretty sure that he hasn't ever held a title. Over. Is he the last one? Do we think? Uh, no, I can think of Sergeant Slaughter. Hmm. So I've been stitched he might up. Might be then. the last one. Stu, you're next with Sergeant Slaughter. I think by the sounds of things. Um. G- Gene Oakland just said the, the atmosphere is so thick you can cut it with a knife. Here comes Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Uh, WWF champion 1991. Correct. Absolutely correct. Nice. Do you want to know a quick injury? Did you take it off the ultimate? Did you take it off the Warrior, the Rumble, and then lose? He absolutely did. Yeah. He absolutely did. It's Hogan at WrestleMania 7. Do you want to hear a very, very quick, interesting stat on this WrestleMania in terms of buys? Always. Um, so this is the most bought WrestleMania in history that wasn't available in the UK on pay-per-view. So this is free to air in in, uh, in the UK, the the WWF's second biggest market, and the top that was no, it's number six all time with a million and forty thousand buys, only available in pay-per-view in in in, in North America basically, maybe Mexico included in that, um, and the top five are all pay-per-views that include uk buys so in terms of north american only uh, sorry that's not quite right because because wrestlemania with rock and cena might have done more north american buys but this is the top top bought pay-per-view that wasn't available in their second biggest market on pay-per-view free to air in, in the united kingdom and um wrestlemania 18 the year after so wrestlemania 17 did 1 million and 40 thousand buys and WrestleMania 18, the year later, did 880,000. Now, can you remember the first WrestleMania in the UK that aired on pay-per-view? Well, if you're saying this one didn't, I'm going to assume... Uh, 2000, uh, WrestleMania 20, was it? Stu, didn't any answer WrestleMania that, 20? Just, just say that question again. So... So basically, this 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 WrestleMania 17 was free to air in the UK. What yeah. was the first WrestleMania that was that was only available on pay per view in the United Kingdom? WrestleMania eight. Wrestle. So WrestleMania eight was available in the United Kingdom. So I'm not saying a pay channel. I'm saying Skybox Office. So you it was after to- 17. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Uh... Twenty 
two. 21. So close for yet so far. You've got the <laughs> side of it. I actually would have thought it was 22. So I remember they did a huge marketing campaign here for mm. 22 when you, you get like WrestleMania big time posters on bus shelters and stuff, which I found completely bizarre. Perhaps a little bit less bizarre than that Peter Gabriel song from the 80s being used as, uh, um, oh, as the big, theme tune, big, which big Lewis time, and big, I were singing. Big, big time, yeah. Big time. Yeah, I'm on my way. I'm making it big time. Um, but yeah, so, so that's just. I thought that was quite interesting because obviously this did this did phenomenal. But this did about two, just un, just under two hundred thousand buys more than WrestleMania sixteen, WrestleMania two thousand. But you know, clearly a, a super popular and, and, and very well performing card before the days of you know maybe one hundred and fifty thousand or so buys from these fair shores, which I'm sure this would have done at the time, definitely. Talking of WrestleMania advertising campaigns. WrestleMania 21, where they spoofed a series of movies with WWE uh, superstars. That was so amazing, wasn't yeah. it? I thought they were fantastic. And I'm, I'm hoping now, is it next year they're back in Hollywood for WrestleMania? Uh, so next year's Dallas, and then similar. they're back in in Los Angeles in 2023. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure my life circumstances will not... Um, not permit a trip to Los Angeles, but that that one would massively appeal because that would be a brand new stadium, incredible weather. I mean, what a WrestleMania going to go to as Iron Sheik chucks Hillbilly Jim over the top rope, and that um, gimmick battle roll is done and dusted in just how long was it? I think I've thrown my notes away. It was so uh, who knows? Not very long, just just under four minutes, I believe. So yeah, I mean, there's probably not not too much to say about that. That got the famous dud rating from. A very unkind Mr. Meltzer there. There was absolutely no way Iron Sheet was going to go over that top rope. That no. He could barely stand up, to no, be fair to yeah. how, do you, Have you got in your notes how old he was at this point? He was 59 years old. Okay, so he's not... I mean, he's not super old, is he? But obviously, probably a hard, a hard life of, um, of bodybuilding and wrestling and stuff probably took, took yeah. its toll on him, I'd imagine. Talking yeah. of those... Um, talking of them WrestleMania 21 vignettes that they did... Um, uh, a few good men is one of my all-time favorite films i could just watch that film over and over and over again so when when uh jbl and john cena did that that vignette from a few good men that was awesome loved it oh, that was uh, another thing about so go on, Mark. with this with with that match it was a sort of nostalgic thing like hey do you remember these gimmicks from the old days some of them were still full-time on the WWF roster as late as like 1996, 1997, <laughs> some of those. Like the Bushwhackers were, Duke the Dubster Josie was. I mean, Earthquake was Golga in the oddities was, yeah. two years before this WrestleMania. The and Bushwhackers it, it, were around in 95, did you say, 96? 96, they were really? still on the roster, wow. yeah. That's when they had um, Steve Lombardi dressed as a kangaroo with them. Crikey. Uh, in matches. And it, it'd be like saying now in 2021 bringing out people like Rusev and Stardust and the perfect yeah. 10 Ty Dillinger, people like that. This was interesting, this one, because we're just moving on to undertaking Triple H now. I remember desperately hoping that Triple H was going to worm his way into the title match at WrestleMania after beating the beating Steve Austin in that three-stage of hell match at No Way Out 2001. Did either of you think that he was going to... I can't remember what yeah. his... Uh, yeah. Coming out of No Way Out, he and Kurt Angle were were claiming they should be in the WrestleMania main event, and they yeah. both had, you know, valid uh, arguments about that. And it was um, it wasn't until 
March the 8th SmackDown when he was in the ring complaining that he's beaten Rock, he's beaten Austin, he should be in the main event when Undertaker come out to interrupt. Um, he said, um, I'm not the people's champion and I ain't a rattlesnake. I'm the dead man. And the crowd went wild and yeah. uh, he went through all of his American badass catchphrases. This is my uh, decade of destruction. I'll make you famous, etc." And uh, that's how this match came about. Stu, you must have been well up for this, being a big Undertaker fan at the time. Yeah, this was uh, yeah this this yeah aside from Rock and Austin, this is probably the match that I was looking the most most forward to. So um... <laughs> look at that, we're seeing it, we're seeing the build up here, and we've got Kane, who's I mean, is that actually Stephanie or is that a doll? I don't know. Kane's standing at the top of a staircase, threatening to gorilla press slam Stephanie off this staircase and presumably to her death. And at the bottom of the staircase, we've got Undertaker remonstrating with general manager William Regal, presumably trying to get the Triple H match. I mean, wow. It's funny you should say that. When I watched that episode of Raw, I I don't think it's Stephanie. You don't no. see any close-up other than what we saw there. And uh, yeah, it would be a bit precarious. He only had to lose his balance. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't think the streak had been... this. Was it... I don't think the streak had been really talked about this moment in time. I think that was next year, wasn't it, when they started to... That's something I was going to bring up. I, I'm not sure yeah. on it, but I do remember after WrestleMania 18, he beat Ric Flair and it. Undertaker stood there with his hands with, outspread went, as if to say 10, because that's when he 10. went 10 and 0. Yeah. Do you and know... I think, so I hadn't thought about... Do you know who made me realise about Undertaker's streak? And that's someone that's on the podcast, because Mark... Yeah, did I tell you on the aeroplane? You said to him on the aeroplane, you were like, you know, the Undertaker's... I mean, I wonder... We were talking about, obviously, the result. Like, I don't know. Paraphrasing. I wonder what's going to happen in that one because Triple H doesn't lose to anyone. And you were like, well, yeah, Undertaker's undefeated. I'm like, is he? And I thought <laughs> about it. And the one that I couldn't remember was Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania 9. Because, obviously, that was... I can't remember. Was Undertaker won by DQ or something in that, I think? Yeah, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, um, he smothered him. Ether-soaked rag. Yeah. yeah. So that could have so easily gone... They could have easily booked, like, a screwy finish with referee down ether so ragged he gets a pinfall then you've the the kind of thing they fell into which was such a major part of wrestlemania for all those years and they wouldn't have had as, as lemmy is butchering triple h's excellent theme tune here um with with no idea what any of the words are sadly the yeah, young I think lady that, from that's... newcastle who uh stuart and i spent some time with that weekend uh swears that um she's she was friends with lemmy she'd met him oh, a few times yeah was that was that the young lady that that ended up having a liaison with your friends, Stu? Yes, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very same. Yes, dangerous liaison. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, I've got a uh, here's a random WrestleMania stat for you. Um, this was the second of four WrestleManias to be held on April the first, and all four have something in common with the main events. Those WrestleManias were WrestleMania six, yep. seventeen. 23 and 28. What did those four main events have in common? Six, um, 17, Sir Hogan Warrior, Austin Rock, 23 was Cena Michaels, 28 was Cena Rock. Kaki, when you first started saying it, I thought, oh, it must be that the title changes hands, but obviously it didn't change hands at 23. So what do they have in common? 28 wasn't a title match. That was the first Cena Rock. Oh, of course it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, read, just so Warrior, Warrior, Hogan, Warrior Hogan at WrestleMania six, yeah. Austin Rock at WrestleMania seventeen, Cena Michaels at WrestleMania twenty three, and Cena Rock at WrestleMania twenty eight. It's not the only 
time this thing has happened at WrestleMania, but it did happen in all four WrestleManias that fell on April the 1st. So it's, it's specifically to do with the, rest of the main event? So, yeah, the people that were in the main event. Okay. Um, so, I just can't think what the connection is between... The one that's thrown me is the Cena Michaels one versus the other the others. Um, hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I think have you got any ideas, Joe? I think you might have to reveal. I've got no no idea at all. Warrior won the title, didn't he? So then and, da, 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 da. and but there wasn't a title change, was there at 20, 20 No, years. didn't we know it? You you, you missed Or twenty three. Cena retained at twenty three. Yeah, and we were about as miserable as any human beings ever been in their lives coming out of that WrestleMania, weren't Absolutely. we? Though actually to be fair, we were all pretty miserable coming out of WrestleMania twenty five two years later, actually, when we were all together. Because it, it like it was like we got to the end of Shawn Michaels and Undertaker and it would been a great WrestleMania up to that point, and then it kind of fell off a cliff a bit, didn't it? And we're like, ugh. Yeah. But then well, the crowd well, was drained. the crowd were drained, weren't they? They were yeah. so drained from that. Uh, go, go on. No, you're gonna have to. I've got no idea at all. They were all babyface versus babyface main events. Ah, of course, of course. Um... Very good, Mark. Yeah, very good, very good. And WrestleMania six was an absolute bomb at the box office compared with WrestleMania five. I think WrestleMania five did like seven hundred and seventy thousand, like a very very strong WrestleMania, and then um wrestlemania 60 like 540 or something and it just you it's mad to think you think how excited we've all have been if we'd have been like 13 or 14 and it was hogan versus warrior we'd have been going i think we might have been more into that than savage and hogan i think what, what do you think mark yeah i think that's that's very likely yeah in this country warrior was gigantic wasn't yeah he it? was yeah uh, well, like you say we were a few years too young maybe yeah, yeah. It plays my mind. I would have leaned to. I would have definitely have leaned to Savage Hogan. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I love Savage, but I, I, I love Savage. Savage probably more for some of the later stuff with him and like the Mega Pass. I don't know, but they're both big main events. I just don't. I don't get why people didn't get behind that main event with Hogan and Warrior. Though I must be honest, I have seen some of the build-ups that, and some of it's a bit iffy because they didn't want. They were so desperate to keep both of them face that they wouldn't have anyone do anything. There was one bit where Hogan, like Warrior, saved Hogan from something and like ran off and looked like an absolute idiot, and they just wouldn't have any conflict between the two. And I think that's the, that's the difference with this was they were. They well, that was the first time they did babyface versus babyface. Exactly, Every other yeah. WrestleMania had had Hogan against the despicable bugger. And that what the, what the next time was six years on at, with Brett and Sean, I suppose was that was the next yeah. time. Yeah, but then they they did they did ramp up the hatred a little bit between those two. Is uh, I'm just trying to think if if Rollins on the network or not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it survived on the networks. They must have bought that. I in. believe it was part of um, the deal with Limp Biscuit for them to use it on videos and future things such as that. That's why Fred Durst got it part of the contract. He was in WWF video games for a couple of years. Oh, was he? he Doing was in what? The, um, he was a playable character. And uh, <laughs> SmackDown Just Bring It was the first one. I think there was a WWF Raw game as well. I, I um, really like, sorry to talk about I really like Triple H's bump through the table then. That was like, <laughs> I don't know if that wasn't supposed to happen. He just sort of like, he just like bummed straight into the table and the table just collapsed underneath him. The pause, the, I guess that's the Spanish announce table that already already was hit during the, during the early part of the um, 
of the show. Joel, I don't remember this match at all. The, the only thing I remember about it, and again, spoiler alert, but you can't really spoil a show from 20 years later, is the crowd erupted when Taker won this, which was quite surprising. I, I became more of a fan of Undertaker in later years because I think his his end of his his end of career stuff up to I guess art. Though I like the Lesnar match you saw live actually, Mike. You were at the SummerSlam match, weren't you? Yes, 2015. Yeah, yeah I really like. I, I kind of feel like that and the um, and the one they did in Hell in a Cell where they pulled the ring mat back. I, I kind of felt like they were the last two. And I, to be fair, I probably can't. Some of this I can't remember. I felt like that was the last two great performances of his career. And I did like. I mean, his run of incredible matches at WrestleMania is his age and also level of injuries was phenomenal but yeah i wasn't super into him back then but i remember the crowd like, people just loved this guy didn't they absolutely yeah. loved it. i i feel like um i could be wrong i i think the american badass years aren't aren't remembered so fondly by some people they were i don't i remember later on people wanted the the dead man back the that character and he came back as the dead man but I, I remember in 2000, when it was first going on in 2001, I loved the uh, American Badass character. Yeah, oh, great. I liked, the motorbike, I liked the, the music, the yeah. fact that he was talking like a real human instead yes. of a zombie. That's, um, that's one of my favourite wrestling moments, that when he comes in at Judgment Day after um, um, uh, Triple H and Rock's Iron Man match and yeah. Michael's a special guest referee. And it was a great match as well. And, and, and they have that oh, creepy fantastic. music. And then that's when he hosses down on his motorcycle and just takes out the whole McMahon Helmsley. Yeah. One of my that is one of my all time favourite wrestling moments in. I don't WWE. think I don't think that entrance is on uh, the network now. The Kid Rock version before mm. he changed to Limp Biscuit. Right. Yeah, that's a shame about it. Like those little girls singing, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You, then, then you just hear a really high pitched scream from someone in the audience, as the, and then he just comes hossing down on his motorcycle. And yeah, that's one of my favourite favourite moments. That. That was such a good year, 2000, for, for WF. Really, I mean, I think that might have been... And it's weird to think that you didn't have Steve Austin for virtually all of that year, but they were just on fire that year in terms of crowd, crowds and and um, the, the stuff with Angle and Triple H and Stephanie in the summer was superb. Um, going back to that... Um, what was that? I've, Joe, I've completely lost my train of thought with that judgment day. What was, what was I thinking? Oh, I know. Um, I thought the Triple H rock... Iron Man match was vastly superior to Michael's and Bret Hart. Um, I think Michael. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was like about was it about six five to six falls yeah. to five? Yeah, or five falls it was, to five, yeah. or something like. That. Yeah. I don't think I've ever spoken to you about spoken with you about this, but I felt like the finish. I know why they did the finish of WrestleMania twelve, where they did, but I thought they really killed Michael's for that finish because it's like, well, Bret. Yeah, you, they, they, Sean would have had to have given up at some point. He was trapped in the shop and he wasn't going anywhere. And it was kind of a screwy finish. And Brett went and like he was hard done by and like this. That wasn't the way to get the Brett fans to buy Michaels. Do you know what that was? That was the really the, we'll talk about Steve Austin and how I, I'm not sure without Steve Austin that I would be doing this with you guys. I might have had I might have a kind of faint interest and maybe watch the odd wrestlemania but if it wasn't for steve austin I'm, i wouldn't have got ever got massively into it and what really killed it for me with the, the wwf was that finish at wrestlemania because i couldn't stand yeah. it because i was behind bret hart and i'm like I, I think i dipped in and watched SummerSlam, and that SummerSlam match with vader annoyed me um and then i didn't even what I, I think i recorded survivor series with steve austin i wasn't watching any weekly tv i was watching nitro on our version of tnt 
Um, and the Royal Rumble, I didn't even bother recording. I couldn't be bothered to record that. That's how far removed I was for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that, that, the that 90, was an awful finish. Was that the 97? Really. Was that the 97 Royal Rumble? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, for me, one of the weirdest environments. It was just, I think the stadium was so huge, wasn't it? It was a really... Yeah, massive. 70,000, I think. It, it was just... Bigger than this one. Yeah, it was just a strange pay-per-view that it felt lost. You felt lost watching it because it was, yeah. I mean, yeah, for a Royal Rumble. Back, was... Getting back to the Iron Man match, the Brett and Sean, it's not a match I've revisited too often because, you know, uh, it didn't live up to I the tried to, Mark, all, but, I gave up after 25 minutes. But what you were saying there about how Brett was a bit hard done by, I, what I do remember vividly is the bell rang he got the title, he's walking up the aisle and then somebody, one of the officials grabs him, tells him to get back in the ring. And I remember reading Brett's lips. He goes, why? Why? The yeah. time ran out. And then the commentators are acting like, why is Brett being unreasonable? But he's yeah. not. There was no mention of here's what happens if it's a draw. Uh, we were led to believe they were going to wrestle for an hour and then we'd know who was better, Brett or Sean. And it, and yeah, like you say, Sean was a beaten man. The, the buzzer rang, then he got back in the ring, super kick, and uh, and that was that. Yeah, not not the best. So I, I that whole that whole time was a was a very very you know, very strange one for the company, and it and it, it took him really. I mean, it, it, the, the the TV leading up to WrestleMania 13 and around that time was was good stuff, but it really took him until um, the summer months really to start turning it around. With I think the Canada USA angle on TV really really turned the company around really. And by the end of the year, they were, they were doing quite well again. And obviously the Tyson angle, they were off to kind of off to the races. But um, as a referee takes a bump here, as uh, Undertaker slingshots Triple H into him, I presume they're about to head out into the crowd right where you are momentarily here, aren't they, I think? Yeah, it's coming up, yeah. Yeah. Um, you were saying there about the US versus Canada thing. I, I meant to say on the podcast we did about AEW Revolution the other uh, last month, the um it's a we've discussed a, n- a number of times oh, at, the layout the layout oh yeah the referee there the baby face is beating up the referee yeah. <laughs> what okay sorry carry on <laughs> uh, the the layout of pay-per-views as in do you need a, a a break match between main events and things like that it's something you've mentioned a lot Stephen. and um and if you remember Canadian Stampede pay-per-view in July of 97, mm. it was four matches. It was two hours and the crowd started off lively and got livelier and livelier for yeah. all four and peaked at the end. You had um, Mankind against Triple H in a sort of wild opener where they were wrestling around the building and into the car park. Then you had the debut in Takamichinoku and Great Sasuke in a high-flying match that the crowd ate up. Then you had a world title match, Undertaker Vader, where they put on a really strong showing. Mm. And then the main event was that insane five-on-five USA versus Canada. And it just goes to show these pay-per-views where it's four hours plus and you've got so many matches with so many wrestlers on the card and a lot of it doesn't need to be there. Yeah, I agree. And and it just goes to show you only need two hours, you only need four matches and you can do one of the best pay-per-views of all time. I, 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 for me, pay-per-view is rarefied air. And, and I, I've said this a lot on Twitter. AEW Dynamite, um, and, and I, I won't, we, we won't give away when we, when this is airing because there's lots I could say about the Dynamite that I've just watched. 
Um, but AEW Dynamite has been a good wrestling show, undoubtedly, since the start. They, they, they hit more than they miss. They're very rarely worse than a six out of 10. And sometimes they're an eight and a half. And very occasionally they're a nine. But they've never quite got it right on pay-per-view. And pay-per-view for me is rarefied air. As you said, you can do a four-hour pay-per-view if you want to. If it's WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom or whatever, and you've got the, you've got the, the matches to fill a four-hour pay-per-view, fine, do it. But you don't need to do a four-hour pay-per-view. If you give someone a three-hour pay-per-view, as you say, with, let's say, rather than four matches, give them six on a three-hour pay-per-view, yeah. that's that's brilliant. And I'm telling you, if, if people go away from that pay-per-view with, they're all, you know, star ratings, whatever. They're all three and three quarters and above, which you can they could easily do. They could do that all day long. Um, people will buy, be more likely and more inclined to buy the pay-per-view again rather than four hours where you get stuff like, I mean, I think they did the one that we reviewed. Was it Jake Hager and who was it on that? Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. I mean, that has got no... No disrespect to those guys, but that's, that has got no business on pay-per-view in any year, and especially not 2020. Um, people don't want to pay to see that. That's all right as a house show match or a dark match or a match on, on Dynamite, but people don't need to see that. So, Mark, you right here, with so Triple H and Undertaker are fighting on the little um, kind of TV gadget. Yeah, I was just you thinking right as here. I was watching them climbing up it there, um, I, I remember being close enough where I could see what they what was on their monitors on this scaffolding. Oh, really? So I was wow. pretty close in that I could see that much. And, yeah, I'm to the right-hand side of it. And, um, yeah, what, all I remember from this next spot where Triple H goes flying off it, it looked amazing. The crowd went wild. It looked fantastic on TV. And then the show, the replay from an angle showing how he landed and the ruin the whole thing. But yeah, Dave, Dave, uh, Dave Meltz has got some interesting comments about that. But um, I like, I like, I remember liking this in the in the arena. The only thing that was slightly um, difficult for us, but it wasn't really, was that we were slight, we were so far back in the second tier that we had the overhang above us. Mm. So actually, the top half of the big screen. Did, were you in the similar sort of spots, Stuart? Or did, were you? Yeah, I, I remember perhaps losing a third of the screen. Not, not, yeah, not, yeah. yeah. Did you have one of the little old box box CRT TVs that were on like mounted on the on the on the ceiling where you could see that where they're pointing that yeah 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 exactly so we were watching all this on the little TV in front, in front of like, us it was fine your neck was like cricked upwards because you were yeah <laughs> yeah so this this I, I like this actually I thought this was a nice change from the. Like the, these guys, obviously, this this show is as we talked about is such a good show. But they were like, there's there's not any brawling in the crowd on this show the whole whole way through in terms of in there, all the hardcore stuff was backstage or on the ramp and down. So this was a bit different. They were out in the crowd. Good on them for doing something a little bit different here. Um, but as you say, I think there is going to be a, a shot shortly. Yeah, where... the replay just takes the whole thing down a yeah, notch. They, so Meltzer says, then they killed it with the final. So this angle on the first replay is fine. Yeah. And it's the second angle. That's the problem we're going to see next. Here we go. Is this the one? Oh, maybe. No, it might be the third angle. Now, that wasn't great, but the third angle, I think, I could be wrong. I thought. Oh, yeah, I think that's it. So, right next Mel, to Triple H landing. Uncle Dave says that then they killed it with the final replay actually showing his landing was into a gimmick foam rubber pit, basically turning the match from serious to comedy and making Ross yeah. look bad trying to sell that it. it was devastating I thought it was a bit much really I mean what do you want like he, he talks about safety and stuff and I talk about that as well that's fine that's fine the, most of the crowd can't see that 
the mis- the mistake there is the, in in the, in the person in the truck. But it's like whatever. Like it is what it is. Like I'd rather it was safe than like he gets thrown into a pit of lions or something. There. I'd agree with that. But I've seen spots like that done where it doesn't look that bad. Yeah, I think yeah. that this looked worse than, for example, the first one that came to mind when Kevin Nash powered one Derek Bischoff um, at the Great American Bash in oh, 96. Yes, yeah. It was Nash's debut. Bischoff went flying through the stage. I'm sure he wasn't seriously hurt. And I'm sure there was a bit of protection underneath, but it it looked, it it it's just, it did look like a nice soft landing for Triple H here and it took the wind out of the sails maybe. Yeah, I think that the... the, the... The, the 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 onus of the mistake on that is on the people in the truck, isn't it? In terms of a hundred percent, yeah. Without the replay, it'd have it'd have been an amazing spot. It was yeah, an amazing exactly. spot. Exactly. Exactly. I was just fight. thinking of the irony that um, the first WrestleMania we all went to it had a spot where they climbed up the scaffolding by the car, hard camera and flew off it, and the last one we all went to was the Miz and Shane McMahon did it as yeah. well. Yeah. I can't say I enjoyed that one as as much as I enjoyed this, the Miz and Shane McMahon. Um, but but there we go. That was a, I mean that was a classic one in terms of we talked about cut, like the way the cards put together. You've got a universal title match with a, at the time super over Seth Rollins winning the title in the first match. It's like well how do you follow that? I yep. mean it's yeah. And, do you know what? That's what I really I, I was going to mention this earlier actually. I, I I really don't hate it when they put a title like a, a big title like the world title on first just because they did it at. Uh, they did it at 26, didn't they, with Edge and um, Jericho? Was it Jericho, Jericho or was it? Um, I thought it was uh, Alberto. Oh, Edge and Alberto at 27, yeah. And then yeah, again, Seamus and Daniel Bryan at 28 as well. Yeah, I just, I, you know, they are, you know, they should always be, for me, towards the end of the card. I know you want to try and get the crowd in straight off the bat and stuff like that, but. You, you build up to it, don't you? They're, they're big marquee matches you build up to them. For our pay-per-view like WrestleMania, my, my humble opinion. No, I completely agree. I, I don't think you ever want that stuff that early. The thing is, if it's a world title match that's got no marquee value, you shouldn't be having it. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Like, And, and I, I still I still think to this day, you, you shouldn't be having, there shouldn't be two world champions in WWE. If you want to do a touring schedule with a champion, build up your secondary title to a point where it can main event shows. That's what it always used to be. They always, back in the 80s, they were running three towns. They would have the Intercontinental title and then it wouldn't be a championship match necessarily in the third town. The, the kind of seat really like, maybe like a three or 4,000 seater. You try and explain that to a non-fan. Oh, what's mm. what's that belt? Oh, that's the WWE championship. Oh yeah, that's like the old WWF. Oh yeah. What's that belt? Oh, that's the Universal Championship. Why have you got that? Oh, because I can't even remember what it was yeah. now. Because the guys someone... that wrestle on Monday wrestle for that one, and the guys that wrestle on Friday wrestle for that one. But why did they bring the? What was the Universal Title brought for? So that was the second. That was the second incarnation, the brand split, wasn't it? Who? Yeah, I can't exactly. remember. Yeah, they did it in 2016. Yeah, they so, so split Am- the brands again. So Ambrose was the under, just was the was the unified champion, wasn't he? Then he went to SmackDown the draft. So they brought the Universal. It's like, Correct. what is that? Like, all you're doing is devaluing. Like, just have, just have the have an underneath title. Like, the, I, I kind of am of, of the opinion now that you want a world title, especially WWE. Such got so many wrestlers. You want a world title defended on both shows. The thing is, forget the brand split. If you've got anyone of any sense that can write a television show, you just have the talent shared across the show. But then Roman Reigns is on Raw one week. 
and the following week he's on SmackDown doing his angle, and you can advertise some of the stuff and have some surprises. Easy. Those first two years when SmackDown debuted in 99 through to the start of 2001, it was great TV. Every Raw, every SmackDown, you loved it. People weren't played out or anything like that. And then at some point, it, it went that way. Yeah. It doesn't get to... back to WrestleMania 35 for a minute there. Like you said, a lot of people believed Rollins and, Le- and Lesnar was the real main event. Um, it went on first. Okay. There was the women making history and the women's world title should be a bigger deal. And I understand that as well. But for me and a lot of others, Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan for their world title was, was the biggest match yeah. on the show. And I mean, yeah. they put that right in the middle which again, fair enough, you've got three world title matches, beginning, middle and end. But then you had matches like Finn Balor against Bobby Lashley, Rey yeah. Mysterio against Samoa Joe. After the world title matches, the crowd, the crowd just, you can't expect the crowd to think, well, now I've seen a world title change. I can't wait for Rey Mysterio in this match that got set up on SmackDown two days ago. Think, think what the crowd would have been like. You could cut an hour out of that show easily, cut it out, get, get rid of it. And then you have the last three matches at WrestleMania. I'd go, I'd probably go, given that it was short, I'd do, I'd do exactly the same match with, with Lesnar and Rollins. That's fine. Lesnar and Rollins, Kingston and Bryan, and they wanted to do the women in the main event. Big near yeah. fall here with, uh, after Sledgehammer shot from Triple H. Um, they wanted to do the women in the main event. I'm telling I, I, I think the crowd would have been electric, and that would have been one of the, la- the best last hour and 15 minutes of WrestleMania that we'd ever have been to if those had been in a line at the end. And, and the Becky finish would have got an even bigger reaction rather than at whatever time it was, 20 past midnight, I think it finished, didn't it? Which yeah. Is a bit Becky mad. said on the episode of WWE 24 that did on it, WrestleMania started on the 7th of April and the main yeah. event started on the 8th. It was gone. I mean, she, must have been, she must have been annoyed about it. I mean, I think this year, um, obviously, they're doing two nights. To- They've now, in between our break, uh, our, our refreshment break, they've changed it. So they're doing 25,000 seats each night now. Um, so I think they, they basically done two nights to try and sell more tickets, which I do understand. But I actually don't mind the two-night thing at all. There we go. That's the finish. Last ride, an eruption from the crowd. Absolute eruption. I mean, I think... Um, what Actually, let's talk about this for, for a moment. Stu, what did you think of it, what your memories of this Triple H and uh, an Undertaker match from this WrestleMania? I think, like you say, just electric crowd. They just went, yeah, they were just love taker, didn't they? Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, anyway, it was a good match. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. But like I say, it's it's the it's the crowd pop that made it definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, what do you think about this one? Well, I remember when he came back as the American Badass in two thousand. That's when he debuted the Last Ride Powerbomb. That was his new finishing move instead of the Tombstone. Yeah, and the finish to this match where Triple H was in the corner doing the 10 punches spot he reversed i believe that was the first time he did that great finish but then they did it to death in the next two years i remember seeing him in numerous matches finish with with that yeah what do you think but yeah time? on its own merit it was fantastic yeah the crowd loved it all action fighting in the crowd weapons great stuff what do you think get some velocity going down on that uh that last ride <laughs> So, uh, I thought I uh, thought this was decent. What do, what do you think, Mister Meltzer gave this as a um, star rating? Three and three quarters. I'll, I'll go four again, maybe. Three and a half. Which I thought was a little bit harsh. And he, he also had these harsh comments with Triple H. He said it's funny because H uh, 
it's funny because Triple H never does a clean job and he did here and instead of elevating a new star he put over an established star which is so smart politically doing a clean job on the biggest show of the year while at the same time not making a new star so there we go he said both guys work really hard but only gave it three and a half stars so I'm going to let you two hold the if you, if you thought sorry go on Mark if he thought Triple H didn't do many jobs in 2000, 2001, wait, wait until Meltzer sees 2003. Wait till he, wait till he, he pedigrees Booker T at, at 2003, goes and makes himself a coffee, has some lunch and then pins him. <laughs> right, um, do you guys, are you guys all right holding the fort for a moment Absolutely. or two while I, while I go and uh, have a, a, a quick refreshment break and get myself a final Guinness for the main event as we see The Rock walking out and Steve Austin, the bionic redneck in deep in the heart of Texas says he has to win. Well, um, I, I tweeted out a picture. I think you saw it, Stuart, um, on the Go Home Smackdown a few days before this. Um, the Undertaker was arrested by four cops in a confrontation with Triple H, and two of those cops went on to be Mr. Kennedy and yeah. Bobby Roode in WWE. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, got a, I got a kick yeah. out of seeing that. Uh, it's amazing to think Bobby Roode in particular was doing spots like that on WWF TV in 2001. And he signed with the company for the first time 15 years later in 2006. Crazy, isn't it? That's a long journey, isn't it? I've got one more, yeah. uh, one more WrestleMania spot. Uh, uh, statistic, should I say? Uh, well, it's not a major one, but it's just an observation, really. When you're talking about main events, as we're going into to this main event now, um, if you separate by sort of five years at a time. It's amazing to think the main events, uh, if, if we go back 10 years before this, WrestleMania 7, main event was Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter. Yep. And they'd both left WWF altogether by WrestleMania 12, when it was Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels in the main event. They'd yep. both left WWF by WrestleMania 17, when it was Stone Cold and The Rock in the main event. And they yep. both left WWF by WrestleMania 22, when it was Cena and Triple H in the main event. So this turnaround time of guys at, at the main event of the card at the top of in the top of the cards and then they're gone within a, a handful of years. But from WrestleMania 22, which was Cena and Triple H, that's when that sort of stopped and people started hanging around for a long, long time. Mm. Build the build to this match was was one of the best builds ever, weren't it? Re really, I remember at the time being a bit the Deborah part of it didn't sit well with me. I thought she didn't add anything oh. to the feud and she yeah. you didn't need her. But watching back these last few weeks, the Raw and SmackDown, I think she did add to it quite nicely. I'm just pleased yeah. that she wasn't a factor in the match itself at the pay-per-view. And Rock sells a stunner. Best-selling best of stunners ever. Yeah, I, I loved it, yeah. Some people think it was a bit over the top, but yeah, I, I had no problem with it. What was that? It was over the top? The way The Rock sold the stunner. Oh yeah, I didn't mind it at all. It was, it was yeah. I, I quite liked it. I remember Lewis and I in the in our in our bedroom in um at the at the Howard Johnson Inn on Casey Freeway, which I would not recommend. Um, <laughs> we would do like impressions of taking a stunner kind of thing, and Lewis would flip and fly all over the room. He also did a swanton off the side where the TV was onto the bed, which I thought he was going to kill himself doing. So yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't have had travel insurance at any of those of those trips. So I can imagine quite a big medical bill. So we've got the absolute classic my way um, uh, preview video for this. I mean, it's just like this is just how did we get so lucky to go to wrestle? I mean. <laughs> 
No wonder yeah. we kept chasing it for so long after this. I mean, bloody hell, the rock. I mean, he, the, I know Steve Austin, unbelievable, but you think of the level of star that the rock is and the number of times that we've had the privilege to see him. I mean, crikey, a year later, we saw him in Hulk Hogan. Like, it's, yeah. there's no more iconic match than these two in their prime at WrestleMania. Just, I mean, crikey, take me back. Get me back to the Astrodome. You maybe didn't hear, Steve, uh, while you were away. I, I was just saying about the quick turnaround time of WWF main eventers. If you went in a five-year period, 10 years before this, WrestleMania 7, Hulk Hogan, Sergeant Slaughter were the main event. They'd yeah. both left the company by WrestleMania 12. It was Brett and Sean main event. They'd both left the company by WrestleMania 17 when it was Hogan Rock main event. They'd both left the company by WrestleMania 22 when it was Cena, Triple H, and that's where people started hanging around a bit longer. And yeah. um, it doesn't turn around so quickly anymore. No, it is. I always think that. It's mad to think that the, the time sort of stood still a bit in WWF, isn't it? This is a great comment from Heyman, as we show there, and he said, this, this is the main event. I've got Fink saying this is a no, a no DQ match. I mean, this is just... is that, I'm actually getting slight shivers even just thinking back to this. Like, I just loved... I, I love Steve Austin so, so much. I mean, I just... I was basically obsessed with this guy. Like, when he came back in, what, end of 2000, I was recording every single segment of his on Raw, and, like, we used to have a double video at home, and I would copy it onto it because I was like this guy might not be around for much longer I just want everything that he's he's done I mean look at this walk what do you think of this um this disturbed entrance music at the time for Steve Austin was this the new re yeah liked it yeah mm -hmm. absolutely I liked it too yeah at the time I don't think I did I don't think I took a while to warm to it but looking back now it, it, it's great and I associate it more with his heel run because he hadn't had it that long at this point where he's yeah because uh, it, it turn heel he had it for the first bit, the hill run, all the way up to Invasion, and they they they, they shifted it to some other other music for the the second half, um, before he went back to his second his second theme. Because I actually preferred his, what I would say, the Bret Hart WrestleMania 13, which is slightly under slightly more understated, and he they switched at some point, I think before the Michaels match at WrestleMania 14. But I mean, look at this crowd, look at the flash bulbs, just Austin. And Jim Ross talking about the Barnet Redneck. Oh, just, uh, yeah. It's just, it's just, if you can see Stephen's face, listeners, he's just sat with a big grin <laughs> on his face. Biggest smile on his face. I mean, this is, this is, I just, uh, it just makes me a bit sad that, um, I mean, I, I'm sure that, I'm sure that all of us at some point, if we stick with wrestling, there'll be another period where we really, really like, don't, I know she, you, you, you're probably more into it than the, the, uh, the, either of us. At the moment which is great uh, but i think that there'll be a point in time in the future where WWE gets hot again and we'll be able to enjoy it all over again yeah. maybe maybe not so much going maybe at that time but certainly maybe potentially going to live events in the uk but it's just this is just classic stuff isn't it this is this is like pure brilliant professional wrestling the rock coming out to booze with the big eagle just like i mean crikey doesn't get any better or bigger than this does it really? pecs. imagine how you would feel though Stephen, if Two years later, instead of watching his final ever match in Seattle, oh, no. your brother gets married in a marriage which, to be perfectly honest, was doomed to fail. <laughs> uh, and it didn't even last a year. Uh, to have missed that, I mean, fair enough, the Royal Rumble was pretty good, but I loved Austin as much as you did. And yeah. To have missed that WrestleMania, that, that was a big one for me. I wish I'd known, though, Mark, is the thing, because I was gutted when he lost. And I didn't really get it. And then it all came out on the internet. Yeah, nobody day. knew, did they? Yeah. No, no, no. 
What, who are you more for here, Mark? Were you more? Um, sorry, Stu. Were you more of a Steve Austin guy, or more of the Rock? Oh yeah, Austin. Yeah, Austin. Yeah. yeah. See, it's interesting. Like I was reading the Observer um, of this, and I remember at the time. Like I remember watching these shows. Mark, you've just seen them. The crowd was for Austin in this time, and they should not have turned him yeah. here. That, that the crowd was cheering Austin. Obviously, in Houston, they were cheering Austin. But the other other live event stuff, they were for Steve Austin. They wanted this. They wanted this babyface character. They've been starved of him for a year, and I, and I really feel this should have been a babyface run for Steve Austin going up against some of the younger guys. Um, you could have done the Triple H thing again. You could have turned Jericho. You had Angle matches to still still come that you could have done he, he, um, face and heel. Austin should have had the title for a year here, and then then um, done a unified unification match at the following year's WrestleMania versus somebody. Um, but what yeah, it all comes I mean, down to, and he's admitted it himself, it was all Austin's idea. He wanted yeah. the heel turn. He thought it, he could make it work. Well, apparently, and I didn't know this until probably um, maybe 18 months ago when I was reading some of the old Wrestling Observers. Apparently, Austin wanted to do this. The original plan for WrestleMania 2000 was this turn. So Steve Austin, before he got injured, he wanted to turn a year before. But, I mean, I don't know. I just um, It doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. And I feel like... They had the perfect opportunity to not to just change it all and go back to Steve Austin Invasion. Like the reaction when he came out on Raw and basically turned yeah. back Babyface, and the reaction yeah. at Invasion is like just, just so. I dumb. don't know if you remember it the same way I remember it. You two, um, I I seem to think as early as coming out of the Royal Rumble before No Way Out, even there was things in whether it was Power Slam magazine, whether it was the internet news sites. I remember hearing. Austin might be turning at WrestleMania. Yeah, I agree. Months ahead of this, certainly weeks, if not months. So I think that was at the back of my mind going right into it. I certainly didn't, um, in the build-up, there was nothing that really suggested it, unless you look really deeply in some of the things that went down. But yeah, because I think that was out there, it was sort of common news. It was sort of, I was waiting for it to happen. But yeah, yeah I mean, the match was still a classic. There's no way so, around that. I mean, it's, we, we talked about this off air, but we um, I, I saw a clip of the of the go home SmackDown for the first time this week. Obviously, we talked about it earlier in the show how we didn't see these shows out. In fact, was SmackDown even on in the UK at that time? Not entirely sure. In no, full, it was. I think we saw clips on on weekend. Oh, actually, sorry, Joe. You know what? Too late, two thousand. It was. So we we'd had it probably for six months. Actually, just thinking about it, working on the timeline, but we'd never seen the show before. But there's a I mean, you, you explain it, Mark, in terms of the end of that end of that final SmackDown, in terms of what you know, what well, I, what was presented. I first noticed something. Uh, you you mentioned uh, you when you'd watched that video that the the sort of look on Austin's face and his demeanor suggested what was it a hint at something sort of mm. thing. Um, and I first noticed it the week before that go home SmackDown. It was the SmackDown on the 22nd of March is when Austin and Rock had the memorable sit down interview in the locker room with Jim Ross sat in between them. Um, it was noticeable to me that Austin said things along the lines of he must win this match. He has to win this match, which is odd, odd way to word it. And then, yeah, in, in that um after that My Way video played and Kevin Kelly tries to get a word with him as he's leaving the arena, Austin was saying he needs to become champion and he sounded desperate. And yeah. it, he was sort of, it was like he was a man on the edge and on the verge of going over that edge, which is what we're going to see shortly. And there was like a, probably like a five or six second 
where he did a look on his face where he was sort of like looking back towards the arena, thinking about something. And I know it's it's you know it's easy to say foreshadowing when we know what happens, but it just screamed out. I think if I'd watched that at the time, I, I'd have been even more intrigued about there's got to be a heel turn here. The bit that I didn't necessarily think, I never, no, sorry, not necessarily. I didn't ever think that they would do the Vincent Mann thing. I, can't, I, I, I didn't ever remember anyone seeing that no, or predicting same. that. Did, did you remember that around that time, Stu, anything along those lines? No, and, and it was the first time that I'd seen the the, the video. And like you say, it was that, that, <clears throat> that bit at the very end, you know, it was almost like he was looking at someone, do you know what I mean? Which made you think, who who, who was he talking to there? Because you yes. saw him like looking off in the distance, didn't you? You know, um, so there was definitely something something there, but I, I probably wouldn't have picked up on it 20 years ago. But now when you start to to look at it, you think, yeah, maybe there was a couple of like hints. In, yeah. in the years that followed, there was there have been periods where there's been way too much McMahon on, on the shows. And um, Vince was all over the Raws and the Smackdowns leading up to this. But in fairness to him, he kept well away from the whole Austin and Rock angle. He wasn't involved at all. It yeah. was all building towards the Shane McMahon um, thing, his relationship with Trish, what was going on with Linda. Uh, he was involved with Regal and they were making plans and things like that. So there was certainly no hinting as to Vince getting involved in this match at all in the build-up. No, and I think, I think again, you know, that was the right thing in terms of this. Though the Deborah, the Deborah thing was a bit of a kind of misstep, I think, in the build-up, was it? Which they kind of dropped, didn't they? I suppose. Yeah, when you were away um, earlier, I, I said to Stuart about at the time. I remember thinking she's she she doesn't need to be involved, and she's diluting the thing a bit. But as I went back and watched some of these, some of the segments involving her, I did enjoy. For example, really okay, was interesting, a, yeah, a match um, on the March twelfth Raw. Kurt Angle was getting a title shot at The Rock, his rematch from No Way Out. And um, he threatened to break Deborah's ankle if she got in his way during the match. Now, Austin got wind of this and he went into Angle's uh, locker room and warned him that he would be in trouble if he touched Deborah. And then he went from there into The Rock's locker room and said the same thing to him. If Deborah gets hurt, I'm holding you responsible as well. So when um, Angle did put her in the ankle lock after that match, Austin ran in and obviously attacked him and got him away. And then as uh, Rock turned around, uh, Austin gave him a stunner as well, yeah. living up to his promise. And I think uh, her being there did did help some of the story. But I was just hoping that she wouldn't be a factor in this match. We mentioned Vince earlier. I think if I was thinking at the time, if anyone was going to get involved uh, beside for these two it was going to be deborah either doing something wrong against her husband or something so i'm pleased it didn't come to that do you know something that's just popped into my mind as well i'm pretty sure that it was somewhat known that the rock would be leaving at some point after this to do another film i think and i don't know whether we knew that whether he'd be, he might be around for another month or something so i certainly yeah, think there I might be right yeah, I think there might have been... So it was kind of like this weird thing where it's like, is Steve Austin... What's going to happen here with Steve Austin's turn? And we think he's probably going to win because it's in, it's in Texas and all that stuff and Rock's going. But how's it going to happen is, is the real intrigue in terms of the uh, inverted commas kind of smart fan going into yeah. this. But, I mean, Austin's really healing this up already in terms of the 
his work in this match and the and like ultra, ultra, ultra aggressive. And I actually thought at the time he had most of this match, I thought, in terms of most of the offense. And The Rock's already busted wide open in this. Um, but I just remember I the... That, sorry, Mike, go ahead. There, there may have been discussions uh, after the pay-per-view back at my hotel room, Stuart, when we were all having a few drinks and talking about the event. Um, I think but even by that point, you know, Austin had turned heel... It was going to be the next night on Raw. I think the Rock thing was a factor because we were wondering who's next uh, for Austin. And I think the general opinion was going to be now is the time to turn Triple H good guy yeah. and have them to uh, do the feud yeah. that they never really got to other than that Survivor Series 2000 match and then it was gone again. Um, that would have worked. And, and in reverse, with Austin as the bad guy, Triple H as the good guy. So when the two-man power trip was formed the next night on Raw. I think that was a, a big surprise and possibly a missed opportunity. I'll tell you what, yeah. so I was at that Raw. I'm sorry to touch you. When I was at that Raw, and when Triple H... So there was an angle at the... I think it was Austin and Rock in the cage, wasn't it, the rematch? Mm-hmm. Um, and Triple H came out at the end, his music hit, and that place absolutely yeah. erupted. And then he... Well, he didn't really turn heel, but you know what I mean? He stayed heel... Uh, but I agree. I thought that was the that was the time. I also think I also think that whichever way you whichever way you wove this, and I think you could have done this easily as a you could have done it as, as face and face and just kept it as it was. But I, why was Steve Austin and Triple H not the main event of WrestleMania in two thousand and two? I mean, they had the history. Yeah. They split up. Two man Patrick Triple H got injured. You could have done it whichever way you wanted. You could have done face versus face. You could have done it tween or whatever. I just don't. I just the, the the use of Jericho was the the whole thing with Jericho was awful. There's no point putting a title on someone and then just not pushing him at all. I mean that was bizarre. People were leaving during that main event of WrestleMania. It's like you never yeah, seen yeah. anything like it. I, I wonder if the decision was made at the end of 2001 to push Jericho as the undisputed champion, which I'd had no problem with. He, he was he was worthy of becoming a main yeah. event of the same as Austin and Triple H already were, but by by the run-up to WrestleMania, it was clear they weren't, they weren't going to yeah. follow it through, so to speak. He was, um, at one point, Stephanie was telling him to walk a dog, I believe, um, <laughs> the WWF champion, uh, and that uh, so that she could the have a confrontation champion, wasn't with it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's mad. Well, I mean, mad, yeah, follow, again, following, having your main event in the middle of the show or in the second third of the show, which they did with Rock and Triple Eight, uh, Rock and Hulk Hogan, you know, yeah. the main event had no chance. Yeah, yeah. Set up, doomed, doomed to fail. Another, and unfortunately, another Triple H WrestleMania main event failure, really, it was. Um, well, they, they, they got it, you know, they got it, um, they got it right. Because if you think WrestleMania 25, we've talked about that, haven't we, with The Undertaker and, uh, and Michaels and how the main event fell flat. They got that right for 26, didn't they? Because they put The Undertaker Michaels on. Yeah. Uh, as the main the the main event, you know what I mean. And in some respects, you, you I would probably argue and say that uh, Rock and Hogan should have been the main event at WrestleMania 18. I would agree. I think you do. I think you do Jericho and Triple H in the semi-main, and then go to Rock and Hogan. Yeah, I think yeah. WrestleMania 18 would be remembered very differently if that was the main event as a really good WrestleMania. Yeah. Now yeah. people, I think, think of it. Well, I remember Rock and Hogan was awesome. But besides that, blah, blah, it's blah. a one-match show, isn't it? Almost in it. Yeah, but I think everyone else would have had more of a chance if that match was yeah. the last match. Yeah. So they're both bleeding now. Austin just kicked out after a big, uh, big ring bell shot. 
So we're getting into the meat and bones of this uh, of this match now. I mean, I, I, I just um, in terms of the atmosphere, I just remember this. This was just an absolute fever pitch, like the whole the whole thing, and just people were just into this. I mean, there's very few matches that I've seen live that people have just been so into from ringside all the way up to like a big, you know, big dome, and the, and the crowd was loud during this as well. I mean, Austin Sullen's really, really good here and showing some, showing some peril as the Rock lays lays some right hands in on him. I mean, it's mad to think what the Austin what the Rock's, off the ropes was great. Yeah, I mean, the Rock's become like pretty much one of the most famous people in the whole world, isn't he? And I, yeah. and I do I do like it when he does the the like was, he had a post about Steve Austin never done three sixteen day. He doesn't have to do that stuff, but I was very critical of the Rock for for many many years. But I completely changed my point of view on him after he came back and did. He, re- he remembers yeah. where he he remembers where he's come from, doesn't he? he never, yeah, he's he never does. That, and I, I think he yeah. got some bad advice after WrestleMania 20, and, and they told him to move away from wrestling. They made him slim down and take some kids' roles and all this sort of stuff. And then he, I think that's he, when he, he became known as Dwayne Johnson. He dropped the rock altogether. Yeah. At that point. And then he changed changed representation, got back involved with WrestleMania 27. That did it. WrestleMania 27, I'll tell you what, I mean, and that was that was down to him. I mean, WrestleMania 27 did 1,059,000 worldwide buys for, for an event that was was main evented by The Rock, by um, John Cena and The Miz. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> and that was because of The Rock. Uh, that you, there was 400,000 buys there because of The Rock's involvement in a, in a hosting capacity and, and to wonder what happened. But, I mean, he's an absolute megastar and he's... That night in Phoenix when he won the title from CM Punk and he he, he like that you can you know what pay per view crowd CM Punk's like a cult hero and he turned it every I was cheering the bloody rock by the end of that one I mean Kyle with my CM Punk t shirt on clapping him because he was just it's just unbelievable and his his promo if you get if you ever want to watch a like a just an absolutely brilliant pro wrestling promo his promo before that match is one of the best promos I've ever seen. He talks about his mum. He talk it's, it's kind of like a semi Dusty Rose takeoff. It's just so good. And it's like the guy is just oozes like just just class. And I am not even that I don't think he'll have a match now. He doesn't need to, but he'll pop up here every now and again and he does the post and he promotes pro wrestling and like good on him. What what a superstar. Do you think there's uh do you think there's rooms room for a, a rock reigns match in the future then? I would love it, but um, I think the build would be fantastic. Yeah, the, the form yeah. Reigns is in now. I mean, I wonder if Dallas is too soon because the thing the thing is, you just don't know if um, the thing with the thing with the WWE is that does it make financial sense for them to bring The Rock back for a match of Roman Reigns at WrestleMania when WrestleMania is four ninety nine on Peacock? I mean, they. Uh, it beggars belief that they ever allowed this event to go on to WWE Network, um, because really, I, I would say, especially with the archives, most. I mean, how much? Like, I don't watch any modern stuff, but I wouldn't consider canceling WWE Network because of the archive. And I think, no, no. I think the vast majority of subscribers, if you kept Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Summer Summer Survivor Series off the network and had those on pay-per-view, I think they've yeah. had comparable numbers to previously. And you still would have had the subscriber numbers in WWE Network. It's just, it's just mad. So what can they pay The Rock? But then if you're going to do a sellout in Dallas with big ticket prices, then maybe it makes sense. But 
who knows with social distancing and vaccines and yeah. strains and, and and god knows what in a year's time whether that'll be even be possible but i i you know i really think they're onto something with like this head of the head of the table and stuff yeah. or head of the family and stuff like that you know and you could just bring you know you could bring the whole family into the, like you say the bill to it would be epic if they did it right and and reigns is hot at the moment mm. he's really hot and i just think yeah years time it yeah i i, I me I'd, I'd pull the trigger on it absolutely yeah if that was going to be the first if that I'd was going like to be the first WrestleMania back with like you know almost like a uh, ninety thousand crowd you'd pull the trigger on it absolutely yeah a reminiscent like... of uh, bret hart and uh steve austin there yeah, i was just yeah, thinking I mean, that yeah I mean, really, this this is kind of the first. I was brought in here. I remember thinking, like, is this going to be, you know, is this going to be a submission here or something? And <laughs> like, obviously, it's probably not going to be because it's quite early. But it's kind of from here to the end that I'm I'm fully invested in every sort of near four submission here. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, just just to, just. As I, I, I can't really speak highly enough. But, but in many ways, this, this, I mean, this is certainly my favourite WWF Championship match of all time. What, is there any, any ones that you can think of that you like more than this in terms of actual world title matches? It's an interesting question. Uh, I was always fond of Cactus Jack Triple H, which is, which is a hardcore brawl of a different style to this, really. But yeah, this is certainly up there. Got to be top five. Yeah. How about you, Stu? Um, yeah, I think this would be yeah, absolutely. And I think all the more special because you like you saw it, you know, you, you saw it live in person. I mean, I loved Edge Undertaker at twenty four. Mm. I thought that was an awesome, awesome match. That's an underrated um, match. You don't hear so much about it, but it I, was I excellent. I, it was an excellent, excellent match. Um, yeah, no, this the yeah, this this number one, easy. It, it's interesting when you think about it, actually, that there's not too many WF Championship matches at WrestleMania that really jump out at me as being, like, super memorable. There's there's quite a lot of high-profile misses, actually, in there. You think, yeah. some, some of the times, like, the, Un- the Undertaker match is a good example in terms of, like, quite a lot of his matches weren't for the title at WrestleMania. Most of them weren't. Um, and the other matches and stuff, like the Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior we talked about earlier on and various other things. But in terms of title matches, this is, you know... This is, this I sometimes is wonder if if he hadn't injured his back at Royal Rumble, whether Austin Michaels at WrestleMania 14 could have been an all-time. Yeah, would have been great. Would have been better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely. still pretty good with Michaels had a bad back, a uh, broken back. Michaels was in, yeah, it was. And Michaels was in really, really bad show for him. And he, he couldn't really bend down properly, could he? And I think he no. exacerbated it during the he match. started off bad and it just kept getting worse. Didn't yeah. It? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, uh, I, I'd say, um, I'm, I'm just sort of going through them in my head, really. The 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 the, uh, the, the title matches. I'd say um, uh, uh, Reigns against Lesnar at 31. Was... Reigns against Lesnar at 31 is a very underrated match. With with yeah, with was, was up there. Yeah, yeah. With I would say in terms of in terms of pure booking. Um, yeah. and booking themselves out of a position that's one of the best and most creative finishes they've yeah. ever done in terms of um in terms of that i'd say maybe that's the the most recent really great wrestlemania main event i think every main yeah, event agree. as in the match that's gone on last since then mm. it's been a little bit of underwhelming hasn't it yeah 
Hold the thought, so guys. I've got the weakest bladder on planet Earth. I want to be completely fresh of mind for the finish here. So, so you hold the thought for a moment. All right. So we've got Austin reverting to his uh, ringmaster finishing oh, move. I've got, his... I've got a fact about this, actually. So um, in a second, <laughs> before I go, um, basically, uh, The Rock's going to push off the ropes and um, try and pin Austin the way that Austin lost at um, Survivor Series 96. And Meltzer um, said, older fans will remember this is the finish of the 1971 match where Pedro Morales beat Ivan Koloff, the WWF World title. So there you go. A little interesting fact for you there. I do remember the Bret Hart, Steve Austin one at Survivor Series, but I always think of um, Bret Hart, Rowdy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. That finished that way. Yeah, that finished like that, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bret got the pin with that one. There's one. I've got another stat here but it's not a very interesting one but nonetheless um on the poster which you'll see on the dvd cover and everything else it's very odd to me that there's a picture of austin and the rock they're not in the wrestling gear and they're not in their entrance gear they're just in regular clothes did you notice that i had not noticed like on the picture i'm looking at now on the poster you've got you've got the rock wearing a pair of sunglasses and a plain black t-shirt yeah. Austin's got his um, chain around his neck, which he never wore to the ring. It's just yeah. an odd thing. And then a picture of the building itself, the Astrodome, yeah, which the Astrodome, is another yeah. thing. You never see that on the poster, the building. But yeah. I, I guess that's due to a very distinctive-looking uh, building, isn't it? Or wasn't it? Now it no longer exists. And one thing I've got here, Stuart, which won't translate at all to American listeners... Uh, I, I thought I'll track down what were the top, what was the music charts in April the 1st, 2001. And I was going to ask you, can you guess what was number one in the charts? But the entire top five, only one of the bands in the top five would probably even be known in America. I think the other. Um, oh, okay, that's interesting. Okay, right. Yeah. So let me have a. See, I'm not big on, I'm not big on early noughties music. Um, I wasn't sure if that period of your life you you might remember that weekend certain music or something vince is on his way out so what was the uh what was the question mark uh, I, I thought i'll track down what what was the top of the music charts that weekend april 1st 2001 and what i found i, I got the entire top 10 printed out and hardly any of the bands are probably known to american listeners at all it's very uk uh, specific. uh coldplay no i think that's a bit early for coldplay oh really okay yeah. Well, I was going to throw. I was going to throw probably uh, a bit of Westlife in. They oh, were number our, five. You, our, our chart is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Westlife yeah. were number five that week with Uptown Girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Billy Joel classic. Wow. I actually uh, saw Westlife live. I think the week after I got back from WrestleMania, my then girlfriend. So that was that was a good night. <laughs> actually, to be fair. Well, the number one. I'll give well, you. No, a clue. No, 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 let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I'm All right. quite. Cute. Quite curious on this. Now, so, so in ring now, we've got we've got. Uh, well, she thinks this number one. We've got the Rock is going for the people's elbow. So unusually, he's doing it facing the facing the uh, the apron here. So, yeah, people's elbow. That's one of my big bugaboos with current day WWE. The way everything has to be to hard. Cap. Oh yeah, so annoying. When, when it's something like this, where he's doing it different to normal, it it feels more instinctive. Like he's just he's just decided to do it, not taking 
to account if he's in the right place or not. I don't think they, they shouldn't teach that at the performance center. I think that's that wrestling should be filmed like a new Japan does this. It should be filmed like a sport. So Vince has just broken up the pin. Obviously, it's a no DQ match, and Rock is uh, dropping some obscenities. Looking at him now. I remember this is this this bit because you don't really know what's going on now. So Rock's chasing Vince around the outside, and Vince goes back in the ring, and then Rock gets caught with a Steve Austin rock bottom here. And the crowd erupts for this. Yeah. Look at the background. Look at the crowd for this Exciting. near fall. I mean, this is just epic stuff. And the Rock just gets his gut, gets his shoulder out, and Vince is a gas on the outside. Any guesses on the uh, number one? Uh, if if, if you say there's any American might know, I'll, I'll, was 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 there a bit of Britney in there? Or was that a bit too early for Britney? She was around at this yeah, point. She was around, She's not yeah. in the top ten. Um, the number one were basically a one hit wonder after. They won a uh, reality TV show. Uh, well, uh, oh, um, was it? Um, was it Will, Will was it Will Young and Gareth Gates? Uh, Will Young was 2002, Gareth. wasn't it? I think 2002, I believe. Yeah. Uh, right. Was it hearsay? Correct. Pure oh, and simple. By pure hearsay. Pure and simple. <laughs> I'll be there for you. <laughs> number two. <laughs> number two in the charts was "It Wasn't Me" by Shaggy. Everyone oh, remembers that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. true. Okay, so Steve Austin just said to Vince McMahon, get in here with the chair. So this is the business end of proceedings here. And Vince is in. And you're thinking in the crowd, what is going on? What were you, can you, can you remember, Stu, what you think of this was going on? Well, I, I was I was thinking that he was going to waffle Austin. Like yeah. I do, because there was such deep, you know. So Austin's holding up the rock and you think, yeah, Rock's got a duck and that. Rock does not duck. Big chair shot from Vincent Mann. Jim Ross is going mad on commentary. And this... They're in a stunned silence, I think, from the crowd. And then this is the turn. The referee is down. Vince is going to get him up. And, and, and Austin has the Rock pinned here. And Vince is throwing the referee back, back in. Two. And Rock just sneaks out. Just sneaks out. There's a guy in a Kurt Angle t-shirt in the front row. And like the second row that is really supporting Austin. They can't believe that the Rock kicked out of this because the crowd is purely for Austin still. Like, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, there might have been a scattering of booze when Vince first came out, but this crowd is still completely for Steve Austin here. Yeah, without yeah. any doubt. Right until the finish, that no matter what he does, the crowd were willing him on to do it. Yeah, exactly. Including me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just wanted Austin to win. What was Lewis? What was Lewis thinking? I mean, Lewis absolutely loved the Rock. So, like, he just wanted the Rock to win. I mean, this is the thing that was so good with in terms of like he was gutted when the Rock lost. But he, the thing is, he really liked Steve Austin as well. But the Rock was like his number one of all time. Yeah. Um. So the Rock's just hit the rock bottom on uh on St- on Steve Austin here, and Vince is up on the open, distracting the ref, and uh, just quite can't even speak. Too many Guinness, distracting the referee and pulled him back in. I mean, yeah, this is just... Um, I mean, I know what's coming here. Straight into the stunner. There we go. Best and the Rock stunner is, ever. Yeah, what a sell <laughs> job. I mean, this crowd... And he kicks out of the stunner. You can just see in the background the crowd, the way they're all jumping, the, the waving their arms, they're all stood up. It, it was I mean, fever was, pitch, wasn't it? And that this, was the this, rarity. This is the... This is the... What I, what I call the turn moment now. I mean, this is it, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure at this point. Was it something that they'd planned all along, or had Vince come out to say, "Steve, I'm going to help you," and Austin was just going with it? That was the yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get a big and, 
chair shot to Rock's head here. And I just remember, I was still nervous that some something's going to happen here and the Rock's going to win. And Rock kicks out again. So like the, the baby face here that just won't be beaten and that Austin is frustrated, covered in blood over his head. And Jim Ross is doing a really good job on commentary here as well. And Austin's basically asking, well, he just said to Vince McMahon, what's happening, MFR, to uh, Vince McMahon in terms of kicking out there. So, yeah, not as not a Matt Hardy follower. Is that, is that what Matt Hardy used to call his followers back in the day? I think it was, wasn't it? What, the MFers? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I forgot that. And Steve Austin's just laying the chair shots in, the, the, the end of the chair into the rock here. This is just, oh, man, this is so good. He's just absolutely wearing him out with the chair over and over and over again. And Jim Ross is like, come on, Steve, don't do this. And there we go. And he's like, what the hell is this? One, two, oh, yeah. three. It Jim and Ross that is, is it. Uh, a great moment of Jim Ross as well. What a reaction. Steve Austin's looking at the crowd now and he can see they're not booing him. Yeah. Oh, we've got a new champion. I absolutely lost my mind when this happened as well. Was where were you with you in the section you were in? Was everyone cheering this? I was oh, mad. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. It's the hometown hero, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, exactly. I know Houston's not specifically hometown, but still Texas. And they're shaking hands. And Jim Ross has just said Stone Cold is shaking hands with Satan himself. What a line. And and yeah. I'll tell you what, the thing is on the so they show the wide shot here of the crowd. But then I'm pretty sure that in terms of Steve Austin in the corner, I'm pretty sure they keep with the crowd celebrating. I'm pretty sure they keep it close in on him because they don't want to show the crowd celebrating so much. Um, I was still expecting. I was still expecting here Vince to get stunned. Oh, it was really? Like, yeah. It was always like he's used. He's used Vince for what he needed. Stun him. Yeah. Move on. Do you know what I mean? Well, he's talked. Talk, had yeah. he done that? Had he done that? Could you imagine how how more the crowd would have gone off? If he'd have done that as well. He's talked about he should have called an audible on the finish and just stunned up, stunned Vince and dealt with it afterwards. Interestingly, off and you, you probably both remember this, off camera, on off off air, when he was back on the stage, he was just like, Well, we're off pay-per-view now and to celebrate with the crowd. And he went and did the like the arms up, yeah, the crowd were going yeah. mad. Yeah. He walked from side to side, right to the ends of the yeah. uh, the stage. He must have known, like. I tell you what, in the next night in Fort Worth, he got he got a few boos when he came out of Vince, but the crowd still erupted for him. And he even yeah. said something like, um, oh, you're probably expecting a, an explanation and it would have to be a very slow one for people here in Texas. Um, but they didn't even boo that particularly. He was, he was actually a hero. Like, you can't... It just wasn't time. The, the, the big difference between the two ultra babyface hero turns was that when Hulk Hogan turned, people were already on him and booing him and yeah. he was, especially in the WCW strongholds people didn't want this turn but they still could have got out of it they still could have got out of it the invasion one bugs me a lot more than this because I think you you can make a mistake once but you don't need to make it and this this belt shot is about to do the rock got a massive massive ovation as well like people cheer this yeah yeah as the rock sort of staggering back to his feet and Austin's about to smash him with the belt yeah, I mean, you can't really see it on the thing. There's a few arms up, but people cheered that. I mean, look at Steve Austin. I mean, what a kaiki, what a character. How old was he when he when he had to had to retire? Was he 30, 37 or 38? Maybe yeah, 30. about that. What year yeah. was he born? Uh, 
So he could have easily had. I'm usually good at this. He could have easily had like a solid five year, like a, like a top level five years without doubt if he'd not been injured so badly um, earlier on as he leaves the ring with, uh, with Vince McMahon now. But I mean, what, what a show. I mean, it, it, I mean, it is top, top to bottom. It's got to be the best WrestleMania of all time, isn't it, really, I would say? I think people still say it just instinctively, and, and I, I can't think of a better one. No, there's, been, there's been good shows, but I think in terms of top, top to bottom. What do you think uh, Mr. Meltzer gave that? Um, should you go first? What do you think he gave that a star rating, even though I can't actually find my notes on it at the moment? Uh, four and three quarters. Mark, what do you think? After what you said earlier about four and three quarters, basically been five. I wouldn't say that because of the screwy finish, so I'm going to go down to four and a half. You'd be correct, four and a half, yeah. 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 I'll tell I'll you one thing worth, worth mentioning um, about this this point in time in general for WWE. If you look at who was in each of these matches and how new they were to the WWF audience, I've wrote down here name by name, basically, and I'll go through them quick. How many years they've been in WWF? Jericho, two. Regal, one. Taz, one. APA, five. Ivory, two. China, two. Eddie, two. Test three, Benoit two, Angle two, Hardy's two, Dudley's two, Edge and Christian three, Undertaker, fair enough, ten, Triple H six, Austin five, Rock five. Nobody besides Undertaker had been there more than five or six years. And then, you know, I look at WrestleMania 37 coming up, Roman Reigns, eight years, Randy Orton, 19 years, Bray Wyatt, seven years, even... The four horsewomen, Sasha Banks, Bailey, everyone, six years they've been on the main roster. It's just so different how this was a new WWF. But yeah. I think I think that sometimes get lost. I don't think of that as a new generation of wrestlers by 2001. But I mean, Rock and Austin had only been around five years. It's crazy. How many of those you've named would be in? Would be, and I don't want to. I don't want to call it NXT purgatory. But how many people would be stuck in NXT? Like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. As who are the best performers they've had, especially Adam Cole. I think, um, you, Mark, you've watched a lot more NXT than I have, but Adam Cole for me is is every bit as good as as. Mm, I shouldn't go quite as far as that. Adam Cole reminds me a lot of CM Punk, similar sort of size. He's got something. He's got a great. He's a very good looking guy. He's great in the ring. Like, why is he not in a role on the main roster as like even if he's an upper upper mid card heel or something? It just think, blows my mind. I think with him specifically, I'd say the size is an issue. Not only yeah. is he... I know height's usually a big deal. He's not a very tall guy, but weight as well. He's, he look, he's not skinny, but he's, if he's 200 pounds, I'll be surprised. I think he's yeah, less yeah. than 200. And, um, and that's still, after all these years, no matter what, he's still a big deal on the main roster under Vince McMahon. Yeah. It's just but, the- I mean, him... Him, his personality, his wrestling ability, and I think I know they broke up Undisputed Era now, but I think as a faction, they could have been a huge deal on on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, big time. Because I mean, Fish, Fish and O'Reilly are excellent. Roddy Strong can have a good match with anyone, and I think it's a missed opportunity now because well, Retribution's never really worked, has it? No, absolutely not. And again, they brought up a load of guys for NXT for that spot, and they haven't done anything with them. Ali's getting all the interview time and he's getting lost himself in multi-man matches where, you know, he's an amazing talent that hasn't really 
had a chance to show it. Yeah, it's just a bit of a bit of a shame, isn't it? They're, 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 I feel like you you could put. I mean, if we if we got together and we we put our heads together and we're like, okay, even if you've got a, you've got a month to build these feuds for WrestleMania, we you could come up with an incredible card from the from all the people that are under their banner, including NXT. But it look it look you know they've got one of the greatest collection of of wrestling talent they've ever had, in my opinion, oh, and they have for a number of years. Yeah, but, and yet the the final product. You know, when was the last really great WrestleMania top to bottom? You know, I'm I'm looking at maybe WrestleMania 31. I'd say 31. Then, yeah. yeah, and the the thing with 31 is that um, WrestleMania 31 was like the WrestleMania of the of the very the WrestleMania of the very good match. Re- WrestleMania 31 didn't have the though Brock Lesnar and Reigns is probably underrated and had an incredible finish. It didn't have that. It didn't have that Shawn Michaels Undertaker that thing that one particular thing that everyone will remember had lots yeah. of highlights like the Rock and Ronda Rousey and the Sting and Triple H, but that as a show was was an incredibly entertaining show. But yeah, I know like you, I I'm of the opinion that you you shouldn't ever be able to mess up WrestleMania. Like you you've got you it's not like UFC where they are like oh we're gonna have Conor McGregor versus this person we have Conor and then in, when he wins this fight I'll have six months against this person we're gonna make all this money. You can you've got all year to plan WrestleMania. There should never be a reason to not have a good WrestleMania. I just I just don't. And actually, to, to like WWE is a bit different because you've got twelve pay per views. So I do understand with the twelve pay per view model that sometimes you know time is not going to be right. It's not going to be a hot challenge or whatever. But AEW, you've got four pay per views a year. Like you shouldn't mess any of those up. It's just it's just it's it's unforgivable. But that leads us to the end of a very enjoyable look back, or enjoyable for us. Who knows what the listeners think? Enjoyable <laughs> for us. Look back at WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna go, I'll go first in terms of rating. I mean, I can't. I'm not sure that a ten out of ten wrestling show exists. Um, but that's a nine point five for me. I mean, just a phenomenal wrestling show incredible crowd and it was comfortably one of the best days of my life um so probably the best day of my life up to that point and i would say it's still top 10 100 percent. so Stu, what are you what's your rating in wrestlemania 17 and some any sort of final words before we get on out of here uh i'll give it oh i'm gonna go i'm gonna give it 10 out of 10 10 uh, out of 10 nice the first wrestlemania the best WrestleMania, great friends made. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely, great words. Uh, Mark, over to you. Uh, yeah, on on screen, I put it a little bit down from ten out of ten for the first hour. Was you know, it, there was nothing really bad on it, but the first couple of matches with the Ivory match and the right to center match, you know, take those out of it, and you'd have had a. That four-hour pay-per-view could have been a really, really good uh, three-hour pay-per-view. Yeah, that's true. Um, Start with Benoit well, and yeah. Angle and go from there. That's yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, the weekend itself, I mean, I, I think of this from time to time and, and without wanting to get too deep into it, I, I'm a fairly introverted fella. And um, at that point in my life, I was 21, still living at home with my parents. I, I, I work at a place that's just down the road from my house. I didn't have a driving license. I was just in my own little bubble with people I'd known all my life. So to take the jump, I decided that was the time I was going to travel across the world on my own and just 
just to set myself a goal that I wanted to see the thing I'm most passionate about, which was pro wrestling. And the biggest thing in pro wrestling was WrestleMania. And that's why I look back on it fondly now as the greatest weekend of my life, certainly at that point. And it, and it, you know, and like Stuart said, we've got friendships now that have lasted 20 years that just purely by chance we were sat near each other on an aeroplane. And yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to the next 20. We'll still be talking about wrestling probably. Yeah, I can't Absolutely. wait for my, my 60th at whatever that will be. So that'll be WrestleMania. <laughs> what is it this year? WrestleMania 37. So that'll be WrestleMania... 57. 58 well that's a good 57 is a classic year to celebrate something isn't it but i think i think what you said is right mark like it's it's i would encourage anyone that hasn't been if you get a wrestlemania in your whether you whether you like WWE or you don't go yeah. and see wrestlemania because there's something magic about it and and i think for for me personally like my 20s was not particularly not a particularly happy time and i think it's a lot it's the same for a lot of lot of people in their 20s like you're struggling at work and like there's you know there's you know you can't quite do the things you want to do and you haven't met the the girl or guy that you want to meet and you're worried about the future and you spend half your time worrying because you're just you're just kind of like in this weird bit that when you get to your 30s you're a bit more chilled out and things everything just everything just seems a bit more like you're a bit more worldly wise but wrestlemania was like a like i can't even understate like it was my reason to live like i went to that team and I would text Lewis. I don't know if I said this to you guys before, but from the point that we booked WrestleMania the following year, I would message Lewis every morning with how many days it was to go until WrestleMania. Every single day, every single holiday for whatever we did together. What was it? Nine WrestleManias. And it's just like, it was just, they were the absolute best of times. And I'm so like, you know all the unrepayable credit card debt i've just managed to be able to repay in the last couple of years genuinely from some of these early trips like it was all worth it i wouldn't change anything i'd change some of the booking perhaps but in terms of our trips i wouldn't change a thing so hopefully we can do this again next year for our 20 year look back at wrestlemania 18 so yeah yeah, i've really really enjoyed this it's been it's been such good fun um Stu, any final words before we get out of here uh no, just I've I've just loved. It's been epic. I've it, to, you know, it's, I've not watched that pay per view back in its entirety for a very very long time. So that was just full of nostalgia. And and like I said earlier in 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 the cast, had had I not met you guys, I don't think I would have done another WrestleMania. Mm, yeah, I, I think I, that would have been one and one and out for me. So so you know the the the, the longevity our friendship has given to you know, to, to doing this and living the dream again and again and again has been, uh, has, has been epic. And, and uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to do it again next year. Yeah. WrestleMania, WrestleMania 18. Let's, let's do it. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Mark, over to you. Final words. Yeah. I echo everything Stuart said. Um, I'm going to, I, I tend to keep everything uh, as I've shown with the Divas 2001 magazine, the videotapes <laughs> of the, when I did commentary and stuff, I'm going to, um, when this uh, episode drops, I'm going to put some stuff on Twitter if anyone's interested. I've kept all my memorabilia and stuff. So, yeah, it's send great me, to send look me, back um, at it. Actually, on that, send me some photos and stuff that you've got of you, of any any photos and stuff. And I'll, I'll, at the time when the show's released on the 1st of April, I'll tweet a load of that stuff out at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, it, you know, as we, all three of us are in agreement, it one of the best weekends of our lives and it, it's yeah. life changing. You know, when you love wrestling as much as we did as kids, 
and you think, yeah. maybe one day I'll go to WrestleMania and it lives up to the hype and you, you're lucky enough, fortunate enough to see the best WrestleMania there ever was yeah. the first time you go. And it's so odd that, you know, we're Stuart's a little bit older than me. I'm a couple of years older than you, Steve, but we all decided that one year was the year we were going to go. Yep. You know, it could have been a year before we could have gone to 2000 and it was a decent event. It had a couple of good matches, but would things Thank have been different? Didn't. Maybe not. There was no Stone Cold Steve Austin, who, as we've said, we no, were all yeah. was our yeah. number one guy. If we'd booked it in the in the autumn of um, ninety nine, would have been expecting to see Stone Cold Steve Austin, wouldn't we? Yeah, sure. um, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were so very, it could very, have been very different. Yeah, yeah. Very, very fortunate and very lucky to to have all, all. I'm sure for all of us, all of the sacrifices, all of the nights out, all of the boys trips and stuff that we didn't go on. As I said, I wouldn't wouldn't change a thing because this really was, you know, the pinnacle. So anyway, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you guys on um, for a regular episode of Mid-South Moments very, very soon. I hope you've enjoyed listening and we shall speak to you all again very, very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at MidMoments on Twitter, and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.